It is our Kentucky Derby Day preview show. Let's dive all into Saturday at Churchill Downs, and we'll get through all the stakes races for Churchill Downs on Saturday with a different guest to join us for each race, and then we'll also get a chance to talk with each of them about who they like in the Derby. So on this episode, we'll start in race four on Saturday at Churchill Downs. The Derby City Distaff with David Aragona. We'll get into the Distaff Turf Mile Race 5 with Caleb Knight. The Knicks Go Race number 6 with Jessica Paquette. We get into the Twin Spires Turf Sprint with Josh Rodriguez. The Pat Day Mile with Barry Spears and Matt DeSantis. The American Turf with Andrew Champagne. The Turf Classic with Chris Alarmy. And the Derby Horse by Horse with Emily Gullickson. So kick back and enjoy as we go through all the big races for Saturday at Churchill Downs and then a horse-by-horse preview of the Kentucky Derby. Thanks so much for hanging out with us on the That's What G Said Kentucky Derby Day preview show. Now, we'll talk about a lot of the sponsors throughout. It's a great way to support the show if you're a big fan and you'd like to uh, to show us some support. Do so by uh, reaching out to some of the great sponsors of That's What G Said podcast. So much ground to cover, not a lot of time to do so. We dive right into it. Kick back as we get through the Saturday card at Churchill. Time to start the Saturday stakes on the Kentucky Derby undercard. We begin with race number four. It's the Derby City Distaff. David Aragona from Naira, from DRF, from Timeform US. David is the morning line odds maker for the New York racetracks, and he's a sharp, sharp handicapper. You've heard him here on this show many times. He helps us dive into race number four on the Saturday Churchill Downs card. It's the Derby City Distaff with Goodnight Olive. Okay, let's start the stakes races for Saturday. We're on the Kentucky Derby undercard. We're looking at Churchill Downs for May the 6th and the 1st. Graded stakes race of the day is the grade one Derby City Distaff. Now, it's not the biggest field in the world, but there are a couple of very talented fillies and mares in here, including the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint winner from last year. Good night, Olive. Very lucky to have David Aragona join us. We know David Aragona is the man who makes the morning line out in New York. David does great work for Timeform US. Great stuff for DRF. And David, I, you have your hands in probably about 15 or 20 different things coming up in the next few days, huh? Yeah, it's always a busy week, but an exciting week because uh, we've got some really great cards on tap, especially this Saturday card at Churchill. I mean, Belmont's you got a good one, one this week too, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't seen the Saturday card just yet, but I mean, Thursday and especially the Friday card is really nice. Uh, but yeah, definitely have my hands full handicapping this Saturday card, as I'm sure all horse players do. There's a lot going on at Churchill, and I'm, I'm happy you gave me one of the easier races to talk about. Yeah, we'll give you a chance at the end to talk uh, about and, and kind of detail everything that you got. Uh, you had a really good um, uh, t- a podcast that came out with Craig where you detailed all of the Kentucky Derby contenders. That's just a really great resource for folks that want to throw it on in the background while they're doing their handicapping the next few days, uh, spent a, a ton of time on and every horse and, and really broke it down well. So uh, that was very nice, but let's talk about this Derby city distaff and then we'll, we'll pick your brain a little bit on the Derby. So obviously the starting point in the conversation is good night, Olive. Can we beat her in here? She will face a couple other talented fillies, but 
I mean, she's seven for eight. She's won seven races in a row. She was your Philly and mare sprint winner last year. You, you sort of felt like the time to try to beat her might've been in the Madison, you know, making your first start of the year where she wasn't quite as good as she was in a few of her others, but she was still plenty good and, and made the move at the right time. What do you think about her? Like, is this race even a playable race for you? Um, how are you approaching the Derby city distaff? Yeah, I think this is a playable race. I mean, no doubt about it. Good night. Olive is the horse to beat, but I think you have to decide how short a price you really want to take on her. I mean, sure. she's got quite the reputation now, as you said, she's won seven in a row last year's breeders cup winner. Uh, now three uh, grade ones in a row going for her fourth in a row. So these kinds of horses tend to become invincible in the minds of the betters. And they're not really, I mean, this, no. is, a, this is a tougher race in my opinion than the Madison. And you mentioned that we saw some vulnerability last time. I mean, she took over at the top of the stretch like she was going to win that race by four lengths and you saw some of the rust last time she got a mm -hmm. little leg weary in the late stages i mean the runner-up in that race mary quite contrary she's a good horse who always puts in an honest effort so i mean uh, no surprise that she was finishing at the end but i think some people were a little surprised that it got as close as it did mm -hmm. and now coming back for this race i mean chad brown horses are typically ready to fire their best off the layoff so i don't know how much of a step forward we're really supposed to expect and there are some other legitimate contenders in here I, that and that's that's the key i think there are two or three other legitimate fillies that you may be able to look at and say, these are horses that are moving in the right direction right now. E you know, it's pretty tough to knock what wicked halo has done recently. She was third to good night. Olive in the breeders cup Philly and mare sprint. And in that race, she had a less than a good night. Olive had a much better trip than her in that race and wicked halo. That's the only time since last year she's lost in her last six races. Yeah, I completely agree with you. When I went back and watched that Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare's Brent, I kind of didn't realize that Wicked she Halo... She ran that well. Yeah, I mean, she she was loaded coming around the far turn. And arguably, if you switch places between her and Goodnight Olive about the three-eighths pole, I'm not saying that Wicked Halo would have won the race, but I think it would have been closer. And people might not realize that when you, they see the three-and-a-half-length margin of defeat uh, behind Goodnight Olive in that race. And like you said, her form surrounding that has been rock solid. If you go all the way back to her loss against Matarea in the eight bells from last year, that's another race where she did not get the best of trips, got shuffled back on the backstretch forced to cover a lot more ground than Matarea in that race uh so you can make excuses for the only times that wicked halo has yeah. lost in her last uh what is it now seven races and she came back off the layoff last time looking better than ever seven furlongs definitely a distance she handles arguably her best distance so i think she's the biggest threat to goodnight olive and then even beyond her um and you i think you'd want to get a little bit rewarded more with the price but we mentioned Matarea, and then we could talk hot and sultry a little bit after, but these are fillies that, do they need to improve? Yes, but uh, Matarea moved through, got a beautiful opening in the race at Oaklawn Park on March the 31st. She looked like she was going to go on and win that race easily, and then she got run down by Wicked Halo, who we just said is in really nice form. That was also Matarea's first start as a four-year-old. That was her first start since August, so she is a Philly who showed a lot of ability last year. It wouldn't be crazy to see her take a nice step forward. Although kind of like with, uh, with Brown Cox is certainly capable of getting horses ready to fire, but to see her improve a little bit, that wouldn't be a big shock. 
Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, I'm a little bit less interested in her if they are indeed comparable prices. Uh, her and Wicked sure, Willow, I absolutely. guess we'll see how that works out. Um, but I feel like she's a horse, Monterea, that her reputation maybe outgrew her actual performances by the time she got to the test last year. I mean, she had mm -hmm. faced some uncompetitive fields in the Acorn and even the Beaumont where she had been most impressive. And like I said, I thought she got a little lucky when she won that eight bells. And obviously something went awry in that test because she missed the rest of the year. I doubt that was the original plan. Um, and last time out, like you said, she slipped her on the inside. She had every chance to beat Wicked Halo, couldn't quite do it. Maybe it was the slop. Maybe it was the layoff, although Brad Cox, another barn that does great off layoffs. Mm -hmm. So I think she'd have to improve uh, to, to turn the tables on Wicked Halo and to beat Goodnight Olive. The other one that was interesting to me, I would like it if she was drawn to the outside versus the rail a little bit more was hot and sultry. Just looking at her like her form and coming out of the mile in the 16th races, turning back the seven furlongs, it's pretty tough to knock finishing behind Clarier and Secret Oath and the race before that, Secret Oath, Clarier and Interstate Daydream, who's also nice. And that was hot and sultry's got a first start going long in a while after a couple sprints. She like her form coming into this. I could see her running well here. I, I would like it a little more if she was sort of shifted to the outside. She's like, how do you see the the pace of this? Could she maybe get shuffled a little or could it maybe be a little tough for her down there? I mean, she definitely has the speed to be forward in this race. I don't think that she's the clear speed. I mean, we've seen travel column go forward in some recent races. It hasn't been working so well, but maybe they'll try to do that again with her. Uh, but I think drawing the rail, Jewel Rosario has to show some aggression mm -hmm. with Hot and Sultry, even though that she's been able to come from just off the pace in her sprints. I guess my problem with Hot and Sultry is, you know, we talk about this happening in turf races sometimes where inferior horses get dragged along to better speed figures than they typically would earn sure. by superior competition. Yep. And I think we saw a little bit of that in her two route races at Oaklawn, but, you know, behind Clarier and Secret Oath, because if she was coming in without those races showing off just her prior sprints, she'd be like 15 to one in here. And I think she's going to be much shorter priced than that. That's a very good point on the number one hot and sultry. As we talk this one out, it feels like, I mean, that, and I kind of was coming to the same assumption or the same kind of conclusion. It sounded like you were just, I was very impressed taking a second look at wicked halo. I think I just may've forgotten how good her form really has, uh, has been as of late and exactly how you put perfectly. She just, the two races she hasn't won, Recently, she had legitimate excuses because the winners just got way better trips than she did that day. She's set to make her second start uh, as a four-year-old, second start off the break. Like She's got some upside and maybe can take another step or two forward. Yeah, it feels like a race where Goodnight Olive is going to be three to five. I mean, she's earned five speed figures, five buyer speed figures in a row that are higher than anything Wicked Halo has earned. And obviously that's a hurdle for Wicked Halo, but I agree with you. I think Wicked Halo is still a little bit underrated and maybe is better than those efforts indicate. She actually is a horse that looks a lot better on the time form US speed figures uh, than the buyer numbers for whatever that's worth. But yeah, she's, if I was going to bid anybody in this race, it would be Wicked Halo. And I could really see people Wanting to give Matarea another shot, just like you said, she kind of got a little reputation last year. Some of her wins were so easy and by open lengths. And I could see people, you know, putting her right in that same range with Wicked Halo. I could also see the one getting bet a little bit, like you said, just off those running lines. People see Clarier, Secret Oath, the figures aren't bad. Both of those horses take a little bit more money. Then 
it it provides even more value on a horse like Wicked Halo if she is like seven to two and those two take money into her and she's not even like a strong second choice in this race. 100%. That's basically how I'm viewing the race. It's a look at race number four. That's the first of the stakes race on the Kentucky Derby undercard, Saturday undercard at Churchill Downs. Let's talk about the big one, the main event. It's going to go as race number 12. David, you guys have uh, poured into it, done some fantastic work. Craig did a, a lot of great stuff with the speed figures for some of the horses coming from Japan to try to make it a lot easier for all of us to compute how those races might stack up. Now, I know it's a lot of difficult, time-consuming work, and it was very helpful for some of us. Now that you you poured into anything, everything, you've made your you made your line, you've made your value line. Who are a couple of horses on your radar that will be in some of your exotics? Yeah, I mean, I, I made the value line and I, I tweeted that out. You can check that out if you want to see it. Uh, and I think that's a great exercise to do in a race like the Kentucky Derby, where there are so many horses in the race. Some of them are just going to slip through the cracks with the public or maybe even in your handicapping. And it's good to kind of go through horse by horse and decide for yourself what you think is the fair price on everybody, because there's going to be opportunity on the tote board, it's just whether or not you see it before the race. And it's uh, okay, David, not to interrupt you. It's okay to change your mind when you see the board, right? I think as, as handicappers, sometimes we get so set into making a pick, especially in a race like this, like early on where you can very much like a horse. And then you, like you say, you look at the board and all of a sudden one of these horses that we thought was going to be 15, all of a sudden they're 30. And then you become much more interested in them. A hundred percent. Like I was having a debate with a friend of mine earlier this week about Skinner and I was a little bit down on him that he liked Skinner more. And they just asked me like, oh, how do you have Skinner at 15 to one on your, your value line if you think he's got no chance? And I was saying, I don't think he has no chance. I just didn't think he'd be the fair value. And that's kind of how I'm viewing this race. I want to exactly. try to get onto those horses that are fair value. So I would certainly update my opinion on Skinner if he's 25 to one in this race. That's a great price on him, but I don't think he's going to be that. But sometimes we see surprises on the tote board in the Kentucky Derby. So I agree. It's a race where you definitely want to keep an open mind and just going through it. I think, you know, the, the most uh, important point about making the value line for me was that I didn't see any one horse in this race that was so much more likely to win than anybody else. I mean, the horses that I have as the shortest prices on my value line were six to one, which is uh, basically a, a one in seven chance of winning the race. And that's kind of how I see it. It is just so wide open. So I want to get paid on anybody that I like. David, uh, you have so much stuff out there as I, as I pointed out, Plug as much of it as you can remember, and we know we'll follow you on social media. You always do a good job of, uh, of sharing all your stuff there. But what are some of the big things that you have coming up that you'd like to, to promote and plug? Because fantastic stuff. And whoever's doing the uh, the Derby, uh, the uh, the DRF social media needs to keep pumping your stuff out there even more. It's uh, It's excellent. Oh, I appreciate you saying that. And I, I, I guess because it's top of mind right now, I'll say, you know, as I'm making my way handicapping through this Saturday Churchill Downs card, um, I'll be writing betting strategies with Marcus Hirsch. You can find out more about that on DRF.com. Go to their shop page, part of their uh, DRF uh, players package. Uh, I think they're offering a couple packages there that you can check out. The betting strategies are part of both of them. So Marcus and I will be writing some detailed analysis of all 14 of these races at Churchill Downs on Saturday, putting some tickets together. So 
you can find that out there. I always love sharing ideas with Marcus. Very much respect his handicapping. Um, I'll also be doing, uh, in addition to that podcast that you mentioned I did with Craig yesterday, uh, Craig and I will be recording some videos for the Daily Racing Forum YouTube channel. I think we're doing the Derby, the Oaks, the Pat Day Mile, and the American Turf. So you can find those out, uh, find those tomorrow. I think they'll be posted by the afternoon. And uh, yeah, aside from that, all the typical Belmont stuff, it's kind of pushed to the back of my brain right now, but I'll be looking at that when they draw the Saturday card later today. And usually they've got a pretty stacked Saturday card uh, at Belmont to kind of go along with Derby Day as a companion. So uh, I'll be looking at that a little bit later. David, really appreciate all your work. Um, I was learn a little something every time we talk. I appreciate reading your uh, your write-ups and watching the videos and listening to the podcast. And you're one of the absolute best out there. And you're very respected. I know you take it you take it seriously because you want to make it accurate for the betters. You are like one of the absolute most respected when it comes to making the morning lines. Everyone really agrees that. Um, it's like anything, you put the work in and we can all tell. So we all very much appreciate how much time you put into it. And thank you for all the hard work you put into uh, to helping us out. I really appreciate that. Thanks for having me on. I love chatting about this stuff with you. And, you know, even when I think I'm being clever, making a point, you're often on top of it yourself. So uh, you're, you're pretty sharp, uh, a sharp guy to talk to. So I always appreciate when you have me on. Thank you, David. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you again real soon. Good luck this weekend, man. Make a ton of money and, uh, and crush it. Thanks. Don't go anywhere, folks. We have a lot more ground to cover on Kentucky Derby Saturday. We're going to go through the undercard all the way up to the main event. If you're a fan of DRF, where David does a lot of work, you can also check out DRF Sportsbook. If you're in the state of Iowa, you have to sign up now and use the promo code FAST1000. It'll get you up to a 1,000 deposit match. If you're a, a sports better in the state of Iowa, DRF Sportsbook, promo code FAST1000. Big thank you to David for helping us out with race number four on Saturday. We move next to Caleb Knight talking the Distaff Turf Mile. Caleb helps us out with race number five on the Saturday card. Kick back and enjoy. Continuing on the for, uh, Saturday undercard, and we are up to race number five on Saturday. We are talking about the Distaff Turf Mile. They'll go a mile at, uh, on the turf there at Churchill. And uh, this is a race that's kind of before some of the bigger exotics, but still an intriguing race because we're going to see a very talented horse make her four-year-old debut. I'm excited to talk about a good friend. Uh, love talking races with Caleb from On the Wrong Lead. Uh, Caleb, I feel like when we chat races – a lot of the time we kind of get to similar horses or even when I'm listening to you on the wrong lead and, and watching some of your shows, a lot of times I feel like the horses that you get to, towards are horses that I kind of gravitate towards too. So sometimes we have good days, sometimes we have bad days, but whatever uh, we're, you know, sometimes we might be cheating off each other's test. I, I feel like. Yeah, I, I agree. Gino uh, ducks fly together. I guess so do we, <laughs> um, but I, I completely agree. I think we, just have a tendency to approach races from a from a similar place, I think. And uh, we haven't really talked about this one, you know, prior to the stream no. for the Distaff Turf Mile. But uh, I have an in, an inkling of indication that we may be in uh, at least somewhat of the same horses here as well. Yeah. So let, let's uh, dive into this race, and then we'll talk about anything else you have going on this week, and we'll uh, we'll get a thought or two from you on the Derby. Keep in mind, anyone that's listening to our conversation, we are recording early in the week. So a big thank you to Caleb for helping me out. This is on Tuesday. So a lot of things can change between Tuesday and Saturday afternoon when, uh, when this race will run as the fifth on Saturday. 
but we'll see the return of Spenderella in here, Caleb. And Spenderella will be making her first start since August. She'll be making her first start as a four-year-old. She is super talented, really, really nice. Like nothing to knock about her form. She went to Royal Ascot and she finished second in a big field in a very prestigious race. She's a grade one winner. This feels like the type of spot where you're supposed to beat horses like this. We have a few of them showing up over the, the two days of Oaks and Derby on the undercards. And she'll be making her first start as a four-year-old. She'll be making her first start against older and just kind of looking at the way the race shapes up, there might be a couple sort of pesky horses in this race for her that are, I don't know if they can win the race, but they're quick early and they, they should be pushing the pace. I just, I see at least the one sharp hero stretching out from sprint races with the rail. This is a horse who was pretty close to like 22, 45 fractions. Two starts back was in a race where they went sub 44 fractions and wasn't that far off of it. And then, you know, to the outside, you've got Freedom Speaks, who probably wants to be pretty close up. Sister Luann probably wants to be pretty close up. I don't know if it's going to be the easiest spot for this super talented filly. Yeah, I think that you do have to kind of start with the pace in this race, because to me, it is a little bit murky in here. It, I don't think it's going to be a single horse out there loping along, carving out 24-48 splits all by themselves. I just, I think that what you touched on the one horse sharp hero, I, I truly don't know why this horse is in this race. I know it doesn't make sense. I, I guess will be a pace factor for half a mile, if nothing else. Um, yeah, Sister Luann with Luis Saez, clearly this horse, uh, this filly really only has one way to go given her success uh, on the lead. Sh she's going to be forwardly placed, especially with Saez on board, who always rides aggressively. Like you said, Freedom Speaks, another one who could be forward. So I don't think that Spenderella is going to get a soft trip by any stretch. What I will say is I was impressed with her ability to sit a trip last time yes. at Del Mar in the Del Mar Oaks. I think that I was kind of wondering going into that race, is she kind of one dimensional? Is she going to need the lead type? Mm -hmm. uh, I know we saw her kind of take a pressing trip back in the Coronation Stakes at Ascot as well. And I think she kind of confirmed that she's not a one dimensional runner and nope. that she can sit. She just happens to have a very high natural cruising speed. Yep, completely agree. So she's she's classy. She's a really, really nice filly. Um, you know, and when we're looking at her, if you're trying to beat her, play play against her. Her speed figures, if you're looking at buyers or whatever type of speed figures looking at, you're going to have to improve a little bit. You can build some of that improvement in for the time that she's had off from three to four now. She might have grown up quite a bit. And as you pointed out, perfectly we sort of saw that maturity and growth when she was sitting off a little bit more that generally happens when horses get a little bit older a little bit more mature they don't need to just have that one way to go and they have multiple gears she seems like that type i, I would not be shocked at all if she's just an, a super impressive winner but it does feel like the spot in this field with the murky pace and some older horses in here who who are kind of tested and have maybe a little bit more foundation than she does right now. I'm there's definitely one or two others I'm looking at in here. How are you, how are you looking to maybe play this race? Yeah, I think I sort of use Spenderella the same way in the sense that it, if you're going to try to beat her, this is the spot off the layoff first time older, everything that you mentioned, she 
had to miss some time due to having surgery to remove a bone chip. They thought about bringing her back at Keeneland, decided to kind of wait until this race. If you're ever going to kind of take a shot against a horse like that, this does feel like the time. Yep. Uh, as far as how I'm going to approach the race probably depends more on how I feel about the overall sequence, whether it's a pick five or whatnot. Um, I haven't gotten quite through all of that, but I will say just from this race uh, individually, there were two other runners in here that I thought were interesting and neither of which are going to be bombs, but uh, essentially my opinion in here, and maybe this is an easier way to approach it is I don't really want anything to do with speak of the devil. the number Me, yeah. two. And I yeah. think, there's a reasonable chance that she's going to be a second choice and a fairly clear cut second choice, given the fact that she's gone off at even money, even money and eight to five in her last three starts. And this is not really that tough of a field. So I think she takes money, but I mean, I guess the argument would be that her race in this race last year was phenomenal. Yep. But the question you have to ask is what happened? And you know, and was that a, a product of a funky turf course. Yes, absolutely. That is not the so. same turf course, right? This is a different turf course than it was last year. I love this Philly, um, or now a mayor speak of the devil. I'm in a fantasy league, a fantasy horse racing league. And after that distaff turf mile, I picked her as like a, my top pick for the next one. I was so pumped. And then she just didn't fire. You know, she didn't really fire. And obviously something goes wrong and she's off for the rest of the year. And she showed back up at Gulfstream park. She was in a race where there was, no, there was no speed early faith in humanity was kind of cruising on the front end. I don't really love her in here though. Like I really don't. And I, I, to me kind of, as we, as you know, talking the race out and stuff, I, I think the horse, if she's five to one ish or four to one ish is, is probably walking for me that, that I'm looking at because I just, I, I look at the way, she comes into this race. She was in the Pegasus last time out. I liked her there. I think she was like eight to one on the morning line and she got over bet. Um, she was sort of a buzz horse. She got over bet and you just know what's going to happen when something like that happens. She, she had a fine start, but she was sort of nowhere to go. Really? She, you know, she ends up having a bunch of trouble. She's not going to win the race, but she could have been a lot closer had she not had trouble that day. You just, if, if you backed her and you're watching the price on her and she's like two to one going into the gate, you're just, you're not, you're already feeling bad before the race even starts. You know, it was one of those situations. I, I feel like the value for her in here will be better. Like you said, I think those other two are getting bet. Spenderella is going to get bet. I think speak of the devil is going to get bet. And if we can get a couple of these longer shots just to, do do their job in making sure the pace is honest enough. Yeah, completely agree. Wakanaka was one of the two that I am interested in this race as alternates to Spenderella. I think that with, with Chad Brown sending out a trio in here, you'd have to think one of those probably is going to be more forwardly placed than yep. the, their running lines may indicate. I'd probably guess that would be Hottie given some of her uh, experience kind of setting the pace in the uh, Lake Placid over the summer. But bringing it back to Wakanaka, I completely agree with what you said. I don't, I don't think she was winning that race, but she did have legitimate trouble and should have finished better than she did. That was also kind of an audible race of sorts. She was supposed to be running at Del Mar, but uh, tested positive for equine herpes virus, wasn't allowed to ship out of Churchill. And uh, yep. there was just issues all over the place. So that probably wasn't really the target for her. I, I like the fact that she shows, shows up here off a nice string of works. Uh, a very honest mare, and it, you know the record may not look fantastic since shipping over from Italy, 
But if you look at some of the horses that she's lost to, go race by race, race not right? Standing. I mean, she's been beaten by Modern Games, Regal Glory, Speak of the Devil over that wonky Churchill turf, in Italian and Regal Glory. I mean, any four of those five would be huge favorites in this race in their prime. So I think she's been Absolutely. keeping really nice company. Totally agree. I think she just some races you can just feel like as as we eliminated horses, right? We sort of talked ourselves through this field. A couple of horses feel like they might be sort of, uh, you know, just pace factors, pace threats. Spinderella, definitely the horse to beat. We were a little cold on maybe speak of the devil at the price because we're not exactly sure why we haven't seen back to that last effort. Some question, you know, it's it's fun to talk yourself out through a race and then you get to a horse like this who said, okay, if Wakanaka is like four to one-ish and above, that sort of feels like the horse to bet if you're trying to bet this race and find a horse to bet like to win. Yes. I definitely think she is the horse that's uh, probably most likely to offer fair value. Cause I do think that Spinderella is going to take a beating at the windows and speak of the devil will take money. Uh, even if you know, I'm not too high on her chances. The other runner in here that I thought was interesting that I think probably goes off at a similar price to Wakanaka, give or take is actually the number seven fluffy socks. Mm -hmm. And this is a mare that I've liked for a number of years now. So perhaps the bias is creeping in and she's definitely become a, a little camera shy in her last uh, handful of starts where she's settling for a lot of minor awards, but not exactly uh, going to the winner's circle. But I think that she does have some excuses in those starts. I think last out a mile and a quarter is probably just farther than she really wants to go. And truthfully, I would extend that to say it's possible that a mile and an eighth is really farther than she wants to go as well. Um, I, I do think that if you look at her record purely at a mile, she's got two wins and a second out of three starts. And many folks may not think there's a big difference between a mile or a mile and an eighth or even a mile and a oh, 16th. Yeah. But I think for a horse like this, when you see the number of times that she's within a head or a neck or a half a length at the stretch and gets beat less than a length, I really do wonder if that extra... 16th is making a difference just for her. pressing the button at the right time right yeah the, timing a horse like this is so difficult she's been up against a couple of slow paces in her last few races and i like the fact that irad lands here i mean i'm you have to think that he had choice among a couple of the chad brown runners yeah and it's hard to find a, a better finisher in the game than irad so i do think that uh, he, he him coupled with the cutback and what should be an honest pace i i think could set fluffy socks up for a sneaky run and she's remarkably consistent too. She and what on whether or not she's won a lot of races recently, she's the type that, based on her figures and the way races shape up, she's certainly capable of jumping up now and then and winning a race like this. And those are the value horses that you're kind of looking for because horses that win a bunch of races in a row, we're not going to be able to bet them. <laughs> exactly. You know, like everyone's going to bet them. We're looking for horses like this that might have built in reasons for why they've run well, but haven't quite been able to seal the deal. And yeah, she shows up with a race, something like that Boston spa two starts back that absolutely could win this race. Fluffy socks would probably be, it, it, she won't be a, a bomb, but we're talking about, I could absolutely see her being the fifth, right? I mean, yeah, I could see her floating up over Wakanaka, hottie and speak of the devil even. And maybe of the Chad Brown horses, she gets forgotten about a little bit. And that is generally the one that offers you the value. So um, yeah, she, she fits pretty well in here. It's a, a fun race with the very least the opportunity to see Spenderella, a talented three-year-old 
making her four-year-old debut. We'll see what she looks like. And uh, if the pace is honest, can Wakanaka run her and maybe a couple of the others down? So Caleb, talk to us about what you have coming up this week, and then we'll uh, we'll get a derby thought or two for you. What kind of uh, work can we see from you as far as videos, preview shows, anything that you have out there? Well, clearly you can find me on That's What G Said. So oh, yeah. The first place to start. Absolutely. Your check's in the mail, my friend. Thank you. Thank Shameless you. plug. <laughs> but you can also, uh, yeah, so I'll be uh, somewhere online for pretty much every night of the week. It's a crazy week, Gino, but I'm sure my week isn't, isn't half as crazy as yours. <laughs> so um, tomorrow on Wednesday, since I don't know when this will drop. So Wednesday evening, uh, you can find Gino and myself, uh, our friend, Matthew and Barry Spears doing uh, the second edition of our um, what we call stable duel derby draft. Derby draft. So we did that last oh, year. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Uh, looking to get some redemption after you Barry, got the number uh, one pick there, uh, huh? Yeah, I got the first overall pick. So I think it's going to be it's going to be exciting. It's it's one of my uh, it's one of the more fun things I think I've done for a derby that isn't just analysis. So I always look forward to that. So I think that'll be streaming on. Matthew's Twitter, I want to say. Yeah, yeah. I think Matt had failed to menace, so we could check that out there. And then, uh... and then, yeah, you can find uh, my regular stuff with On the Wrong Lead. We'll be streaming Thursday night and Friday night at seven thirty Central both times. So you'll be able to see uh, probably some instant reactions Friday after the Oaks Day, as far as uh, what we saw, what we thought, what we liked, how much money we won. Hopefully, won or yeah. oh yeah, didn't win. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, you can find us there doing uh, previews of some of the stakes races, talking anything derby, taking questions, and just hanging out. So, Caleb, let's uh, let's talk about the big one, the derby on Saturday. We know a lot of these horses. We've been following them along for a while. Forte is the favorite. Tapit Trice, Angel of Empire will probably be the, the horses that take a lot of money right behind them. And then Derma Sodagake is a very buzzy horse who I'm sure will get plenty of support there. Those are the top choices. Give us, you know, one, you know, it doesn't have to be of them. Give us one or two horses or a couple that are going to be in the mix for you. Yeah. So for me, I haven't been terribly impressed with the three-year-old crop this year. And I feel like somebody says that every year, but this year, I guess I'm the one that is saying that among others, but I think that's part of the reason, but my top pick, and I don't have to worry about tipping my hat here, tipping my hand here because uh, I'm the first pick in our draft tomorrow. <laughs> so, uh, my top selection is definitely Dermo Sadagake. Nice. Which I think a lot of folks are going to be, it depends on where you fall in the historical trends camp. And if you think that the UAE Derby shippers and that the post 17 is all bad juju, then he's not going to be on anyone's ticket. But if, if you watch the races, especially his UAE Derby, I was just incredibly impressed with what he did. I think Japan has is absolutely for real the last couple of years, as we've seen in the Breeders' Cup, as we've seen in Dubai. And I think that uh, this is the best shot that any UAE shippers had in quite a long time against one of the weaker three-year-old crops uh, domestically. So I'll be very high on Derma Sadagake. I think also the relative lack of pace should play to his favor. So that's definitely uh, going to be my top pick and a pretty distant top pick. After that, I'd probably have about three or four that I all sort of use similarly. This is the year that I, I probably have the least strong opinion of the last like decade or so. And a lot of the sentiments that, that you were echoing just because of the local contingent, there was probably one or two horses earlier on in the year that I was high on than I, and, and maybe a couple that I want to like more than I do when I watch their races. Like, I feel like, gosh, I want to, I want to get behind this horse more. 
and doesn't that feel like the year for a Derma Sotogake? When that, when you really truly feel like, gosh, I don't know who out there like really terrifies the heck out of me. There are some honest horses who have good resumes and who wouldn't shock me at all. But he he won't be left out of my exotics for sure. Um, and I. I I don't think he's even a need the lead one dimensional type either. Like if you've no. seen some of his other races, he's shown plenty of versatility too. And just good speed figure makers. They all, everybody thinks this horse is legit. E- even if he runs really poorly on Derby day, this is a good horse. And I, I expect to see like some really big things from him. And as you pointed out, we're it's inevitable. We've seen the success that uh, Japan has had with the breeding Everybody talks about it. It's it's a, it's a very simple, logical story. They've bred very, very well from the bottom up for stamina with really, really nice horses. They don't really try a lot of cheap gimmick stuff that we do out here with sales, with young horses to try to have them go really, really fast and get big tags. They really breed from the bottom up. They get these good horses and it takes a generation or two sometimes, you know, to really kind of hold. But we're smart enough to know it's coming soon. And it just feels like this might be the perfect storm of a year for it to happen. And and then it becomes, like, after it's happened once, then it becomes just something that can happen, right? Yes, like Absolutely. Any, and I would any, rather be on it the first time it happens before people don't become afraid of it. And the next, absolutely. if, if Derma Sotogake wins this, that the next Japanese horse to ship over or UAE Derby winner to ship over is going to be half the price. So if I'd rather be the, a race too early than a race too late. If he's the fourth, choice in this race i don't think that's like overbet or absurd based on this group of horses i think that's probably where a horse like him should be because we don't really know how good he is and and how it's going to stack up and yeah would i say i don't want him to be the favorite sure i would say that but there's a tier of horses that are more proven that should take more money than him if he is close to the above six in the six to 10 to one range. Like, I think that's fair for this group. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that he will be, I do think that uh, I've seen a lot of steam on tap at Trice recently. Forte, obviously will get the respect he's due. Two fills uh, is getting buzzy. Phil's confidence game has apparently been working up a storm in the mornings. And then there's always one horse with a catchy name that goes off like, at, you know, at, eight to one who should be 40 to one somehow. And I don't know who that's going to be. Jack. There's always one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Caleb, uh, it's, it's a blast catching up with you uh, each and every time. You're always so gracious with your time. Anytime I've ever asked, you've always been, uh, been really kind to, to come jump aboard. And what I love is some days we'll win. Some days we'll lose. Always very prepared. Always done the work. Always trying to find the value. Some days we can, some days we can't, but that's why we, uh, we see races similarly. Cause I think, those are some of the, I don't have a checklist that I'm going through. People kind of ask that sometimes, but those are some of the basic things I'm looking for. What's the pace going to be look, looking like? Who's the horse everyone's going to bet? That's not who we want to bet, right? Like we're trying right. to, we're not trying to pick the easiest winner. We're trying to make the most money that we can. And I think if you just continue to do that consistently, those opportunities are going to present themselves here and there. That's right. No better day to do find those opportunities than Derby Day. Not at all. Caleb, thank you so much, buddy. We're going to be following you. You do a really good job of posting a lot of your content on Twitter. So we'll follow you at Caleb WVU. Uh, Always great catching up with you. 
Good luck to you and all the guys this week. I'll be tuning in and listening. I always throw it on in the background as I'm doing some of my work. I always like to get a an idea of uh, of, of who all the guys uh, are playing. And I'm going to actually have Andrew on to talk about a race with me. Josh is going to be talking about a race with me. So I've got uh, everybody on to talk about different races too. So lots of support and lots of crossover from the uh, on the on the wrong lead guys. Good luck. Crush it this week, buddy. Thanks, Gina. You too, buddy. So that's Caleb and helping us out with race number five on Saturday. We will continue on the Saturday Kentucky Derby undercard. Up next, it's the Knicks go. It's an overnight stakes, but it's a a fun, contentious group. We'll talk about that one coming up next. Big thank you to Caleb for helping us out with race number five. We'll make the move to race number six, but we want to let you know about Thrive Fantasy, daily fantasy sports contest they're affordable you're not playing against thousands of other bots and uh and computer entries usually these games have you know about 100 entries that you're playing in you can play head-to-head matchups or you can go to the prop lobby and you can play parlays with props that will pay you better than other sites you will get better odds paid back on your parlays And if you use the promo code G-I-N-O, it'll give you a match deposit bonus all the way up to 250 bucks. Use that promo code G-I-N-O, thrivefantasy.com. We move to the Knicks Go. Fun overnight stakes going a a mile, the one-turn mile. Race number six, track announcer from Parks, Jessica Paquette, joins us to discuss race six on the Saturday card. Coming up to race number six on the Saturday card. We're talking on the undercard for Kentucky Derby. It is Churchill Downs, May the 6th. You know you have a good friend when they will uh, talk some races with you while they're driving, uh, even during their very busy schedule, right after they called a full race card over at Parks, not long after they just ran a freaking marathon. Jessica Paquette, the track announcer from Parks, joins me to talk about this race. Jess, how you doing? I'm great. I have a five and a half hour drive home. So what else can I do? It's nice to talk to a friend. We had a good day of racing at parks today. 10 races, you know, just casually called 31 races the past three days. It's fine. Let's talk more horses. Nothing to sneeze about. So how you been settling in over there now? It's been a little bit, it's been a little while. You, uh, you got your, your sea legs under you. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm improving week by week. I'm starting to have a lot of fun. I really enjoy the job. It's, you know, it's really hard. The internet is mean. All of these things are true, but you know, just going forward. You're doing a great job. You really are. It's like anything. It's you're, it's going to take a little bit to get comfortable, and you're there. Like you're there. You can just, you can hear it in your voice, and uh, your enthusiasm and your promotion is always going to be very very helpful. And it has been for Parks over there. It's so great to to hear your voice and to see you providing all sorts of insight on social media and having fun over there. And uh, I mean, you're doing, you're doing your best. I'm, you're not as great on TikTok as Chris was, but you're going to do your I best. I can't dance. I have no, I have absolutely no dance moves, but I, I hope I bring a few other things to the table. So Jess, really cool. couple days coming up. We've got the big day for the Oaks on Friday, all the great undercard races. Then on Saturday for the Derby, we're going to talk a little bit about a race that's uh, in the middle of the Saturday card. It's called the Knicks go overnight. And what's sort of fun about this race is it's not a, a graded stakes race, but it's a stakes with $175,000 purse. And it's sort of disguised as a graded stakes race because you have uh, 
a bunch of horses in here who are familiar to us, who we've seen, who are actually even graded stakes winners, but the conditions of this race are for horses who haven't won a stakes in 2022, 2023. So horses who maybe were good a few years ago or just have been in a little bit of a drought, haven't run a whole lot recently, but it's a big, big field of horses all trying to get a, a you know, a piece of this stakes pie. It is. It's a really interesting kind of wide open group. I think you can make a legitimate case for any number of the contenders. To me, I think a horse like Zozos is going to get a little bit over bet. People are going to see Brad Cox. They're going to see this horse ran in the Derby last year. And this may be one of those horses that gets a little bit of the green money, the inexperienced money in the pools. Uh, I like Masquerade a little bit for Al Stahl. I think this is a horse who has an advantage that he likes Churchill. He's coming into this race in good order. Baby Yoda, to me, he looks like he might need one off a little bit of a layoff. I don't know. I'm just not entirely. I've never been entirely convinced on him. So today is certainly not going to be the day I go all in. Me neither. And I'm 100% with you on Mask Parade. You know what's nice? It, you We read this race, and I think we, we might land here because we're reading it. The, this is the claiming handicapper in us. Like, we're reading yes. the conditions. Oh, God, I did. I handicapped right? like, like, the cheap race. I did. We're, we're looking at it. Well, we're reading the conditions because Mass Parade really fits well because you look at the last couple years, he's only been in stakes. He's, in, he's only been in one stakes race that would qualify during this time period. He's only run three races in 2022, 2023. He won one of them. He finished second in the other two. One of those losses came to art collector who is a legitimate graded stakes horse. So while he, he like, he fits the conditions. Well, this is like the $5,000 beaten claiming races that we're used to. My heart, right? It's the yeah. same. That is kind of crazy. <laughs> I really, I feel really seen that you understood how I handicapped this race because that's exactly how I did. And I think you can, you know, I think some you read a condition book. Well, you can find a horse that's really fits the spot the right way. And I think he does. So he, he has hopefully the great minds think alike. Yeah, he should, and he should sit the trip. Just on paper, it looks like there's a good amount of speed in here. You can see in this big field, even a horse like Zozo's could get caught up sitting pretty close. And there's not that many that are horses that you're confident that can sit off a little bit. He's proven at Churchill Downs. That form with Art Collector, essential quality was really good form for him. And like you mentioned, the barn's super capable of getting horses fresh to fire off a long layoff. Yeah, I think this is the barn that really takes their time bringing them back, too. I, like, there's never any rush, and they come back and they're ready. Mask Parade is a horse that Jess and I will both be looking at in the Knicks go. If you're looking for maybe an underneath price, a horse like Three Technique won this race last year at 36 to 1. And if there is a lot of speed, at the very least, he can sit back and pass some horses late and pick up some pieces. Could be kind of a fun price horse to include under. But uh, let's get Mask Parade home for both me and Jess in the Knicks go. That is race number six. It's a few races before the big one, Jess, the main event. Fields are drawn. Odds are out. We are talking on Wednesday evening, so we're still a few days away. Weather in the next few days, we could see some rain. We could see things change, but we know these horses now. We've been following them for a while. Give us a couple that you like, that you're rooting for, that you're betting, that are on your radar. For me, it's all about two films. I am an admitted little bit of a homer, and there's always going to be a little bit of my heart at Colonial Downs in Virginia. And two films broke his maiden last year, and I'll be the first to admit I didn't think he was all that much when he broke his maiden. He looked to me like a gangly little kid. He was a two-year-old, just you know, he, he looked like a baby, and 
then he's continued to develop and mature. And every time I've seen this horse, he looks bigger and stronger and more robust. And that's what you get with the hard spuns. You get horses that maybe aren't the most impressive youngsters, but boy, do they grow into themselves. And he looks like a grown adult now. I am a big Larry Ravelli fan, a big Jared Loveberry fan. And I would love to see, I love seeing these smaller operations get a chance on the big stage. I think Two Phil is as good, is as, good as anybody coming in off of that good win at Turfway. He showed he belonged at that level. And he can win on the dirt, too. It's not that this horse is only a synthetic type. So I am all in on Two Phil's. He is the horse that I've been warming up most to the last few days. Whatever I kind of make my final group of top two, three, four, he's absolutely in it. And I'm rooting for him. He looks good. I don't think it was just a synthetic thing. His dirt races are a little bit better than some people are giving him credit for. He's pretty versatile. He can sit the type of trip that I see. Uh, I absolutely love that, Jess. Let's get to Phil's home. It would be a great story. Uh, it would be just a, a blast and it, w- it would be something a lot of people are rooting for, right? It would be so really cool. If you have a minute for a quick Larry Ravelli story, it was please, just so please. great. You know, the great thing about horse racing to me is that no matter where you go in the country, you have friends. If there's a racetrack, you have friends. So I went to Chicago in October to run the Chicago Marathon, of course, stopped in Hawthorne, saw our buddy Hawthorne Jim, and you know, got a warm welcome from Hawthorne. And then Larry Ravelli took me out to Carbload the night before the Chicago Marathon. He took me and my best friend out for dinner to try deep dish pizza, which I'm a New Englander. That's not my style awesome. of pizza, but it was it was so like let me really rolled out for like a really warm Chicago welcome for me and I very much appreciated it. Awesome, so cool and uh, di- uh deep dishes all around if they get the victory this weekend, no doubt. I told about him, it. I, owe him a, I owe him a pizza if two fills comes to the Pennsylvania Derby, which I hope he does. That, oh, that would be very cool. And uh, I always love hearing those stories. It's so great when you're able to meet these people uh, on on your roads, on the different journeys we have at the tracks. And this is uh, this is the week for all of us, right? You're uh, for for all the the folks who grow up in the horse industry. You uh, you're uh, the, the weird derby. horse girl, right? Yeah, it's the Derby. It'll never not have that shine to it. I I mean, I'm all, yeah, of course, big breeders have fan to me. That's my that's my Christmas. But the Derby's the Derby. It's the it's it's untouchable. Jessica Paquette, track announcer over at Parks, doing a great job. So, are you okay? How sore were you after the run? Uh, so I drove. I, this is terrible. I only had a fill-in at Parks for Monday, so the Boston Marathon was on Monday. So I had to get to Parks to call the races on Tuesday. I so that. I, I literally finished a marathon, took a shower, and drove six hours to Philadelphia. I did not feel good. Um, I'm not. I will be perfectly honest. By the time I got out of my car. Your legs were just jammed. Your legs didn't know what to do. They had been moving so much so long and then not moving for like it was, just It was like a fever dream. It was it that was a that was a tough drive. I'm not gonna lie. That was a that was a really tough, maybe not my smartest move, but I called the races the next day, had a great time. I felt okay. I'm looking forward to the New York marathon this fall. That's my next one on the radar, so onward to the next. Jessica Paquette, you're going to hear her voice each and every day out there at parks, calling the races, does a great job just promoting all of the uh, the big days, the industry in general on social media too. Thank you so much, Jess. Safe travels over there, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Dino, thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Don't go anywhere, folks. We still have a lot more to discuss on Saturday. Make sure to follow along with Jess and support the work over there at parks. 
Always fun catching up with Jessica Paquette. Thanks so much for helping us out with the Knicks Go. Before we move into race number seven, we want to let you all know about one of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said podcast, full-service realtor Cindy Carava. Now, as a full-service realtor, she can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing. She can help connect you with vendors if you're looking for home improvement. If you need help with the loan process, she can help connect you with lenders that will make that process so much easier for you. That's what she wants to do, make your life easier. She'll give you a free market analysis of your home's value. If you need any help with the market and just some questions, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A dot com. Up next, race number seven, it's the Twin Spires Turf Sprint. We've got Josh Rodriguez who joins us to talk about the Turf Sprint a really contentious sprint race in race number seven. So it was a fun one to dive into. We are up to race seven for Saturday. It's the Twin Spires Turf Sprint. This will be a fun one to discuss with Josh. Looking forward to this one. Josh has joined me before on uh, some of these big previews, and it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Josh is a, a contributor for On the Wrong Lead. Love watching the uh, the videos, the shows, and he also hosts a podcast with a, vo- a very familiar voice to many of you on here, Andrew Champagne. So whatever they're paying you, Josh, over there uh, to, to put up with Andrew, it's sure not enough. Yeah, normally zero dollars isn't enough for anything, but especially for uh, for putting up with uh, with our good friend Andrew, uh, his friend Beamy, and uh, his uh, his printout of you know all his winners on the pink sheet. I mean, you go on and on about Andrew, but uh, but that's yeah, a thanks. podcast. That's a podcast for itself to talk oh, about all the man. all the gimmicks of uh, yep. of our friend AC alone. But uh, yeah, lo- love love the work you guys do. Um, we've we've gone back and forth a few times. It's just a good format it's it's how most people talk with their friends playing the races kind of rib each other back and forth but then lead each other to horses back and forth right you you learn something from your buddies kind of every time you sit down and record and it's it's a lot of fun it's just a great show to throw on in the background while you're doing your handicapping and to sort of help steer you to horses there and to get a laugh along the way yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's kind of like what we always wanted to model our stuff after, right? We wanted to, do, we started off wanting to, you know, help beginners out, you know, do do stuff with that. And we still do some beginner content, but it's really just the, us hanging out, you know, talking races, and then not just seeing what we what we're doing, but people watching the stream. You know, we love the chat interaction, seeing what other people are playing, and so it's always just a ton of fun. So let's dive into one of the good undercard races for Saturday. Huge couple days coming up. We're going to look at the seventh race on the Churchill Saturday card. It's the grade two Twin Spires turf sprint. And what a field we have for this one, Josh. Um, Big Invasion will be one of the favorites in here. He's he's a seven-time winner and uh, a graded stakes winner who began uh, his career, I think, winning – you know, six of his first seven races. He was just incredible to start. And we have some other really nice horses. Nothing better is very, very fast here. You have arrest me red for Wesley Ward, who is legitimately like proven. He's been in some big, big races the last few years. Shippers like Motorious coming in from Southern California. I mean, you can go up and down this field and oh yeah, there's 14 of them. Mm hmm. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I so I I kind of laughed when you when you kind of messaged me asking me about, to do a race and then you sent me the race and 
I was like, did somebody tell you how much I love betting turf sprints? Because they're absolutely my favorite races to bet. Perfect. Um, perfect. I I love the chaos. Um, there are very few times where I, I leave, you know, handicapping one of these races where I'm taking a short price. Yeah. Um, and th- this kind of is no exception. I mean, you, you have a really, really strong field here. Uh, obviously, you got a horse, like you said earlier, Big Invasion. Um, and, but you also have a horse, the, the 10 horse, Arrest Me Red, at, at a short price here at 4-1. to one. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, finished third to Caravelle um, in, in that last race. Uh, but there's another horse in that race bad beat brian uh who is just an astronomical price in this race um i believe he is the six horse in here yep um and And he just missed last time at 40 to one and he looked like he had caravelle like at early in the stretch he went by her for a bit and then she battled back yeah and i mean if you look at this race and you look at the last two turf tries you see a 99 buyer at keeneland and then you go back to the Woodford, you see another 99 buyer and you see 15 to one on the morning line. And honestly, I think a 99 or a hundred is probably what wins this race. So why not a horse like bad beat Brian in this spot? Um, not my top choice in this race by any means, but it's definitely going to be on my tickets. I think that this it, is just a humongous overlay and kind of leads me to be his, against well, his last two prices red. his last two turf races like you mentioned his losses were to breeders cup winners yep to golden pal and to caravel and he ran well in both of those races he's probably going to be bigger prices than the horses that finished right there with him horses that he actually finished in front of last time and you just go through his turf form overall it's really consistent I'm glad you mentioned bad beat Brian. Where else do you want to go? You said uh, you were kind of going in a different direction with some. Yeah, others. so I, I would say bad beat Brian is very solidly a B for me in this race. Um, honestly, if we want to just go straight to my top pick, um, the number eleven Motorious here yeah. for Phil D'Amato, Flavian Pratt. Um, I, I think they got this, this line wrong. Um, I mean that last race, super impressive, very very strong in here. Um, maybe they're a little bit afraid of the cutback here. Uh, you know, it was going six and a half down the hill. Um, but, you know, I mean, put up 102 buyer, that kind of lays over this field. Um, and and he's gone five before. Fine. Mm-hmm. He he went five early on in his career and was beaten just the neck. And he won at five furlongs here in a in a solid race off the bench. When, you know, not, not even a layoff like this, this is just a little bit of a freshening. He's visually really, really impressive. And I think a lot of people, Josh will not, they don't like playing West coast horses when they ship out like turf horses like this. Mm -hmm. Cause I will agree that the turf divisions aren't as deep as, you know, in the middle, the Midwest or on the East coast or in Florida sometimes, but at the top of the divisions, I still think you can still get really, really good horses at the tip top. It might just be an overall thing. This could be a, a really nice horse. Yeah, and I mean, I know we're maybe we're talking sprints here, but um, you know, there was a uh, there was a West Coast uh, probably my, one of my best scores ever at the Breeders' Cup was in the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint. Uh, a Philly, I forgot if it was a Philly or mare, but Belvoir Bay. Uh, yeah. one at a humongous price. And I think it was kind of the similar thing. Like they saw the West coast form and they're like, 
no, like these east the east coast turf turf uh, runners are way better. And, and going long, I, I would I would you, definitely and you were agree. hitting on that point too, right? The sprint, the distance, really like the speed can keep him in, as an equalizer because the west coast horses have legitimate speed and run in legitimately fast sprint races. Mm-hmm. As they go longer, I would agree with you. It's probably maybe it'd be a little bit tougher to compete overall, but speed is usually the equalizer. We sort of say the same thing when we see horses that ship in like euros right at in the breeders cup turf sprint races. And some of the, the races where there's not that much speed, maybe a a speed horse from the U S can, can that speed can be an equalizer there. So I'm, um, I'm glad you mentioned this horse too, because this is another one to me that I, I can't leave out of exotics anywhere. There's a kind of landing here. I, I, the, the horse who is going to, I'm going to make some, uh, some cases for is a horse who is right next to bad Breed Brian and arrest me red. And again, when we're looking at prices where bad Breed Brian's 15 to one arrest me, red is going to be, you know, four to one and probably one of the, the two or three choices favorites in here. And oceanic, I think will be again, a big price. So if you look at oceanic, and if we can just eliminate the Breeders' Cup turf sprint, sometimes horses just don't fire in the Breeders' Cup races like that. This horse had post 14 in that field, so was way out there. And let's put a line through it. Now we're again two starts back behind Golden Pal. We have back-to-back races when we're looking at the speed figures. This horse threw up back-to-back 100 buyer speed figures, was right behind Golden Pal in the Woodford going five and a half furlongs. And I could see second start back off the bench. This horse being even a little bit sharper, a little bit better. One that's a big price that I'm going to be throwing into the mix is uh, is the nine Oceanic. Yeah, I I love that, and I love seeing horses like that too. Though you sometimes get sneaky value on horses like that that you know ha- have a real bad race in in between yep. there. But you look at the other three. And you're like, all right, well, these these figures fit in perfectly with what's going to win this race. Yep. Um, you know, I I I went with eleven. Uh, the eleven is kind of my top pick, but I do have another A in this race, um, and that's going to be the all the way down at the bottom, the one horse. Um, nice. And that's uh, that's no balls um, for uh, Larry Ravelli and and Gerardo Corrales. And if you kind of look at this horse this is another one that you're going to look and you're going to see a lot of dirtied up form, but look back, you know, you're going back a couple races to Churchill downs, uh, running on the turf and Corrales got the horse out the gate and won pretty convincingly. They're winning by winning by a length and a half in, in a turf sprint is like winning by five in a dirt sprint, you know, like it, it's very it's much more impressive than 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 it kind of shows there um the speed figures obviously are not there um but um if we do end up getting a very speed favoring turf or um you know some of this other speed just doesn't go there's a chance that no balls just breaks out of the gate and and just doesn't look back so and what's um, nice about him versus a couple of the others that we talked about who are maybe a little bit older and you sort of they're they're sort of more established they're maybe less likely to keep improving this horse could still have some improvement in him he's only making his third start as a four-year-old now and his third start off of a long long layoff too from august to march so you know you start to look at his form from last year he got really really good he's in the quick call with big invasion he's only seven to two in that race behind big invasion completely missed the break in that race too and and then then he his form tails off a little bit. He they take a shot in the bold venture. He was actually favored in the race up at Woodbine too, that grade three stakes race. He shows speed six and a half 
maybe a little too like far for him, or maybe just kind of the end of a, a, a string of races where he just needs some time off comes back, has trouble last time out, but his first start as a four-year-old was not bad at all. That was like equal to one of his best races. Um, he he could have a good step forward here too. He's a sneaky horse, Josh, and he's going to be a great price too. And what's nice, just get aggressive with him. Corrales is, is very aggressive. They have the inside draw. I think it'll be a completely different trip than he had last time out. Yep. There's a look at the one. Uh, one other horse that I want to mention, we've mentioned a lot of the, the major players in here. Uh, we talked about big invasion. We talked about bad beat Brian, uh, the 13 Artemis city limits. Again, you know, that same race that we mentioned last time out, this horse second start back off the long layoff. And what's nice about, so you look at Artemis city limits and he's pretty quick and it looks like he's kind of one dimensional, but if you dive into his races, Again, his last three losses are all to Breeders' Cup winners. You know, he lost to Caravel, Caravel, and Golden Pal right before that. And so the, those horses might just be a little faster than him. I, I think he might be able to sit off okay from the outside, if so. And again, he's a nice price. He's going to be double digits. Gaffleone's been riding really, really well. This is just a cool turf sprint race where we can we could sit here and pick up half of the field or more and make cases for them. And they're all, and what's nice is they're all not likely winners, but they're horses that you get good value on because they can all pop up from time to time and win. That's what's fun for us as a better when there's a race like this, because then you can make cases for so many. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, you kind of look through this and when you have this many horses, I, the first thing I'm doing is I'm just trying to poke holes in the favorites, which right is away. kind of, like I said, yep. big invasion and, um, the uh the, the wesley ward horse on the outside yep. of the 10 horse uh arrest me red i'm trying to avoid them you know like the plague yep um the the last horse i kind of had written down is just inside a big invasion the three evan singh mm -hmm. um who was another one uh you know al stall jr very good at, at training these these turf sprinters um and you know he gets uh he gets jose ortiz aboard who you know Jose's kind of had a bit of a down maybe year. Um, you know, he, he used to be, you know, number one, number two, you know, best jock. And I think he's kind of, he's still kind of in that top flight, but yeah, you know, he's, he's more like top, top five, top 10 type now. Um, but I think when it comes to turf sprints, him, uh, Luis Saez, um, you know, Joel Rosario, sometimes I think that they kind of are, uh, they're ones when they get aboard a horse that that kind of make me you know make me take a second look here um and and evan singh uh you know won a nice race at saratoga with jose ortiz aboard um and you know they kind of just brought this horse along pretty slow just kind of working through the conditions won the listed stakes there at fairground going to five and a half and put up a bullet work uh you know not too long ago on the 25th of april here on the churchill downs turf so i think that he's going to be very live here is a horse that is progressing similar to the one horse is a four -year, newly turned four-year-old right and it is still got one that that can improve off that 95 buyer last time and a little bit improvement off that i think puts him right in there and I think he's going to have a nice stalking trip on the inside here, um, sitting just off the pace. So I thought Evan Singh at 12 to 1 was another horse to, to kind of take a look at. I have him written down as a B type. We've given you many options for prices in the Twin Spires turf sprint. It is race number seven on the Saturday undercard. And on that Saturday card, 
The big race goes as race number 12. That is the Kentucky Derby. So, Josh, give us a, a thought or two on the Derby. We are still a few days out. It's Tuesday, so lots of things can change between now and then. But we've seen the draw. You've seen sort of the prices and, and some of the odds that these horses have been set for the morning line. Give us a few that's gonna, that are going to be in the mix for you. Yeah, of the short horse, the short priced horses, the one I probably like the most is the 14 Angel of Empire. Um, hasn't really done anything wrong. Has progressed pretty well through uh, through his uh, three year old season. I, he's the preferred of the the Brad Cox horses, I think, in this spot. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I'm just getting caught up in in, in this Japanese fever or what's going on. But I love the 17 Derma Sotogake. Yeah, he's a I, nice I think, horse, man. I. You know, I think this might be the year. Um, unfortunately for us, uh, us betters, we might not get the price that we want on this horse. This might be a, a tough horse to have a win bet. I do have a nice futures bet on this horse at twenty-five to one, so I do have something to root for. Uh, but um, he, if he's, you know, I, but but like this is like you said, this is, and we were talking. I was talking with uh, your partner Caleb uh, about that uh, a little bit earlier, and. He, we were saying if it's the type of year where you're just not that overwhelmed by anyone, this feels like the year where, yeah, you know what? If he is like the fourth choice in the field, that probably like, if it sounds low because the horse has never done it, but we'd rather get ahead of it now than if they do it, then it's sort of just going to become kind of common. It'll, it'll start becoming a thing that people aren't really worried about nearly as much. I'm not leaving him out. And I think you may have hit it. Like maybe we don't play him on the win end if he gets bet a little, but I don't want to be alive in a pick four or pick five. And this horse is the horse that beats me. No doubt about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, honestly, like the, the, the one thing that surprises me, uh, well, besides nobody liking Forte, uh, you know, maybe I've just, just been with my co-host no, no, too much. You're right. No, they just do, loves yeah. Forte, but nobody likes him. And I, I don't know what price we're going to get on it, which kind of gets me worried that I'm so anti Forte and then he's going to go off at like nine to two and then he's going to win. And I'm going to feel like an idiot. But um, I think one horse that definitely is going to get lost on the board is the 10 practical move, um, which is just a horse that I just think nobody nobody's talking about. Everyone's like, eh, whatever, you know, he hasn't beaten anybody, but. He's beaten every single, with the exception of Arabian Night, he's beaten every single highly thought of Baffert horse, you know, that got transferred to the Yakteen or other barns. He's beaten them all. And we're just like, eh, you know, no one cares. Baffert doesn't know how to train a horse anymore. I'm like, if this horse comes in, comes into double digits, I mean, I'm going to cash. Well, you know, he reminds me a little with his running style, too, because he just keeps getting these perfect trips. He sort of looks on paper like all have another did. Where mm-hmm. and you're like, ah, he's not gonna keep working out these perfect trips. And then he did. He just mm-hmm. kept getting that trip where he was sitting in a good spot. He got to move in front of everyone else. He stayed out of traffic, but he wasn't caught up in the battle with the the pace early. Like he's super handy. And if they can get him in that flight right behind the leaders and get the jump, like that's gonna be a great trip. And I agree with you. I think I think he's gonna float up a little bit and just talking with a lot of people, he's one that people seem like they don't, they don't trust a whole lot, or that they're not going to be using quite as much of the short prices. So I think you're right. If if you like him, throw him in because he, he you'll get the you'll get the right price on him. Yeah, and like you brought up a good point, right? Uh, you're talking about these horses that keep on finding the good trips. It, it's the same with these horses that keep on finding the bad trips, right? Yeah. If it happens once, right? Horse gets a bad trip once or gets a good trip once. All right, let let's let's see what happens next time out. If the horse keeps on getting a good trip. 
the horse just knows how to get the good trip. Yep. If the horse is Tacitus and keeps on missing the break and keeps on getting in trouble, yeah. guess what? That's just what that horse is going to do. Um, yeah, a lot and, of it's their demeanor, right? And like how quick, like the like how smart they are, how handy they are, how big or how kind of you know quick and maneuverable they are. And a lot of times, those bigger horses that are getting in trouble aren't. They don't respond as well. And like you said you can push the button a little bit more on horses that. Let's go a little faster to sit in this perfect spot. Get out of trouble. Sit right here. He might be that that type of horse, and more than more than not, you want the type of horse who's close right there at the top of the lane than a horse who's going to have to be weaving from you know weaving through a bunch of them. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, the, the hometown connection here in in two fills. Oh yeah, the three horse. Um, I looking at the morning line. I I hope that's not the price. I mean, may. I think twelve to one is, you know, as much as as much as I like this horse, I think that's a little sharp on on what I would want to play. But uh, I, I'm rooting really heavy for this horse, so this horse will definitely be on a couple of my tickets. Uh, yeah. I believe has the the fastest buyer of any three year old so far, or at least any three year old that's in the Derby, because um, uh, I think there might be uh, there might be another horse that's got a, a, a faster buyer, but I think it's a sprinter. But um, yeah, I, I I think everyone's like ah that was the the, the Jeff Ruby stakes. No one cares. Um, and, and this maybe this is another one that gets lost on the board. Two fills, the hometown hero, the hopeful. That would be really cool for uh, for trainer Larry Ravelli. He'll also be in the mix for me. So seeing a lot of the the same horses that'll be on some of our tickets. Josh, plug everything. Uh, what's the schedule like coming up for you the next few days? And uh, what type of work and uh, and content will you have coming out there for us? Yep, you can catch us at ontherongleed.com or at wrong underscore lead on Twitter. I'm at Cherry Drank on Twitter. Uh, our YouTube is on the wrong lead, and we'll be doing uh, two streams Thursday night and Friday night at 7.30 uh, Central, 8.30 Eastern, uh, covering uh, Oaks and then Derby Day, uh, respectively. Um, we, we have an episode of Drank and Champagne coming out uh, Thursday morning. Um, I, I don't know what Andrew and I are going to talk about, but I'm sure he's going to wax poetic about Forte. Oh, yeah. Um, and then uh, we also got a, a special uh, pick six, um, you know, two-day pick six uh, podcast coming out. Um, and then we'll be releasing those videos one by one on um, on YouTube. So those, those will be coming out uh, starting tonight. So got a lot of stuff coming up, um, you know, uh, Gonna, did did an episode uh, with Chase. Obviously, did this. So and, and nice. you know, Caleb and Marker are everywhere as well. So check us out, Josh. Appreciate it, buddy. Great work as always. Always like that. You're looking for some value. You guys are having fun. You do it the right way. And uh, um, uh, I'm very lucky to have you and and Caleb and uh, and everybody that uh, that you you work with. Anytime you guys can join me. Thanks so much for your time. No problem. Thank you. Make sure to give Josh a follow. Check out all the great work they uh, they do over at On the Wrong Lead. And don't go anywhere, folks. We still have a lot more ground to cover on that Saturday card. We're moving up next to race number eight. Stay tuned. Great stuff from Josh. Good luck to you, Josh, in the turf sprint. We're going to move on to the Pat Day Mile, race number eight on the Saturday Kentucky Derby undercard. And joining me next, Barry Spears and Matt DeSantis, my buddies from This Weekend in Stable Duel, you can join us every Friday morning, 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time, for a live stream. It's the three of us. We dish out best bets. We talk about races for Friday and for Saturday. We give you all the important information and details for Stable Duel contests for the weekend. And right now, we're going to help you out with the Pat Day Mile. Barry Spears and Matt DeSantis talking race eight on the Churchill Saturday card. 
time to talk about race number eight on the Saturday card at Churchill Downs. It's the undercard, and we're talking about the grade two Pat Day Mile. What's really cool about this race and the way it's sort of shaped up over the last few years, it's become a race for a lot of horses that we've seen try to get into Kentucky Derby races, or maybe they're not quite grade one Kentucky Derby horses. Maybe they don't want to go that far, and this distance is a little bit better for them. Very excited to have two of my good buddies here, two of my best buds, Matt DeSantis, Barry Spears. We are a part of the No Chalk Zone every weekend, this weekend in Stable Duel, every Friday morning at 10 o'clock a.m., and I'm very, very lucky to have these fellas as good friends. We uh, we are able to talk about races a hell of a lot and record a ton of things over the last couple of years. So let's talk about this one. Matt, first up, how you doing, buddy? Doing great and uh, agree with you. I mean, really excited about this Pat Day Mile. Last year, of course, we remember Jack Christopher winning this race, yep. uh, kind of announcing his return to horse racing, although albeit briefly. But, uh, you know, it's an exciting race. And there's a lot of common names in here that if people have been paying attention to the Derby prep season, there's a lot of names people should be familiar with. So a really fun field. Barry, the sniper, Spears. How you doing, my friend? What's going on in your neck of the woods? Hanging out, man. You know, living life. Getting ready for the Derby. Loving the Pat Day Mile. It's a good race. It's a good betting race. I can't wait. It is. And, uh, yeah, we have a big, big field lining up. 14 horses in the Pat Day Mile. It'll go as that one-turn mile, race number eight. And, fellas, just from kind of a, a gambling standpoint or from a, from a talking standpoint, horse like Echo, again, will probably be – taking a lot of support. I mean, there are three or four horses that I could see all sort of vying for favoritism. But Matt, when you have a race where you don't really know who the favorite's going to be, that's usually the signs of a pretty contentious, good betting race. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, I think there's a lot of different ways you can go in this particular race. Uh, I'm not entirely sold on a horse like Echo again. I think Me this neither. is going to be... Not at all. <laughs> yeah, I think this is going to be a pretty hot pace up front. And so yep. I'm kind of looking for horses that are going to be sitting just off of that pace. Uh, and so for me, a horse that I come back to, and he's a relatively short price on the morning line still, and I don't know what sort of action he's going to take at the window because he's coming off a layoff is General Jim, yeah. uh, the number nine horse. You know, I think people need to remember this is a horse that was installed as the second choice on the morning line at the Fountain of Youth going against Forte and scratched out of that because he spiked a fever. Barry liked and him that day. We liked him that yeah. day. I yeah. loved him that day as well. Yep. And, and that was that was a horse I thought was had really had big things. I love his pedigree into mischief up top, but damn out of curling underneath. And, uh, you know, that swale was, I think, a very legit speed figure, that 90 that he posted there. Uh, Super Chow, the horse that he defeated, came back to win a stakes race at sprinting uh, then. And... I think Shug McGay, he has a really, really good horse here. This horse should sit the perfect trip right behind the speed and and have plenty left in the tank coming for home. Uh, so I know four to one on the morning line with Louis size aboard, but he's one that I really, really like in the spot. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. In this field, you expect there to be a good amount of speed. And Barry, you know, I, there's a couple horses that I, I'll want to mention too because I was sort of having to use one of your angles in this race. It's just... Who are you the most sure can close, right? Yeah. Like, because there's not, there's a lot of horses that can press, can sit close, can be right there. But if it is quick and you start having to say, who are we really sure that they can sit off and pass horses? 
I'm confident General Jim can do that. Yeah, I, I, I'm tending to to go away from a horse like General Jim in a race like this, um, mostly for the fact that this horse hasn't been out since February 4th in a race. And, and to me, something went amiss um, enough to keep the horse on the bench that long. Although, you know, if you look at his workouts, he's been training steadily, you know. He missed April that 3rd, month, that February 18th to March. Yeah. That was right there when he was supposed to run in the Fountain of Youth. But since coming back March 21st, it's it's been pretty steady to, to right. get ready for yeah. this. Which means he's probably healthy or whatever was going on. It, it seems to be gone away because his, his workouts have been getting better. Um, but it's just, to me, it just seems like this is not the spot to have him win. You know, I, I don't know. It's just kind of a feel thing where he he has been getting better. But right at the height of his progression, he fell off basically, yep. and, and, and went away. And and usually that first race back isn't the one that they get. It's the second one. So mm -hmm. I'm going to take a pass on, on General Jim. Um, I have a theory in this race that uh, Tim Yachtin basically has the one in here to, to, to kind of ensure a quick pace. And that's going to help his other horse out, Fort Bragg, who I think on the cutback is probably going to sit a, a way better trip He's been, you know, I mean, look, the only two look, losses or his three so, losses, the practical move twice and then speed. Both I was gonna say, look at well, record that day. If you look at all of the horses who he's been behind in his entire career and you just listed off every horse that's out finished him in any race in his first start, it was speedboat beach who broke a track record winning his next start in the speakeasy and was is a horse who's a graded stakes winner and has won three out of four starts. Hajazi was second in there. That's the Baffert $3.5 million runner who, while he's not as good as we thought, he's never really run a bad race. Hajazi right. he's been in the money in all, but one and he's graded stakes place. He was third in, in a grade one as a two-year-old. So those are the, the two horses that out finished him when he finished third in his career debut. He came back in his second start. He actually was DQ'd in a race where he beat Practical Move. He outfinished Practical Move on the wire. Then in his next race, he beat Reincarnate. He came back and lost to Practical Move and Carmel Road, who was a very highly regarded Baffert horse at that time. In the San Felipe, he was behind four horses. Practical Move, Skinner, who are both in the Derby, Go Rocket Ride, who got scratched out of the Santa Anita Derby and is a really nice horse for Richard Mandela and Hajazi, the same horse again. <laughs> Every horse that's ever beat him would probably be a really big player in this race. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think he was going over his head. They they really were trying to, they jumped on the Derby trail. And, and we've seen this before where horses jump on the Derby trail, jump off and then win against slightly lesser. And I think that this is a good spot for Fort Bragg. There's another horse, though, at a big price, at least on the morning line. I don't know if this horse is actually going to go off this price. But you can forgive a couple of these efforts on Damon's Mound, uh, the 13. Damon's Mound. Um, he, he just doesn't seem, you know, he, he never felt like a turf horse to me anyway. Um, they ran him on the turf on April 16th at Keeneland. He didn't run a step. Dirties his form up enough to get him 20 to one in this in this race but if you go back to his races at saratoga churchill last year they were pretty good 
And those are his first two out of the gate. I, I think going a mile and, and the, 16th. Yeah, the one-turn mile should be perfect. Right be really up his perfect. alley. Yeah. yeah. And I think yeah. he can bounce back. Uh, he, he seems to be training a lot better. Um, you know, I, I, I definitely give him a shot in here at a, at a big price. Matt, um, in this type of a field, there are some fun price opportunities here and there. Anyone else on your radar? We talked about General Jim. Who would be another horse or two that you might make a case for or maybe underneath uh, at least include in some exotics? Oh, I think you're muted, Matty. Well, I will take Barry's 20 to 1, and I will raise him 50 to 1. Uh, <laughs> oh. I, I Freezing point to me, uh, the number 14 horse. I, tell me what this horse did wrong exactly last time out. Ran third to Corona Bolt and Hajazi. The horse you're talking the, about, Hajazi. Uh, right, who are two of the best sprinters in this uh, crop and posted a 79 buyer, which is not that bad. And that was seven furlongs. Now you need to go another furlong. This horse broke its maiden going a mile. Granted, it was in a restricted race, at, uh, but it was at Churchill Downs over the surface. Uh, I 50 to one just feels outlandish to me, uh, considering yeah. this is a stakes placed horse. Uh, and if you draw a line through that Pataglia turfway. It didn't like the synthetic and it was also coming back from a long layoff. You look, I mean, that second effort was against Extron Yeho, who a lot of people thought was Steve Asmussen's best derby horse last year at this time, mm-hmm. uh, or not, not at this time, but you know, last year when he yeah. finally started getting on the track. And so this horse is running against really good horses. I just think 50 to one feels like a bonkers price uh, for a horse that has shown some ability and, you know, we'll probably set a very similar trip to what we talked about with, uh, you know, uh, with General Jim and some of these other horses that'll be sitting off the speed, breaking from that far outside yeah. post. Uh, you know, he'll be able to kind of survey where things are and slot in where he needs to. Extra Anejo, who you mentioned, is the uh, the one in the first race yep. on Saturday. And a lot of times the barns will wait till these big days to unveil horses like that that are like not quite ready for a stakes race, but they know they're good. So uh-huh. they want to sort of show them off a little bit, and then we'll see this horse again in, you know, maybe five weeks and on the Belmont undercard somewhere, you know, in, in like in a good sprint race, something like that. But um, a couple others worth mentioning in here. So Midnight Rising has been all on synthetic, but if you're looking for some closers, this is He's a horse one. who yep. can absolutely pass horses, no doubt about it, and. The debut race was good, beat a nice horse named Gamer, came back in the second start in a stakes race going a mile and just moved a little bit early and flattened out, but was not beaten a whole heck of a lot. In that mile and a 16th race last time out on the good turf, kind of a fine start, then just sort of got outrun a little bit, was still last at the top of the lane, had to angle out widest of all and got up for third was not a bad effort at all. So it's run well on both surfaces on both synthetic and turf. And if you just look at the, the breeding for this horse, the damn jet black magic was actually a horse who was a graded stakes winner on the dirt, won the Delta princess and uh, was a two-time winner on the dirt. They actually put this horse in the silver bullet day was third in that race. And they tried to get this horse into some goods, open stakes races, but she was a floor uh, Louisiana bred. So, they, uh, they came back against the uh, Louisiana breads later on in her career, but she was solid on the dirt. And I think this horse should take to the dirt fine. The pedigree says so. This horse has run well on both service, has run well in all three races. And we sort of talked about how sometimes the synthetic speed figures come up a little bit lighter than the dirt speed figures do. Uh, I could see her, if you're playing exotics and you're using and you're looking for underneath horses, 
She's definitely one I would want. And in, uh, in the eight, Bourbon Bash is the other who this horse was only eight to one in the Arkansas Derby last time out. Yeah. I mean, I guess it tells you what the Arkansas Derby was like a little bit, but <laughs> like this is eight to one coming off of a trouble trip in the Rebel when finishing fifth and having legitimate trouble that day before the Rebel was right behind Gun Pilot, who Matt is a horse that you and I have liked. Yeah. I don't know if I like as much in this spot though. I, I, I don't. I, yeah, I, I don't good... have a knock on on him really. But... So my my knock on Gun Pilot is I want to see him do a big race without Lasix. Because uh, yes. if you look you those those best performances, I know granted he broke his maiden on the Churchill tur- uh, dirt without Lasix, but those two of those uh, or three of those next four races have all come with Lasix. His worst performance in between was in the Rebel without it. So to me, I'm going to kind of wait and see. Five to one on the morning line. I'm not willing to kind of take that much of a risk with Gun Pilot, who is a horse. I agree with you. I really like a lot. Yeah, but it does seem like in this race, I, I don't know. I'd want to maybe a little bit more for him. Yeah, just based on on what he's come off. A guy in Clover is not bad, and his lost the confidence game in the Rebel that was in the slop. So you know you can make some excuses there, but I feel like we like others a little bit more. Barry, you want to put any uh, final thoughts on the Path Day Mile? Yeah, it should be a good race. I think I think it's going to be a very very exciting race. Um, and and I'd like to see the Fort Bragg Damon's Mount Exacta. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Fort Bragg for Barry sitting off a little bit. General Jim for Matt getting the trip. I'll use a, a couple in here and spread out, but both of them I think are very very logical and horses that you want to include and in, uh, along with some of the other prices. The the horse who I like as a horse, I just Man, it I, there's a world, and I, I can't bet it because it's not going to be offering me enough value. There's a world where they just shotgun the one. Yep. And, yeah. And like everybody else tries to sit off a little bit and thinks that this is a calbred horse that's not that good or isn't going to get it. And this horse is good. Like, this is a nice horse, and they've been planning for this race for a while, which is something that I kind of like. Like, Yakteen thinks very highly of this horse. They've even said in a few of the write-ups, yeah, uh, we're going to plan for one of the undercard races on Derby weekend. So they've thought really high of this horse, and he has legitimate, like, sub-22 speed, like, really fast, and he can't sit. You can't try to take him back or anything from his draw, right? He's in a field of 14. He's He's got the rail, but... I wish he was like 12 or 15 to one on the morning line. And then I would feel a lot more excited about, about throwing him in. If he wins at like six or eight to one, it's still not going to be a good enough price for what he looked like, looked like coming into here, but there's a world. There's a world. Oh yeah. (laughs) Could possibly sneak away. There's a look at the Pat day mile with Matt DeSantis, with Barry Spears. But while I have my friends, you know me, I'm a miser. I'm going to make you pull double duty. I have to pick your brains on the Kentucky Derby. So, Barry, we have just finished a Kentucky Derby draft that you can find on Matt's social media at Fail to Menace. And we all went through and drafted the field of 20 with the three of us with Caleb Knight. I don't know why I always mess up Caleb's last name or like I can't like, I like can't think of it. It's like, but it's like, yeah, this is a simple one. It's very simple. Uh, so, Barry, give us some of your thoughts. How does the field look to you? And uh, who are a couple horses that are going to be on your radar? Yeah, this is a very interesting race, top to bottom. It always is. Obviously, it's it's the Derby. Everybody wants to be here. Horses that shouldn't be running are running. 
<laughs> and it, it it makes for basically like traffic cones out there um, when the real running starts. But I narrowed it down to three horses that I think have a shot to, to, to take home the big prize and get, get the money in the roses. Uh, the first is Dermis Sotogake. Um, I, I think this horse has run super fast. His his last race in, in Maidan was was excellent in comparison to everyone's in this field. I think he has a huge shot, even from the 17, who's never won. Uh, the other is Angel of Empire. I, I think that this horse taking his uh, his talents on the road and winning in two different places, uh, you know, back to back in the two prep races of Risen Star and then uh, shipping over to Oakland for the Arkansas Derby. A uh, huge feather in his cap, even though Arkansas Derby wasn't even that strong of a race. Um, he got the job done, did it fairly easily, too. So he has a big shot. And then the last horse, who I'm very high on, also is Practical Move. Um, I like the way he paired up his his buyer numbers in the San Felipe and San Anita Derby. He got into a little tussle in the San Anita Derby where he had to dig in and, and kind of run. Um, he, he's, he's just been a different horse since he's gone two turns. Barry with a couple derby plays horses that he will be including. Maddie, talk to us. Give yeah. us a couple of yours. Yeah, absolutely. So Barry and I are in agreement on a few of these. Derma Sotogake, I think, uh, I've been very high on this horse since even before the UA Derby. He was one of my top picks in that, uh, on that day. Uh, Listen, folks, Japan's coming for the Triple Crown. They're coming for the Kentucky Derby. It's a matter of when, not if. And this might and be the year, right? Like, there's nobody that scares you. Yeah. Like, it just feels like this type of a year. And I think if anyone's worried that he might be too short of a price, I don't know about compared to this crop. Like, if if he's yeah. the fourth choice, that's fair. I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's that completely makes sense fair. Yeah, I, where they pegged him on the morning line, I actually think makes a ton of sense being a co-fourth choice, basically. Kind of right behind move. the proven tier yep. of the horses that we know for sure have won multiple preps and yep. are are for sure U.S. pace horses that have run at this racing style and everything. Yep, but I, I think Dermasodagake is a lot more pace versatile than people are making him out to be. If you go back and watch his replays from Japan, which... Uh, you know, uh, Colin Sheehan, who's a colleague of mine on Trust the Prophets, broke this down on YouTube. But Darren Zocali, who's a friend of ours, you know, posted all of his YouTube uh, races people could watch. Yep. You know, when you go back and watch him, this is a horse that comes from mid-pack a lot of times. Like, he doesn't yep. need the lead. And so I think there's this impression that he's going to, you know, go up on the front. He might be on the front end because he's breaking from post-17, but he's not going to need the lead. I do like Dermasodagake quite a bit. I also, my top pick is Angel of Empire, Pennsylvania bred horse for Brad Cox horse just keeps getting better as they stretch this horse out i just think this horse is going to like all the distance and uh it just seems to be peaking at the right time and then a horse that i really really like and i will be absolutely rooting for is two fills uh a, just such a cool horse for larry Ravelli and jareth loveberry um it, this horse is just you know what he does he reminds me a lot of last year with simplification he's just a super honest horse and much like simplification he won one prep he finished second in another and he finished third in another and, you know, he he kind of he always hits the board. He's always around 12 to one on the morning line. I, I think you're crazy not to include him on your verticals. Yeah, he's he's the one that I picked in the draft as my first pick in the second overall pick. And he's a horse who of like a few weeks ago, I probably wouldn't have said was as much on my radar. But just in really diving into the field a little bit more, seeing how things shape up, how horses are trending and peaking. I do like him. My top two are him and, and Derma. 
So nice. let's get Derma home for everybody, right? Let's, hey, let's hey, do it. Yeah. That'd be a really it. good success for all of us. And like we Boy. said, we we know these horses. It feels like there might be like he may be a superstar that we don't know. And I don't know how many of these we are like are superstars or could be superstars yet, right? They might be an okay yeah. group and there might be some that are better than others, but this horse might be legitimate and people that we really trust figure makers like Craig Milkowski from Timeform US put a ton of time and effort into making figures for some of his races to really see how they would translate. And yep. they put a lot of work that they normally wouldn't put into those races. And they were being very safe in saying they stack up. Yeah. They stack up. This horse fits. And you know what? Really good horses can run poorly in the Kentucky Derby. I, I'm very confident that this is a legitimate racehorse. He is a legitimate horse. And as you pointed out, he is not one-dimensional. He can sit and win in different ways. Derma Sotagake would be great for the No Chalk Zone crew if we could get Derma home. All Speaking three of, of us no chalk. Yes, Speaking sir. of No Chalk, um, I just want to comment on, on Fort Fort. Fort. E. Forte, <laughs> however you Fort. want to say it, Fort. but uh, it just feels like Fort is backing into this race. Right. So, I know. I it, know. It just feels like he's just, you know, he, he's on, he's running well, but he's just, it just doesn't seem like he, he's going to put a peak effort in on Saturday. I mean, he definitely can and wouldn't I, surprise me if he did, but I'm just going to bet against that. I Yeah. I see like a, like a really nice, like, third or fourth, like up kind of around Matt, but just yep. not like, not really even threatening a win, but like that third, fourth, fifth, you know, a little behind, yeah. like he kind of looms up and runs his race, but one or two horses run a, like just run better races than him. I, yeah. I think he reminds a lot of people of essential quality who kind yeah. of had the same sort of thing in the Derby, you know, finished, mm -hmm. I think third or fourth that year. And, uh, you know, went on to be a very, very good horse. And I think the same thing could be true of, uh, of, of, uh, Fort or Forte. I'm going to keep saying Forte. I, know. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't care what Andy Byer says. I know. So I'm going to say, yeah, sure. He created a whole speed figure system, but I think it's, uh, I think it's pronounced Forte. Um, but the, uh, you know, the, it's funny. The comparison I made was, to, to Forte is kind of that kid in grade school who was just more mature than everybody else at the at a certain age. Yeah. And now everybody else is kind of caught up a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, he ran a hundred buyer speed figure in that breeders cup. He ran a 98 at the fountain of youth and a 95 in the Florida Derby. And the rest of this crop has caught up to him. And so I, I just think that the, the gap between him and everybody else has shrunk and, and evaporated. And so I, I respect him as a horse. I, he, he, really gutty effort at that Florida Derby uh, to get the win over Mage and Cyclone Mischief. But uh, I'll be playing against, especially because he's going to get bet down from three to one. I have a feeling Four too. That, 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 yeah. It always happens. Yeah. <laughs> Mattress Mac. Yeah. He's, he's exactly. got to do his thing. I, I yeah. want him. I want him to put three million instead of two million on this horse. Yeah. I'm, I'm against it. him. Here. Do it. We don't, we don't <laughs> like Fort and that'll even make a horse like Derma a, a little bit better. Right. And, uh, you know, apparently off. I was reading an article too. Um, I don't know how much this will impact it. Maybe it will, um, you know, just like, like FanDuel this year too, they've allowed, um, well, share, like they have a shared wallet feature. So for the first time ever, all the people who have legal sports gambling accounts oh, with FanDuel, they don't have to register for a new like TVG account. 
they can just bet right on horses with one click. It doesn't sound nice. like that big a deal, but it's kind of annoying for a lot of people who were only like, hey, I'm going to bet 50 or 100 bucks on this race. And they're like, well, you got to do a whole account. You got to fill it up. You got to yeah. log a new credit card in there and everything. A lot of people are like, ah, I'm only going to play races once a year. I'm not going to do that. You know, now they have the option to play. It's sure not going to hurt the pools. Right. right. And, no. and you, you get a little <laughs> bit more money floating in from a, a big, uh, a, a big platform like that. So Matt, trust the profit stuff. You did, uh, ca- you have cap in the card stuff coming up. You did yep. five questions previews, uh, with, oh, yeah. with folks at weeks back. I mean, the last, it's funny since you, since you quit your initial win play show. And yeah. I remember <laughs> you were telling me and Barry, yeah, I still will do the stable dual weekend show. I'm going to have to do a, a little more work. I won't be able to do as much content as I liked. And then <laughs> it, it, about six months ago, eight months ago, yeah, you are just rattling it up content. a <laughs> and, and, it, and the thing is about it too. I, I got, I, you're my friend. So I was, I would be nice to you, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't take time on my show to point out something I didn't think was true. I would like, I love you, Matt, but I wouldn't say something that was a lie. <laughs> It's, it's good shit, man. It's good. Like you take your time, like you, you put your, like you really put your time and effort into it. You care about the stuff that you put and people like you, like you're a good person. You're a good dude. People really like you. They enjoy watching your content. They enjoy seeing you do well. And that's why it gets good interactions. People like talking to you people. It's funny because there's times where I'm like, Damn it. I love Matt. Why is he talking to that person that I don't like? But you just like everybody and everybody likes you and that you're like one of those people that uh, you really do get along with so many different people. And I've been very lucky over the last couple of years to, uh, to, to call you a good friend, buddy. Well, that's very kind of you to say, and, and I'm glad this is not a video podcast cause I'm blushing now, but the, uh, <laughs> it, and my head's getting bigger by the second. My mom would, uh, my mom would make fun of me, fun of me for that. But let me just say, um, yeah, I mean, listen, when you teach political science for 15 years like I did, you learn how to get along with everybody. Yeah. Uh, that, that's just like kind of a, a natural hazard of the position. But, uh, you know, it is uh, it's a lot of fun. I always let, try to take, you know, a slightly different angle. I really do mean it. I take so much inspiration from what both of you guys do. Uh, you know, Barry with going in circles with Chuck and Gino with all the things you do as well. And uh, it, it's just so much fun to engage with people who love this sport. And I, I think we always just have to remind ourselves why we fell in love with the sport in the first place. And it's easy to become a jaded, cynical, better, but just to go back and remember how enthralled we all were the first time we were at the track and the first time we fell in love with the horse. And those are the things that really matter. So, uh, you know, as much as I can do to give back to the sport, that's given me so much. It's just a blast to be able to talk to you guys on a big day like this and, and share uh, our perspectives with all those good folks out there listening. We uh, we always talk about how uh, Barry, one of the best things that came out of that pandemic when life stopped for everyone and a lot of people had horrible things happening to them, losing loved ones, really bad stuff. I gained uh, an incredible friend, like someone that I talk to all the time, honestly, almost every day, at least like a yeah. message or an interaction here or there or like a little text or something on Twitter. And it's like if I'm having a bad day or I need to gripe about something. I'll, I could shoot Barry a message and he'll be right back on it. If I had to ask a question or if I just needed like some straight up advice and like, man, you are such a good dude and you're such a good friend and it's been lucky. And I, I've been very lucky to, to have you. And it's, it's, it's great to be able to talk with you, to talk racing with you, talk about life, just other stuff. I learn 
a lot of things from you. Absolutely. And uh, man, you're a good dude. And I know you got going in circles and everything going on with Chuck, but as good as you are as a handicapper, you're a great person. That's why I love the both of you guys too, because I like, I trust you. You're guys. I I've never even met either one of you. And I would trust the both of you with my, my <laughs> house, my kid, you know, like I, I really would like, I, I really do. And I'm getting a little sad because you don't have that many great, great friends. And you guys are two of them. And oh, it's like the last you. of all of the uh, recordings that I've done. And on the very end of like late at night, you guys stayed up to help me out. And it's like, I know, I know I can ask you something and it'll, It'll always be yes, unless there's no physically possible way you could do something. <laughs> you guys would both be there for me. So, Barry, wow. my man, thanks again, buddy. Man, thank you. So, you know, those are really, really great words, and I appreciate that. You know, um, <clears throat> I, I try to to project a positive image out there. You know, there's not many. Um, I'll just say it. There's not many black folks in this game. And, um, you know, I, I can't say it was easy for me to, to, to break into it um, in the last few years. Uh, you know, I, I've been doing a lot of stuff and, and you guys both have, have helped me tremendously in everything, whether it's, uh, you know, just discussing races or anything else. Um, and, and, I, and I value that greatly from both of you. You guys are the best. Uh, I just can't say enough great words about the two of you. Well, it's nice. We'll uh, we'll be talking next week on Friday again. Uh, uh, That's right, baby. Yeah. In stable duel you know this it. week. It's it's Oaks Day. Everyone's going to have a big focus on everything going on at Churchill. So I hope everybody kicks back and has an awesome Friday, Oaks Day, and a really good Saturday. Make sure to check out all the great content from Matt, from Barry over there. Uh, they're great follows on Twitter too. They're both guys who, if you have a question or you ever want to interact with them, they're they're really good at getting back and forth and and answering any questions or just saying hello. And we'll be back Friday morning, two weeks from now, 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern time this weekend in Stable Duel. So that'll be Friday, May the 12th, for those of you who want to set those alarms way in advance. Good luck to you, fellas. Maddie, Barry, thanks so much, guys. And thanks so much to everyone for hanging out with us. But we still have a lot to go on this undercard. We're still making our way through the big days on Friday and on Saturday. Don't go anywhere. Love catching up with Matt and with Barry. We're going to head from one three-year-old stakes race to another three-year-old stakes race with another very good friend. Andrew Champagne helps us out with the grade two American turf. That is race number nine on the Saturday Churchill Downs undercard. Time to talk American turf with Andrew Champagne. We continue along the Saturday undercard for the Kentucky Derby this year. So we're talking Churchill Downs Saturday we're all the way up to race number nine, and this might be the best race all weekend in a weekend where you have the Kentucky Derby and the Kentucky Oaks, and they're both pretty contentious races. Andrew, we have some absolute stars in this race. Uh, I didn't do a great job of introducing my guest. I just said Andrew. It's my good friend Andrew Champagne. Most of you probably know that voice that are uh, listening to this show because you hear him on here quite a bit. Andrew Champagne, fantastic handicapper, good friend. We talk about wrestling, racing, sports, all sorts of stuff. Andrew's covered racing for a lot of different outlets in a lot of different ways, worn many different hats. Recently, he wore the hat of a man who was touting a, a horse who paid boxcars to win the Wood Memorial and a horse who will be in the Kentucky Derby. But Andrew's here now to talk about the American turf. That was a better intro. 
I appreciate that. Thank you. And I appreciate the trumpets as you, uh, as you <laughs> mentioned, my, my Lord Miles call that I'm pretty sure. Do, about do, do, do. 50, yeah. 50 people on horse racing Twitter probably want my head to roll because it's going to be the only thing I'm known for when either I die or horse racing dies. One of the two, but uh, yeah, I got to tell you, I'm of two minds about this race and being asked to handicap it first. Part of me feels honored because this is a very hard race to handicap. It's one of the best betting races of the weekend. I think you hit the nail on the head. The other is I'm a little bit jealous. You couldn't give me a race like the money's gold race on the Friday where I could have <laughs> just said no eight times before you got to the winner. Uh, this race is hard. This is one of those races where you've got a full field of horses, a couple of also eligibles. And of the 14 horses in the main body of this field, you can make logical cases for eight or nine of these horses to win on their best days. This is a lot of fun. I took some headache meds trying to handicap this race and come up with something. But after going through it a couple of times, there is a runner, I think, that presents significant value in this race. Looking forward to going through it. This was fun, man. It's it's a deep field. It's going to present you good betting opportunities, but there are also like the big name horses. I think David Aragona tweeted something like all of the horses that you would want to be in this race are in this race. Mm -hmm. They all showed up and that rarely happens nowadays in racing. Horses are so lightly raced. They get injured, different campaigns. You can go in softer spots. You don't see them all usually line up in a race where you have like far bridge here, Carl Spackler. You have major dude who, Dropped out of a, a really good effort in a Kentucky Derby prep race last time out. Those will be the top tier of horses that take money, but and and any one of them that you like is fine. They're valid. They all have plenty of reasons to like or or you know one more than the other. But then following that, you have a next tier of horses that are probably all going to be like eight to one ish and above. And and what's great is that, yeah, those are the less likely to win horses, but they're going to be so much fun to bet on and to throw into some of your exotics. So, Andrew, lead us here. How did you sort of start this race? You said you, you were looking at one horse that you thought presented you value. Let's start there. Well, I started this race by drinking heavily because when I saw it was a 14-year-old field, I went, oh, crap. Three-year-olds on the turf going long, yeah, 14. But I, Thanks. I, I completely agree with you and with David, who's an incredibly sharp guy. There's nobody from America that's missing in this particular race. It's a good, good group. About the only thing you could wish for as far as picking nits would be if Charles Appleby could send about his 10th best three-year-old over to be five to two in this spot because that guy wins absolutely everything over here. But you look at this race and the very first horse you see is Major Dude. And I'm going to be very interested in something. And it's not necessarily Major Dude on top. I picked the horse second. But Two Fills is a major buzz horse for the Kentucky Derby off of that win in the Jeff Ruby Stakes at Turfway Park. Major dude did nothing wrong in the Jeff Ruby stakes, except run into a very good horse. I'll be very interested in seeing the verbal gymnastics of horse players that like two fills in the Kentucky Derby. Try to make find, the case. But find reasons to think major dude is vulnerable in this spot. I think it's one of those does not compute, does not compute error, error situations. And if you like two fills a lot, 
you sort of have to like Major Dude in this particular race, too. Now, I don't particularly care for two fills in the Kentucky Derby, but it's one of those logical fallacies that you see when you go on horse racing Twitter and you see one idiotic take after another from the same five or six people. Anyway, I picked Major Dude second. My top selection, just a couple of spots to the outside of that one, I'm looking at talk of the nation. Horse number four in your program. When Shug McGahee wins with a first-time starter, I don't care what the figure is. Chances are that horse can run. Yeah, you he take doesn't no. win. He doesn't win with many first-time starters. He won with this one, who was sent away at odds of four to five at Aqueduct back in November. They shipped this horse down to Gulfstream Park, where he ran in probably the most loaded allowance optional claiming race for three-year-olds of that entire meet. That race was won by a horse named Cyclone Mischief, who's an also eligible for the Kentucky Derby. That day's runner-up Litigate won the Sam Davis at Tampa Bay Downs and was a major Kentucky Derby prospect before going off the Derby trail due to injury. I'm not holding it against him that he didn't run well in that particular spot. Then they put him on the turf. And when they put him on the turf, the light bulb went on. He won by four at Tampa Bay Downs in an optional claiming race and then stepped up and won a stakes race by two and a half lengths. Gino, I love the way he did it because if you look at the early fractions, they're not slow. You see 22 and three to the quarter. You see 47 to the half. And unlike a lot of horses in this particular race that do their best running late, talk of the nation has some tactical speed. He doesn't necessarily need to be seven, eight lengths off the lead. He's going to be two or three lengths off the lead and have first run turning for home. I think that's the running style you want in this particular race where there is some speed signed on, but I'm not anticipating a meltdown. Talk of the nation has gotten better and better. He's got an abundance of two-turn turf experience to build off of. And he gets Tyler Gaffleone, who rides Churchill Downs just about as well as anybody. Talk of the nation is 10 to 1 on the morning line. I think that's going to come down a little bit. I don't think he's going to be favored, but it wouldn't surprise me if he was the third or fourth choice in that group with Major Dude, Farbridge, and Carl Spackler. My guess is he'll be 6 to 1, 8 to 1. I still think that's very fair, and I think he's going to pay bigger in the multi-race exotics, just because of the sheer size of the field. Talk of the nation is my top pick in here. And the more I look at him, Gino, the more I like him. Yeah, the only problem that you have, Andrew, is that I have him uh, on top oh, uh, uh, as, on. as well. But you know Get what? Get off my horse, Gino. I, I have to tell you, <laughs> I, I really have very little to add to to the the points that you made. Honestly, you, you made them very, very well. The it's it's a combination of things with a horse like this when visual meets the figures also, right? Because yep. what we see in the races where he kept up, he was close, he was able to get out in the clear, he was four wide going into the turn, but he moved up to the lead at the top of the lane, and it was a nice effort. He beat Mo Stash that day. He's drawn well. He can sit close, just like you said, get the jump on the closers. And if you're just a, a player, like a speed figure player, he has the co-top buyer last out. And and I do agree with you that I, I think like I could see six between six and ten. I don't think he's going to be that much lower because I do think those three horses at least 
the at least a couple of them are going to take real money because both Farbridge and Carl Spackler are really visually impressive type of horses that people like to bet. And Spackler won so big, he earned the big figure. And Farbridge is so visually impressive in both of his that I think they're going to at least be shorter than talk of the nation. So I think he still will be like the fourth choice at above five to one. And if we get six to 10, Andrew, that's very, very fair. I like, I just, I like the trip and everything you, you, you pointed out was, was really well done. Talk of the nation's a major player in here. And it, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him win this race. I think he's great value talk of the nation. I mean, we hit, we hit the major players with major dude, and and then you have Farbridge and Spackler who were one two on January the twenty first. Farbridge is more of a deeper closer. Andrew, he's just been incredible. In his last start, he moved through traffic inside, and he was full of run late. And then Carl Spackler just crushed a maiden group. He sits a little bit closer. I mean, those two are really really nice three year olds. They are. My concern with Farbridge isn't with the talent; it's with the race shape. Yep, in the, the running two races style. he's run, he's got two, I don't want to call them meltdowns, but races that have set up for what he wants to do over a very particular turf course in Gulfstream Park. Now, I'm not saying Gulfstream Park is a what happens here stays here kind of place, but there are some horses that take to the turf course at Gulfstream Park and they struggle to move their form to the different kinds of turf courses that we see at Kentucky racetracks where grass grows a little bit differently. It's usually a little bit more of a slower type of turf course. And I'm not saying Farbridge can't win. He's a B horse for me. You get a trainer change to Todd Pletcher, and that's not saying Christoph Clement can't train, but you get Joel Rosario on a deep closer, which is the kind of horse that he can really excel at and has excelled at. It's just a case where, again, I'm not quite sure this race is going to set up for what he wants to do. As far as Carl Spackler is concerned, the post scares me just a little bit. I really liked him when he was supposed to and, run last time. And out not to England. completely step on your point, but th- what you just did right there is a reason why people are listening, going, that's why you feel like you can attack this race with a horse like talk of the nation, not that Spackler or Farbridge can't win, but you just gave very valid reasons why both of them might just be a little compromised in this race. And it's one of those instances where look, if Farbridge or Carl Spackler inexplicably drift up to five to one or six to one, throw everything I've just said out the window, because at that point they start offering a little bit of value. Mm-hmm. But three to one on Carl Spackler facing winners for the first time, seven to two on Farbridge in a race that doesn't really set up for what he wants to do. Just a little bit skeptical. And mind you, they're both B horses for me. If those horses win, chances are I'll have multi-race exotics tickets that are very much alive and I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. But as far as just attacking this race, I think Talk of the Nation presents more value, and I think Major Dude has a better chance than both of those horses. But that is not to say that neither of those horses has a shot. I'm not going to be that delusional with you there. Yeah, and and going through this field, as you mentioned, you can really make cases for many. I feel like there are a couple of tiers. You know, we have those top tier of of runners and then maybe the next group. But others that I at least wanted to mention for people that might be 
trying to go against the favorites, might be spreading out, might be looking for other horses to include. I think this may be a little tough of a spot, but I do think Mendelssohn's March is a talented horse who I would not be shocked to see run well. The horse ran well in the career debut on the turf, uh, was put up from second via DQ that day, then came back and won on the dirt in the slop actually over at Oaklawn Park. They thought enough of that to try the bluegrass. This horse ran in to tap it trice, who will probably be your second choice in the Kentucky Derby. Verifying was in there too, and just a little far behind and you know, just not quite that good from out wide. He wouldn't surprise me to see him run well. And even, you know, the horse is on both sides of talk of the nation. Uh, Johannes is another one who the Southern California turf form. We never really know how strong it is, how good it is, but wow, you can't really knock what this horse has done in his three races on the turf. He's not been tested at all. No, you can't knock that. You can knock who he's been running against. Absolutely. Look, I know that the baffle in the past. And it's a valid knock. Races, it is. But at the same time, you look at those horses and you don't see a lot in the way of proven form. If Carl Spackler had, instead of scratching at Keeneland, shipped over to Santa Anita and run in the Pasadena, he would have been three to five. That's just the state of you the three-year-old division absolutely in right. Southern California, especially when it's pertaining to the turf horses. Having said that, though, if 15 to 1 is available on the tote board and you like this horse, take it and run. Personally, I think he's a little bit up against it. I think the class test is going to be a little bit much for him. But if you're a believer and you think that Southern California form is going to travel, you're going to get a very, very good price in this race. Now, as far as Mendelssohn's March is concerned, I'm going to give you a two-part prediction. For at some point this weekend, prediction number one, Ken McPeak is going to win with a bomb at some point this weekend. Prediction number one, a he's going to knock me out of something doing it. It's (laughs) one of those instances where, you know, he's going to come up with a price at some point and you just hope it's not against you in a race where you have a really strong opinion. Mendelssohn's March. I don't know what to make of this particular yeah, horse. It's hard. There's, like I, there's yeah. more there, right? You, you, you know, there's better, but it's just, I, I don't know if it's this spot. I want to keep an eye on him. Yeah. And it's one of those instances where you see that they ran him on turf in the debut. He was placed first via DQ that day. Got an easy lead. He's not going to get that in this particular spot, but then you look at the pedigree and you see Mendelssohn and out of a Galileo mare That's turf top and bottom. I have absolutely no clue what to make of this horse. I'm very happy I didn't have to set a morning line for this race because I could see him being a wise guy horse that goes off between eight and 10 to one. And -hmm. I could see him also being a horse that goes off at about 25 to one. We have no idea. Totally agree. The uh, last thing I wanted to mention, and then I'll I'll pass it over to you to put a bow on this. I, I don't like him in this race, especially way out wide but poor web slinger is a horse who i've backed a couple times and in his last few honestly even in the breeders cup he didn't run all that poorly he was just hooked way out wide all the way around and i just kept waiting for him to get into a race where it suits him a little bit better he'll have a little pace he'll get a little better race shape Unfortunately, Andrew, with that post draw, it's not likely going to be here. But another horse who I like as a horse, and I'll keep an eye on down the road when he catches a spot in a field where, you know, where things fit him a little bit better. If he has a race or two that look a little disappointing, 
if you're listening to this, don't completely dismiss him down the road because he does have legitimate trouble and he's probably going to have a tough trip here. Yeah, Web Slinger is a horse I've given a couple of chances to as well. In fact, on August 31st of last year at Saratoga, I believe he was a single for me in that particular race. Gino, I remember this because I ran Ugh. second a lot last summer at Saratoga, and it was brutal. But Web Slinger's a nice horse. He's one of a couple in here that I'm very interested to see going a mile and a quarter in some of those races in New York over the summer months, the Belmont Derby, the Saratoga Derby, those types of races. I think a lot of what you said about Web Slinger, you can also say about number 13 and the winner is a mm-hmm. horse that I've liked a lot. A couple of times that he ran, I had a nice sized win bet on him in the Transylvania and he didn't run badly that day. He just sort of got beaten to a spot turning for home and they had to adjust based off of that. He came running, but just took a little longer than I would have expected to get going. But I don't think it's an ability thing with him just going off with the pedigree by Oscar performance out of a scat daddy mare. I think he wants a little bit more distance. And that's a horse that I'll be very interested in once they stretch things out. On the other hand, I do have a bomb that I kind of like in this particular race as well. And I'm going to start with something, Gino, that sounds like one of my dad jokes, but it's absolutely true. Okay, you ready for this one? Bring it to me. So I'm actually going to be going to England in uh, the first week of June. Nice. As part of my company, Katina Media's uh, Leadership Academy program. There's a week-long session in uh, Manchester, uh, north of London, uh, almost up towards Scotland in the Lake District. It's going to be a really good time. Do you know what they call someone who is fond of or greatly admires England or Great Britain? Mm, no. Anglophile. Horse there we go. In your program. There we go. I told you it sounds like a dad joke, but it makes perfect nice. sense. First of all, I don't know Mike Battaglia personally. I'm not going to go the route that some people on horse racing Twitter go where they throw the morning line person under the bus and then never give them credit when they get things right. He got this one wrong. And he got behind enemy lines wrong, too. These were the one-two finishers from a stakes race last month at Gulfstream Park. I'm not saying they're going to go favored. The morning lines should be half of what they are. Behind enemy lines with Flavian freaking Pratt in the irons is going to be between 15 and 20 to 1. Anglophile is not going to be 50 to 1. Having said that, I like Anglophile more than I like behind enemy lines in this spot. Because... Anglophile ran in the Cutler Bay off of a very, very long layoff for a trainer that's pretty patient. Brian Lynch is not going to rush his horses back. Sometimes they take a race or two when they're two-year-olds or coming off of a long break to really get going. Anglophile is also a closer that got no pace to run at. You see a first quarter in 25 flat for a two-turn turf race at Gulfstream. Whoever's on the lead is probably the winner. Anglophile closed anyway, despite being very, very wide and going into a pace that was very, very slow. And he did that in his first race since late July last summer. I thought that was pretty impressive. And so did John Velasquez, who hops aboard and who usually is in the right place at the right time. I'm not saying Anglophile wins this race. But if you're playing exactas and trifectas, I'd throw him into those bottom spots because I do think he's going to come running second off the bench. And if he steps forward 
off of that second in the Cutler Bay, he, he's right there for a piece of it. There's a look at the grade two American turf. So, Andrew, you had uh, the four on top, right? You, yeah, uh, the, the four go ahead. on top. I'll also use the one as an A in some of my multi-race exotics. But talk of the nation is going to be the bigger play for me. That's the American turf. It's an important race on the Kentucky Derby undercard. A couple races before the big one goes as race number 12 on Saturday. So, Andrew, your guy Lord Miles is in here coming from the wood. (laughs) But you are in sort of a unique situation because you have a future wager on the favorite Forte, which is a better price than Forte will be. So for a lot of people who are playing the game that – they don't want to play Forte in this situation because the price may not be good enough. You get a good enough price on him. So it's a little different for you than maybe for some others who don't have that a better price on a horse like Forte. But give us a, a, a few thoughts on the Derby overall. Take that, Mattress Mac. Um, <laughs> yeah, for those who do not know, Mattress Mac is apparently planning yet another gigantic paramutual splash and he's wagering enough money to alter the pools on the Kentucky freaking Derby. Uh, I, I, I'm not crazy about that for a variety of different reasons, but that's the paramutual system for you. Having said that, I'm going to do something that's very unpopular, and I am very glad that Darren Zocali, our dear friend and colleague and someone that we've watched a lot of horse racing and wrestling with over the years, I'm very happy he's not here for this. If Forte runs his race, I don't think he loses. Having said that, there are ways in which you can extract value out of a favorite if you like the favorite. Specifically, in a race like the Kentucky Derby, where over the years, even in races where favorites have won, the exactas have overpaid. The biggest example that I can give of this came 10 years ago in 2013. Orb was the favorite in that race. Orb wins the race at odds of five to one. A horse named Golden Soul, trained by Dallas Stewart, ran second at 34 to one. Gino, do you remember what that exacta paid? Oof, I don't. $981. Favorite. Yes. Now that, and that is why if you've got $20 out there and you're looking to bet the Kentucky Derby, don't put it on Forte at three to one. You're limiting your value. What I would do personally, take that $20 and play four $5 exactas using Forte on top of four horses that are going to be reasonably bigger prices. And you don't need bonkers horses, but I would play those four $5 exactas and see if you can back into that kind of a situation where the favorite wins, something bonkers happens behind it, and you maximize the value on your strong opinion. That's what handicapping is, maximizing your value out of strong opinions and getting the most out of them if you happen to be right. For instance, in this particular strategy, I'm betting against Tappet Trice. It would not surprise me if Tappet Trice ran big and either won the Derby or ran second and spoiled everything. Even in a 20-horse field, the exacta with two pletchers just isn't going to pay much. It's just not. That's going to be probably the two cheapest exactas on the board. But what I am going to do is I'm going to use a couple of logical horses and a couple of bigger prices. 
I'm throwing in Angel of Empire, whose record just looks far better if you toss that clunker at Kentucky Downs. They ran that horse on turf for reasons passing understanding. That's not what he wants to do. And his Arkansas Derby was pretty darn good. I'm also going to throw in Derma Sotogake, the Japanese horse, simply because if that horse runs big and I don't have him on my ticket, that is what my friend and colleague Tom Amello would call a two-by-four horse, which is you hit yourself in the head with a two-by-four for not having that horse on the <laughs> ticket. That's how impressive his UAE Derby win was. Um, the two big prices that I'm going to throw in, if you like Forte, you sort of have to like Mage, who ran second in the Florida Derby. I'm throwing that horse in. I'm a little concerned mm -hmm. that he seems to be in a pattern of finding trouble. At the I don't start, love too, right? I, like, slow out the gate, yeah. yeah. I don't love that for a young horse, but at the same time, if that horse puts it all together and he's 20 to one, he's got a big shot and that's an overlay. The long shot that I am most excited about that I've saved for last is a horse named Skinner, the horse that ran third in the Santa Anita Derby beneath what I thought was an absolutely horrible ride by Victor Espinosa. Skinner moved early, yeah. moved wide, had no punch left in the last eighth of a mile. He's like either. unnecessarily early and unnecessarily yes. wide. Yeah. Neither horse nor rider had punch in the last eighth of a mile. If Juan Hernandez was on Skinner in the Santa Anita Derby, I think he wins. Well, Juan Hernandez is on Skinner on Saturday in the Kentucky Derby. And rather than take practical move at about a third of the price when I don't think practical move is a mile and a quarter horse. And he got a perfect trip in the exactly. race that we're talking about. And they were exactly. separated by how, how much? Half length. Half length. Like, um, give me Skinner at three times the price. Who's working really, really well, yep. too. Like, and again, at this point, everybody's working well. But in reading through, when when they're getting compared... People are saying Skinner is has worked like one of the better horses they've seen yep. recently coming into this race for a horse who's going to be a massive price, who's probably off the radar. And you mentioned Juan Hernandez. He's not quite there yet as a nationally known rider to, to actually match what his skill level is. This dude dusted a really good riders colony out here in Southern California for the first half of this year when DeTori and Johnny V and Pratt were all out here. It was a pretty darn good room. Yeah. It was. And he was, they were all getting great mounts for big barns and he was, he dusted them. He, yep. he was really impressive. Yeah. I mean, at that price, I've got to use Skinner, but yeah, if you take nothing else from my stance on the Kentucky Derby, you can like Forte and find ways to make money with him that aren't going to be in the win pool. I'd advise you to get creative, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to play those four exactas as my primary play. I'll have saver plays in case Forte runs big, but is second behind one of those horses, largely because if the exacta comes in Skinner, Forte, and I don't have it, I quit gambling. But that's where I would go in that particular instance. The last horse I threw out, that I want to at least just put out there as one of those thoroughly bonkers horses that on the form doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Chino Rocket Can's been working really well since he came to Churchill, and Bill Mott knows what he's doing. He's gonna, nobody's going to play this course either, Andrew, and I'm not that 
I, I like him more than a lot of other people do. I, yeah, he's he, he's a C for me. It would not surprise me at all if he ran second or third in this race. Well, you know what? What I really like about him, which is just kind of a, it's like a weird thing, but he's just been really wide in all of his races. And so if he gets parked wide in the Derby and he has to be sitting out there four or five wide, which is a normal trip in the Derby, there are a lot of horses that haven't been out there. He's repeatedly spotted horses ground, hasn't always gotten the best of trips. He's pretty honest, wasn't beaten a whole heck of a lot. I I think he's better than his form looks, but it's going to be a tough spot. He will be in my bottom of tries and super like he's he's included for me in the multis yeah. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned him as a big bomb yeah and again it's one of those instances where if he's 10 to 1 i don't like him but he's 30 to 1 on the morning line and i think he's going to drift up the big thing that i just want to pay attention to with the work tab is going into the arkansas derby rocket can wasn't trained by belmont he was trained by frank fletcher who's an arkansas guy who wanted him to run in the arkansas derby Gino, when owners train horses, what's the track record usually? Yeah. Not well. Yeah. It's not good. It's really not good. So he runs fourth in that race. And by the way, great little footnote. The photo for third was won by Reincarnate. If the photo goes the other way, Reincarnate's not in the Kentucky Derby. Nobody talks about that. But it's those little minor things on the road to the Kentucky Derby that very few people notice that I find absolutely fascinating. They ship this horse into Churchill Downs. His first work over the surface is four furlongs and 46 and three. Gino, I think he likes it here. I don't know if he likes it here enough to move him up into the likes of Forte and Tappet Trice and Angel of Empire and all of those. But there will at least be some play that I have somewhere that has Forte over Rocket Can in case that one's ready to run the race of his life. Okay, Andrew, uh, we are a few days out. We're Tuesday night recording this. Let everybody know, what do you have coming up this week? Tell us about some of the content you have. Where can we find some more of you this week? Oh, I've got a whole bunch of stuff coming up. This is the this Plug is it Christmas. All. It's Christmas week for us horse racing types. It's, it's absolutely awesome. Katina Media has given me a lot of opportunities to be able to write and put videos together. Uh, it actually just went live today. We're recording this Tuesday night, uh, a half hour derby preview with myself, Brant James, Alicia Hughes, and Johnny Avello from DraftKings. That is live up on Gaming Today's YouTube channel. Very happy with how that turned out. A lot of smart people and me. So if you want to take a look at that, by all means, that's up there in case you want to take a look. I'll be doing a lot of writing as well for the fine folks over at Legal Sports Report. That's LegalSportsReport.com. I'll have a couple of things up on the favorites, some long shots that you're going to want to consider. I'll also wind up, uh, of course, doing my own podcast over with the On the Wrong Lead folks. Drank and Champagne will be live on Wednesday. And by the way, in case you haven't seen it, uh, my co-host, Josh Rodriguez, got a comment onto the Horse Racing Nation stream of the post position draw, and it made Ed DeRosa uh, <laughs> laugh pretty hard. Um, anybody that didn't know anything about my call with Lord Miles certainly knew that now. Uh, Josh, thank you for your service. Appreciate that. I'll also, in all likelihood, have some stuff up on my own website, andrewchampagne.com. Best place to look for all of that stuff is going to be on my Twitter page, at Andrew Champagne. 
it's going to be a lot of fun, man. I'm really excited. Uh, I had a dentist appointment earlier today. The numbness in my mouth has worn off. I'm good to go. I got through most of Friday tonight, got through the couple of big races on Saturday. I'm going to try to take a look. This is a lot of fun. Credit to the people at Churchill Downs for putting together a couple of fantastic days of racing. But before we go, may I give a public service announcement? Of course. Okay. I would like all of us to unite around one common principle over the next couple of days. Thurby is not a word. I knew you were going here. You love Thurby. Stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. Thurby is not a word. It is a marketing campaign, and anyone who says it sounds really, really stupid. Stop doing it. Andrew loves him some Thurby. Make sure to give him a follow and uh, check out all the great content he'll be pumping out this weekend, uh, all through this week, promoting this weekend. Thank you so much, buddy. Really appreciate it. We had a good race to talk about. Wish you the best of luck in all your plays this week, and uh, we'll be talking again real soon. Thanks for having me, Gino. Appreciate it. Don't go anywhere, folks. We continue along with our preview shows. We have so many good races on these two days. So we continue rolling. Where do we head up next? We're going to go to race number 10. We're going to talk about the Churchill Downs Sprint. Don't go anywhere. Big thanks, AC. Good luck. Let's get talk of the nation home in the ninth. You know, there's Probably a lot of times when you're looking around trying to find a gift for someone, you're not exactly sure what to get. Candles are the perfect gift. You can get a few different scents for different seasons, different moods, different people. And these candles at sarahcandles.com, C-E-R-A candles.com, they are different. They're unique because they're all natural. They're soy wax, no toxins, no carcinogens, no pollutants. They will be healthier for you. They're going to burn longer, and it'll be a better bang for your buck. Use that promo code G-I-N-O. It'll get you 10% off your purchase over at sarahcandles.com. Craig Milkowski from Timeform US joins us to talk the grade one Churchill Downs, the seven furlong sprint. It goes as race number 10, couple races before the derby. It's the grade one Churchill Downs. We actually will see a... Uh, Cody's Wish, your Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile, making his a Dirt Mile winner from 2022, making his first start of the year. Craig Milkowski talking the Churchill Downs. We continue on the Saturday card, Churchill Downs. It's the Kentucky Derby undercard and a, a mainstay on That's What G Said podcast. We're always very lucky to have him and uh, a, a good friend that I've actually had the privilege of meeting in person one time. So many of uh, the folks that I speak with, I, we talk all the time and never never have the chance to actually say hello, but got the chance last year to to hook up with Craig and uh, and his beautiful wife, and that was a lot of fun. Craig Milkowski from Timeform US joins me, and we always pick out a really nice sprint race for Craig to talk about. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Uh, things are good here. It was great to meet you last year, and uh, hopefully I know I, I had a pretty good history with the sprints with you uh, between mm-hmm. the Breeders' Cup and this day. I think the last year or two, it's been a little mean, so hopefully I can turn that around. We got a good group that lines up for the uh, the grade one Churchill. It's a big field and just uh, got some information a couple hours 
before we record this when we're recording early on Tuesday for anyone that listens. So just keep in mind, we're definitely a few days out. So things can change. Horses can scratch and the track conditions can be different. But we're getting an early look at the grade one Churchill Downs race uh, 10 for Saturday, seven for a long sprint. White Barrio will run in this race. He was cross-entered for a race at Belmont over the weekend, but he's going to run here. And we have a, a big field. We have the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile winner. Cody's Wish, who's a really, really nice horse. He's going to be making his first start of the year. And one of your personal favorites, who uh, is a big long shot in this race, but old Sir Alfred James, who who <laughs> ran 16 times last year and is just a cool, hard-knocking horse. But it's a fun sprint race. You get a chance to see a big star, a, a nice horse who was really good last year. And if you're trying to beat a horse like him, this might be the time to do it when they make their first start back off a long layoff in their first start of the year. And honestly, Craig, in a, in this type of a race, how did you guys see it playing early on? Because it doesn't seem like there's that much early speed. Yeah, there's not a ton of speed. Our, our time form U.S. pace projector has two of the longer shots in the field, the eight horse uh, Fortin Hill and the nine horse, the aforementioned Sal, Sir Alfred James, who's making his seventh start of the year already in early <laughs> May, which is just awesome with limited success this year. But you just never know when he's going to show up. But those are the two that we have on the the front end with the eight Fortin Hill leading. I personally don't think either one of those two is a a strong contender in this field, but I do think they will set an honest pace. So I don't think it's one where things are just going to um, set up for those near the front end. Now, um, of those two, I think if we were going to look, Fortin Hill's probably a little bit more legitimate at this point he's just like a seven-year-old that's lightly raced so maybe he's maybe there's a little upside in there but good to mention the the couple horses that'll probably be involved in the pace early who do you gravitate to in here is this cody's wish the horse to beat does he tower over anyone or do you take a swing against him here he's clearly the horse to beat he's four to five on the morning line but as you mentioned if you're gonna beat him this is probably the time to take a swing uh, see how he's doing. I imagine he'll be cranked. It's a grade one race. Bill Mott's been doing well off of layoffs, but I think this is a walkover. It's a turn back in distance for Cody's wish off that layoff. Uh, he did win the grade one forego at seven furlongs last year over Jackie's warrior in a strong effort. But I do think there's another really good horse in here and that's endorsed the 10 horse. Uh, he's got kind of a crazy pattern. If you look at Timeform USPPs, or, and, and I'm sure it's available through others, but ours just defaults to the lifetime past performances. And you can see this a horse who had won, I think it was four out of his first eight races in his career. He's only had one or two layoffs in that career. After that eighth race, I, he went, I, I used to have it counted. I think it was a 22-race losing streak where he just could not find the winner circle. He had some flashes where he ran okay, but he's really turned the tables lately, winning three in a row, which is uh, no small thing after 22 straight losses. He keeps improving his speed figures on, on my numbers. He's went from 114 to 118 to 125. And that 125 makes him competitive with Cody's wish. And it just seems to me he's in good form. He draws well. I, I always like an outer post in these one-turn races. Um, Churchill, no different than any other tracks. Uh, he has decent tactical speed. Uh, it wouldn't even surprise me if he was up near the front, given yeah. how murky that pace situation is. And I would just be hoping that he could get the jump on a horse like Cody's wish and maybe hold him off to the wire. 
yeah, he's been in a couple situations where they're kind of the races that are like this, where there wasn't all that much speed on paper, and he and he always sort of puts himself in a pretty good spot. He's he's in just really sharp form too. He. He, he's tough to knock off that recent form and he really fits to me as like a major player in here. Now, the one I mentioned a little before, I wish he may be drawn a little bit more to the outside. White Barrio is a horse who we become familiar with. He's done a lot of his best work at Gulfstream Park. I do think though, he's probably best at the mile, like the mile ish trip. So this trip may not be bad for him. It's just from the rail can he work out a trip? If you sort of eliminate some of his races going a little bit longer, those races around a mile look pretty good. What do you think about his chances in here? I don't like the rail draw. I I also am very leery of taking Safi Joseph outside of Florida. Yeah. Uh, if you've been following, he hasn't had the best time of it at Churchill. No, no. He had a uh, a couple horses who haven't made it back to their stalls, shall no. we say. So it just, yeah. it's kind of a red flag for me. It, it could certainly be a fluke and a coincidence, but I, I don't want to take a horse who could very likely be second choice. I think he's co-third choice on the morning line. But coming off that last big win at golf stream in fast time, I, I think he might take some money. I think uh, Wayburn's already come back to win off of that, the horse he beat that day. So I, I think he might be the, the default second choice when all things are said and done and it's just a few too many question marks for me so after we get beyond kind of that top tier of horses if you were looking for maybe a fun price to include is there anyone else who maybe you'd use underneath in exotics or anyone else in here who you think has a shot yeah, I mean, I wouldn't dismiss Tejano Twist. He's a horse who's run some big numbers. He's certainly uh, proven mm-hmm. to be a top quality sprinter, won multiple stakes uh didn't run his best last time but that horse skelly who won that count fleet at oakland is just in raging form right now and nobody was catching him so if some pace developed uh maybe you could find a, a way to like him but I, i'm a little leery of that uh, as i said the pace is murky and i'm just it'll be honest i don't think it's going to be too hot i think one horse should kind of have to give a look to he always seems to show up in these races and personally i can never figure him out it's easy rocket i mean when he ran yeah. second last year in the breeders cup i had no idea where that came from uh he hadn't been running particularly quick but He's a horse who generally always shows up. He's coming back he from does. Dubai. He's had yeah, he's had a month and a half off. I, I doubt it's going to bother a veteran like him. And maybe if you're looking for a price underneath, I would use him. I, I don't really think he's a win contender in here, but it gets a little um, you know, not a little hazy once you get past the top couple. Yeah, and you're you're right. And and for me, I think some of the price horses that I could include, you mentioned Tejano Twist. I talked about Fordon Hill a little bit, who you kind of go through his whole career, and he's not, he doesn't have too many bad races in there. Just this is going to be tougher than than what he's dealt with. Hear Me Song is also just pretty honest. That race last time out wasn't bad. It was kind of four wide, made a nice move. You know, since August, you have a kind of a, a string of races that make sense here chase lone speed in a race a couple starts back on may the 11th and had some sneaky trouble uh back in february so hear me song maybe as an underneath horse especially if you're playing this race thinking that the uh the favorite is the horse to beat and maybe you're looking for some fun prices underneath we've given you at least a few because yeah it, it's a it's a weird sprint race in that we have a big field but 
There's not that much speed for this type of race, especially classy speed early. And you have lots of horses who are capable of jumping up with a big race and have a big figure or two, but there's not many of them that are like proven grade one caliber horses. No, not at all. And that that's my issue with the races. We have two horses who have run in the 120s and endorsed in Cody's Wish. Uh, White Abario's borderline. Um, Tejano Twist has hit the 120 mark a few times. And then everybody else kind of looks the same on their best day. They just seem a notch below. So for me, they would all be like if you're playing Superfectas or something like that, which could be valuable if Cody's Wish doesn't win the race. If you think he's beatable like I do, I'll key on endorsed. I wouldn't dismiss Cody's Wish. I'm not going to throw him out of my tickets. He's a horse who I expect to run well. But I just think he could be vulnerable on the top end. And in those third and fourth slots, I think it's pretty wide open. So if you find some prices you like, uh, there's definitely a case to be made. Um, a horse I don't particularly care for in here has got to get her number. Uh, he was in good form, but he ran a good second in the cigar mile. But that was one of the weaker cigar miles we're ever going to see. And it's kind of showed in his last three races where he hasn't run particularly well, two of them at low prices. So if if I had to toss one horse that I'm just not going to use at all, even as low as the fourth spot, it would be get her number. There's a look at race number 10 on Saturday. And this is an important one because it's one of the, uh, the races in those late exotics and in the races leading right up to the 12th race on Saturday, which is your Kentucky Derby. So, Craig, I uh, just saw a post a, l- a little before we started recording. Your podcast partner, David Aragona, said there was a heated battle, heated debate going on as you uh, discussed the Kentucky Derby. Um, let's get a quick thought or two from you on the Kentucky Derby. I, they've seen you just do fantastic work. You're always a great follow on social media, just going through the way that the the race should shape out with some of these horses, like a couple from Japan that have form that might be a little tough to transfer. You've really done your best trying to, to make it as easy as possible for us to, to make sense of. Yeah. Let me do a quick spoiler alert. There's nothing he did when David and I discussed things. Never. We, uh, I'm not, yeah, I'm sure he, he was, was playing kidding. around. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Debated. We both respect each other, even when we don't disagree. I always listen to what David has to say because he we look at races from different perspectives, and he's a sharp guy. I know he's a regular with you, so yeah. We, we talking we the Derby the- City Distaff a uh, little little before you uh, taking a look at that race where we'll have sort of a, a small field, but kind of a similar situation here where you have a a, a really big name horse, Good Night Olive, who's you know. A horse who are you trying to beat or who you uh, maybe looking to find some value underneath. So you'll hear Craig's partner a little earlier if you uh, were listening to help us with the analysis for that race. But Derby yeah, time, for Craig. The, yeah, as for the Derby, uh, the pace projector, it's always a little challenging with the shippers these days. We also we have some synth- a synthetic horse in here who's quick. Last year, I you may not remember, I got quite a bit of grief when I posted the pace projector with the Japanese horses. I want one of them in the lead and one of them shown in third. Uh, but I had some little redemption when they both kind of ran off from the rest of the field and set that blazing pace to set it up for Rich Strike. Um, once again this year, and it's not related as I detail on the podcast to what happened last year, it's strictly the numbers they ran in Dubai. I, I just think they set a very fast pace that day, uh, and it's going to put Derma Sodagake 
on or near the lead for sure, in my opinion. Now, the other horse, Continue R, I don't think he's quite at that level. He's shown further back, but um, it, it's quite a task trying to uh, build this pace projector when you have horses shipping in from overseas. It's something we don't normally attempt, but we did it last year for the Derby. It worked out well, so we're going to stick with it. So who are horses that you're going uh, you're going to be using in some of your exotics or uh, are on your radar? Well, as you mentioned, and you mentioned our podcast, I, I highly recommend people listen to that. We we cover every single horse, even the about also ninety minutes. Horse. He said, right, a real in depth look. Yeah, awesome. Uh, a little tip I gave my wife when it comes to listening to podcast. I assume you're like me and listen to NBA podcast oh, yeah. and other sports and double speed. You can't beat it. <laughs> Absolutely, I I do the same yeah. thing for sure. That's so great. People sound a little funny, but you get used to it and you save a lot of time. But oh uh, yeah. So, yeah, if, if you don't have an hour and a half, double speed, you, you get us in 45 minutes. But Perfect. Uh, I, as I discussed on there, it's a very, very deep race, I think, this year. Not necessarily quality. I, I think it's just an average group. But it's it's tough. I narrowed it down to eight horses I thought could win. I'm not going to go over all of them. You can listen if you want to hear those. We had to send in our picks to DRF this morning, uh, which is just the top four. So, when I came down to it, I went with that Japanese horse, Derma Sodagade, um, Sodogake, based on just his early speed. I think he ran a much better speed figure than what time form uh, overseas is rating him. They they do their ratings a little different. I think that was quite a fast race. So he's a horse I'm going to focus on. I, I also I had Tapit Trice picked in second. Uh, of all the horses in here, I'm not a big fan of his, his morning line. Not sure if he'll actually be that low. He's the one horse I'm extremely confident that will be just galloping by horses in the stretch. Now, it's going to depend how much uh, how much ground he loses early and how far he has to come. But uh, I am quite sure that he's talented and can work out. Hopefully, he can work out a trip. Uh, Skinner, I picked in third. He is the best time form U.S. late pace horse by a pretty decent margin in here. Um, and not to, to toot my own horn, because I sure as heck wasn't smart enough to bet Rich Strike, but he had that best late pace rating last year. And a lot of long shots tend to hit the supers that have those ratings up there. So I, I like Skinner a bit. And though I won't bet Forte, I picked him in fourth just because I do think he's going to run a good race. I think he's going to show up and deliver. I'm just not sure that good race is going to get him into the exacta. So I, I don't want to leave him out and think uh, people think I was totally against him, but I just think he's going to be a bad bet. Some uh, derby analysis from Craig, a little preview, a little teaser for their in-depth podcast. You want to check that one out. Craig, uh, give us give us a plug for some of your stuff. You mentioned DRF picks and Timeform US and uh, the podcast. Anything else that you have going on this week that you want to give a little plug to? Yeah, in the print edition, I always do an article about the pace projector and how I feel about it, where I might differ with it, because at the end of the day, it's just an algorithm uh, that spits out the numbers and they get plotted on, on the chart. And Sometimes I agree, sometimes I don't. So I discuss that, horses I don't agree with, the late pace. Uh, that's something people always seem to like. And then just give our podcast a listen. You can find it at the DRF channel on YouTube. Uh, David and I always posted it on Twitter. I'm at TimeformUSFigs. Uh, it's where we, we put all our podcasts. We're only doing one this week. Uh, it was all derby. 
We'll have some race previews coming out on Thursday, which will include the Derby and Oaks uh, and a couple of the other races from the Saturday card, uh, which uh, I'll be honest, other than the sprint and the Derby, I haven't even had a chance to really look over very much. Obviously, I'm familiar with the vast majority of these horses, but it's still a different thing when you all, when you put them in a race and kind of look at the dynamics between who's entered. Craig, uh, gotta, gotta ask you now as your, uh, OKC thunder finished up, what was a really good season. You gotta be pretty excited about, you know, we're basketball fans. We're talking about the NBA playoffs going on right now. I imagine you're really pumped for this year. You feel like you're just like one or two guys away and you had, a big man sitting on the bench there who would fill a lot of those needs right there. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of painful watching him warm up pre games or we talking about Chet Holmgren. Mm-hmm. Um, I will be very shocked if that guy is not an, just an outstanding player. Uh, he's, he can shoot it. He's seven feet. He's a great shot blocker. Uh, so it's exciting times here in OKC. I actually upgraded our season tickets. We, we moved even closer to the center uh, so looking forward to some good times and it's always good to have good seats when the team gets good. Cause when you can't make it, you can sell them for good money. Craig, uh, I know you will be waving your Laker pom-poms. Um, you got your, you know how some of those parents that have kids on both teams have the half jerseys. You've got your half Laker, half warrior Jersey oh. that you're going to be walking for this series. Don't you? The only good thing about this for me is that one of the teams has to lose. Someone's got to go down. <laughs> yeah, it's before the finals. I, I haven't decided yet. I, I almost think I'm going to root for the Lakers. You may not like the reason. The reason is because I don't think they have a chance in the next round. Yeah, you I know what? Wrong, but I don't. I think I, honestly, I think the the De- Denver is it's kind of it's like the sleeping giant right now. They're they're just like so sneaky good. They're playing such good basketball. Nobody wants to talk about them. Uh, the this series is going to be a blast though. As a fan, uh, I'm really looking forward to it, and uh, always look forward to talking with you, Craig. It's uh it's it's always a pleasure, and I really appreciate your time. Uh, you, you're always there when uh, we need to talk about a big race on, on any any day for a few minutes or for uh, as long as we need. And I'm I'm always listening with you and David on the uh, the podcast and reading through your stuff. And as we're seeing Timeform US a lot more on um, on DRF, what I want to do with you, maybe one of these days coming up, maybe after some of the Triple Crown races is do a little video that we could record just for 15 or 20 minutes where we kind of navigate through some of the PPs and we can kind of show people yeah. some of the stuff and you can kind of teach maybe give us a couple tips on uh, how to do it. Cause I think some people, if they get a chance just to see it and we can show, uh, share it on social media, they'd um, they'd like to hear from you. Some of the, uh, the, the real cool features. So maybe we can do that sometime when you got a few free minutes and we can, uh, we can show people how to dive into those PPs. Yeah. I'd be happy to, I, I haven't even converted myself to the DRF site cause there's still some of the features aren't quite there that I like, but they're all going to get there and it's going to happen pretty quickly. So I'm going to have to learn myself and I will be happy to do that with you and kind of show how I handicap and just all the features I learned is that I have some people who have gone back to using the product since the site began and there's still things I point out to them that they don't know about. So, uh, yeah, it's good to see and hopefully people could get used to it. It's something at first our PPs are laid out a little bit differently, but in the new DRF site, it's a lot closer to what you're used to. Craig Milkowski, Timeform US. Make sure to give him a follow at Timeform US Figs. 
Craig, thank you so much, buddy. Hope you and your family have a, a great rest of your week coming up. And good luck with all your Derby and Oaks plays. You too, Gino. Thanks for having me and happy to join anytime. We'll be following along with Craig and uh, we'll be supporting all the great work that him and David put out there with Timeform US. Thanks so much to Craig, but don't go anywhere, folks. We still have a couple more races to discuss on the big day. It's the Saturday undercard for the Derby and we're getting closer to the big race. Good luck to Craig with all of uh, your plays this weekend. Thanks so much for helping us out with the Churchill Downs. Two more left on the Saturday card. It's the Grade 1 Turf Classic. Chris Larmy joins us to talk about the older horses going a mile and an eighth on the turf. It's the race before the big race, a pivotal one in all of the multi-race exotics. Let's talk race number 11, the Turf Classic with Chris Larmy. We are getting closer and closer to the big one. We're up to race number 11 on the Saturday card at Churchill. So we're looking at May the 6th, and race number 11 is the Grade 1 Turf Classic. It is one of those staples on the Kentucky Derby undercard. It's one of those big, big races that you always can expect, and it's usually placed just like it is here in one of the races leading up to the Kentucky Derby. So it's a pivotal race for those of you who like to play multi-race exotics. And I know one gentleman who's going to be joining us right now. He's a very sharp handicapper, always looking for some value, hosts a couple different podcasts, a writer, horse racing ambassador, someone who's always been um, on the side of the betters and the players. Chris Larmy joins us to talk about the Turf Classic. Chris, how you doing, buddy? Hey, this is uh, Horse Players Christmas, right, this week, so I'm oh, having yeah. fun. Oh, yeah, and, th- and this is a big race for everybody that's playing, a pick four, pick five, pick six, any of those races, because if you want to be alive going into the Derby, you better be right about this race. Yeah, it's like there's like a two-day pick six and, a you know, the Saturday pick six and the pick five and, yeah, and a late <laughs> pick five. There's like probably... <laughs> A half a dozen pick fives and pick sixes that this is part of. So it's a key race. And uh, it's a, a, a good a good field, meaning there's some quality horses in here. I think we can also have an opportunity to find a, a price or two. This will be going a mile and an eighth. We'll talk with Chris about this race. We'll talk with him a little bit about the Derby. And then we'll give Chris a chance to talk about some of the, the stuff that he has coming up this week. He's um, one that produces a lot of different content in different places and does a great job doing so. But Chris, let's dive into this race. And just from a starting standpoint, I think how a lot of handicappers and, and players begin with races what is the pace going to look like in a particular race and how is it going to set up? How is it going to shape up on paper? We have a couple horses that we could expect to be forwardly placed. Wolfie's Dynaghost has become a real synthetic monster, not exactly a slouch on turf either. And he, he should be forwardly placed. We, uh, we have uh bye bye Melvin to the outside who should also be forwardly placed. He's been a, on the lead going a mile and then stretch that all the way out to a mile and a half. Then you have the one Ocean Atlantique who should also be pushing the pace or at least forwardly placed from the inside. How do you think the the pace kind of shapes up this this race? Well, you know, the way you described it, you've got speed on the inside, speed on the outside, and speed in the middle. So unless something unexpected happens and in modern racing, you never know what the jockeys will do. Uh, you would expect this to be on the hot side or at least, you know, honest pace. Absolutely. Because it 
the the horse the inside and the outside horses in particular really feel like that's their only way to go. I, I think I, Wolfie's Dynagos might be able to sit off a little bit if they want, but he's been so good for the place too that it really feels like those three should be pushing it. And so for me, Chris, I, I'm looking for some horses that are going to be coming from more off the pace, either sitting or coming from even a little bit deeper. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, of the three that we talked about there, I think Wolfie's Dynagos is the most interesting. If if you were going to pick one to maybe hang on for a piece, it would be him. Because he's, like you said, he's really sharp. But, you know, he, he, they changed barns. I think he's in a, a better barn now, Jonathan Thomas. And, and he has run well on turf and since. So he's pretty sharp right now. And like you said, he might be the one that might sit off of the other two. And if he got that kind of trip, he'd be extra dangerous. So he's the one of those three that I might include. But I agree with you in terms of the winner. I'm, I'm, it looks like the some of the other horses could get a pretty good setup. I agree, and I think some may even dismiss Wolfie's Dynagos thinking that he's just a synthetic horse, but he's definitely been been capable on the turf and and been fine there. He's not doesn't seem like he's quite as good as his best races have been, but he could get a beautiful trip that you kind of plotted out just sitting right behind the other speeds and getting the jump on some of these other horses that we'll we'll start talking about one um for me chris that will definitely be in the mix is a horse who just is really good at this trip and that's masterpiece um at, at the mile and an eighth trip he's won three of his four starts at a mile and an eighth it seems like when he goes a little bit farther he kind of flattens out and he doesn't have that same late kick that same late energy the only time he didn't win going a mile and an eighth was in the Pegasus earlier this year, a few months back. He had a pretty bad trip in that race. He was dead last early. He kind of got, um, you know, he was full of run with nowhere to go down towards the inside. It was kind of sneaky. He split horses late. He was seventh beaten three lengths. When you watch the race, the difference between third and seventh was like a half of a length. And he... He definitely could have finished third in that race and it probably look a lot better on paper because his speed figure was still pretty good and it wasn't bad. He's definitely going to be in the mix for me, Chris, the number two masterpiece. Hey, you're making some good arguments for him. Another positive is he gets a really good rider, um, Christoph Lemaire. Yes. He's in to ride Derma Sotogake. He's a very, very good rider. You know, all those top Euro riders are good. So you know, that's a plus for him. Um, you know, I, I'm not quite as high as you are on him. He just hasn't really had, I mean, he had some excuses, but to me, he's just not quite as good as he was last year, um, right now, but you know, the, the shipping out of Gulfstream might make a big difference for him. You know, maybe he didn't like it down there so much. And, and so, you know, shipping to Churchill might be just what he needed, the change in riders. The ne- other negative for me is Safi Joseph horses just that's and they haven't really and it's not been good recently for no, them. No, in fact, right now he's probably under in the microscope. Absolutely. Uh, so, which given given the trainer, uh, that yeah, might no, impact that, performance. That's uh, a very no. That's very very good point. It's a very valid point in mentioning it, it, absolutely. And and those the barn doesn't do nearly as well outside of of Florida and at, at Gulfstream Park. And in particular, the last few days, not a lot of good buzz around the barn uh, whatsoever. So very, very um, glad uh, that that was point that was pointed out, too, because it's something that everybody's been seeing over the last few days. Who are some of the horses that are on your radar? You know, we talked about pick fours, pick fives. Who might some of the horses that are that are going to make their way under your tickets be? 
Well, I'll give people a horse I think is a single for their nice, beautiful. Um, and you'll get a little value in. And I, I think the eight horse Santon is beautiful. A yeah. Yep. Um, I think he sort of towers over these. This is a grade one race, but I don't, it's a grade one race in name. But the quality of the the older turf routers in the U.S. Have, has not been very good for the last few years. No. But but you know Santon on his best is probably as good as any horse in the states. And if you remember last year, uh, the Churchill Downs turf course was kind of a mess. And um, in fact, the angle that made me a lot of money last year was playing horses that shipped out of Churchill had ran poorly on that turf course. Other places. And, and you, yeah, you just kind of toss that race and they you know, get a little more of a price and they were performing, you know, right back to what they had been doing beforehand. It was just kind of a greasy, kind of slick surface and very few horses liked it. But Santin was one of those few that just would run lights out on that. He loved that surface. Now, supposedly, it's better now than it was last year. It's gotten some good reviews early, but the last year was the same. And now that it's had a few races over it and there's supposed to be some rain in the forecast, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if it kind of reverts back to a little bit more of a quirky course that certain horses are going to like more than others. Um, so I'm going to anticipate that there is some moisture in the ground. That's probably going to really help Santin. And if it does kind of turn back into the old Churchill course, then he's probably a lock. Um, but even if it's just a typical little bit of give in the ground turf course, to me, you know, he he can lay just off that early lead, get the jump on the other horses. And I just think he's the class of the field. I think he's by far the the most likely winner. I don't and know he should. Gets, and I don't think he's going to be favored. No, but I don't know if nine to two might be a little bit. A little generous, yeah. But in the pick fives, to me, you know, or pick sixes or pick fours, whatever you're playing, you know, I I don't know if you want a stone cold single, and that's probably how I'll play it. But I'm pretty aggressive sometimes. Yeah. But um, you know, at least I would make lean on him some um, the, because you're, you know, getting a horse like this that's not the favorite. Um is really valuable in those horizontals. My my A's in here, my tops were 2-8. That, that's what, how I was probably looking at playing a lot of my tickets. And then maybe, you know, that's the biggest tickets, the press tickets. Maybe you play another spread where you use one or two others and you single in a different race or however people approach it. But for me, my top were those two. And and as you pointed out with Santin, he just feels like this, this was the spot for him all along that they were pointing for, right? I think to get him ready to run a big race again here, they put him in the synthetic race last time out. He just had a brutal start, completely missed the break, stumbled badly, and then there was no passing in that race. Uh, Wolfie's Dynagos just sat right there and and took moved to the lead early and and just crushed that field. He was in sort of in a tight spot, too. It, it just was not a good trip for him, and he should— at least get a little fitness out of that and he'll be ready to rock and roll in this race. I think he's an absolute must use. And I, a lot of it is too, like you were saying, Chris, just going horse by horse, kind of eliminating them. There's just not a lot of others in here that I, I love at this time in this spot. Yeah. And you know, that last race was over the synth was just a prep. I mean, you know, they wanted this million dollar race at Churchill. I mean, this is where the horses, yep. you know, had all his glory last year so this was their target that race was just a means to an end it was probably a little bit of an experiment too but and like you said he had no he lost all chances to start but that wasn't and then you're just not they're not asking him for much right they're not worried about really going 
all out to try to win this race, especially when it's his first start back. They just sort of let him do what he was going to do, and he passed some horses late, but he's going to be much, much better in here. I, I have him on a, a fantasy horse racing league that I'm in. I have the uh, Santin, so I'm hoping for a big year from him too, Chris. Yeah, and second off the layoff, he's always run well. So, you know, the other two, there's like three other closers that, that are contenders probably. You know, Spooky Channel's yeah. cool horse, an eight-year-old that's good as he's ever been. That's one Loves to win. Yeah, and it's cool, you know, that these turf routers, you you, you get them that, that stick around till they're eight or nine a lot of times. And, you know, so you got to like him. He he cost me some money. He snapped my long shot uh, that looked like he was home in his last race and cost, you know, cost me a, a quite a bit. But um, and he's got Rosario who can ride a horse like this pretty well. So, you know, there's a chance he might be able to run Santon down. But I think if Santon runs his race, no one's going to catch him. Um, Hong Kong Harry, uh, is pretty good horse, you know, no real knocks, but as a favorite, I'm, I'm kind of against yeah. him, you know, a so- SoCal horse on the turf shipping out. It's always a, a kind of negative to me and his trainers great in Southern California, but he's like a 5% trainer at Churchill and he's got a pretty good sample size. So. I, I know it may not seem so because he won those races at a mile and an eighth. I think he's better at a mile too. Like I don't, I don't know if this is his best distance. He can get it, but uh, if you just if you're looking at his speed figures too, he's been better when he was going a little bit shorter. I think he's not quite as good when they try to go a little bit longer with him. So I agree with you. I, I was a little cold on him. He's been very accomplished, but not. I don't. I don't really like him very much in this spot. Honestly, the three, I, I had him kind of pegged the. Two and eight as my top. The next one as and my next tier was the nine spooky channel. And then after that was, you know, the pace of Wolfie's Dyna Ghost as a question. I, I didn't really know what to do with um the horse like steady on, you know, going a mile and an eighth for the first time. I based on the placing in his races, I didn't I don't know if Todd had thought he was that good, but he keeps running well in those spots. So they'll give him a little bit of an acid test in here. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't endorse him on any ticket. Um, no, I, 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 if he's really five to one, yeah, it's a huge takeout reducer. I can't believe he'll be five to one. He'll be higher than that. But yeah, um, I, and you know, at Earl's Rock, I don't have much to say good about. But up to the mark has turned out to be a pretty nice horse. He's real sharp right now. You know, he was in. A, he kind of hit a monster, a monster race. Uh, he was up against a horse that ran a monster race last time, and he actually only almost held off modern games. So, you know, that was a pretty good performance, even though he didn't win. The problem is with Irad and Pletcher, he'll probably take money. Um, he might even be the favorite. Yeah, I uh, I think we we kind of see in this race very similar Santin, and I, I would have no problem with someone that wanted to, to single Santin. I mentioned my masterpiece, who I thought if – if we can get in that eight to ten to one range, maybe a, a a value play to include in some of your exotics. But as Chris pointed out, this is a barn that has not had a good week or so. So you definitely don't want to. In the, when that type of thing is happening, you you do not want to take any any underlays. You do de- definitely don't want to do that. Like the only time you want to start including or you want to include those horses are when they're at big prices and they're sort of built into that. Anything else you want to mention about this race before we talk some derby, Chris? 
No, I think we covered it. It's not a surprise that they, you know, a million dollar race only drew 10 horses on Derby Day. That's a little surprising, but yeah. And uh, like you said, it's not, it may be contentious, but it, it doesn't feel like there's a bunch of proven grade one caliber turfers. And honestly, there aren't that many around <laughs> anymore, <laughs> to be honest. So let's look at one of the big, big races on Saturday. And you better be right about that one before the Derby. Coming up in race number 12, Chris, let's talk about the Kentucky Derby. The draw is out, field set. We know the morning line, and we're talking on Wednesday night, so we're still a few days away, possible weather changes. A lot of things can happen between now and then, but where are you standing right now? Give us a couple horses that are on your radar that might make their way into your exotics. Well, I mean, I, I pretty, I'm real high on one horse in particular. There you go. And- and that's the 17 Derma Sotogaki. We Beautiful. mentioned earlier. Uh, to me, the American horses, they're, this is a really weak bunch, I think. None of them stand out. I have a hard time separating them by anything other than price. You know, there's like eight, eight of them probably I kind of lumped together as about the same. But to me, Derma Sotogaki is clearly the fastest horse. Japanese racing is just taking over the world it's a matter of when not if they're going to win every big race there is including this one and i think maybe it's going to be this weekend um his dubai race was just off the charts good and all the people i talked to that play around with figures that tried to, to make a figure for that race conservatively had it much faster than any of the u.s horses have run you could maybe argue he he got a, it was a little bit biasated but you know, if he was a need to lead type, I might buy into that narrative. But I watched all his races, and he's won he's on different ways. Yeah, mid pack, overcome. Yeah, um, and yeah, he just and he has the speed to get. He drew an outside post, which I think is actually good, um, because he has plenty of speed and a long run of the first turn. He's going to get forward and get a good spot. If there's a couple others that decide they want the lead and they, they're sent hard, he can tuck in behind. If they're, they're going slow, he can cut, go all the way over and grab the lead. His rider's not going to get caught up in a speed duel. That's one thing I can guarantee because that's what happened to him last year on, a, on another pretty good Japanese horse, Crown Pride, who had no chance when they you know just melted the race down on the front end. So... I think he learned a lot from that. He's a good rider. His horse is going to get a good trip. I think being near the front's almost always an advantage at Churchill and the Derby, unless the pace melts down like last year. Doesn't look like that should happen, especially since it happened last year. The riders are going to be a little nervous. Make sure that doesn't happen again. So for me, you know, he's going to be all, I don't know, I, I probably won't totally single him, but. I'm going to have a big daily double, let's say, with Santin and Santin and Derma Sotagaki. And most of my tickets going into this race are going to be on the 17. Love that. He's right now, the top two for me are uh, him and two fills that I think I'm going to build mo- uh, most of my exotics around and, and use the two of those. Uh, I'm, I'm high on him. I think he may scare some people off that think he might just be a synthetic horse. And I, I think his dirt races are good enough and they were trending in the right direction. And I'm in complete agreement with you, whether or not he wins the Kentucky Derby, Derma Sotogake is a serious racehorse and he has legitimate versatility. 
He has good cruising speed. He can be right there if they want to go early. He can sit right off. He has no problem doing so. And like you said, a lot of people that I respect, we talked to Craig Mikowski from Timeform US, put a lot of time into this type of thing. They wanted to really see how a horse like this would stack up. So they put more work into it, like transfixing the figures than they normally would do for, you know, nor- like typical races because it's such a big deal and it's the Kentucky Derby. And like you said, I don't think it's hyperbole. And I don't think it's, I don't think he's like an underlay or undervalued in this field, Chris, because if he is the fourth choice in the race, to me, that sort of feels like where a wild card like him should be. There's all this built in upside. He may be a superstar and there may not be a superstar in this crop. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I, for me, he's the most likely winner by quite a bit. And, um, I think the worst case would be like a third choice, eight to one. Yep. And Between six and 10 value. Yeah. And you know, he could float up higher. You know, it's so crazy. The betting on the Derby. I mean, like the horse that you like to fills, I kind of agree with you. My, I'm leaning towards, he's just getting better. It wasn't the scent that moved him up so much, but there is a little bit of a question there. The other thing I'm a little worried about with him though, is with a name in a name, it's the Phil thing, say, right? Yes, you you said thing. you get all the Phil people, and I know Phil, and Phil's my husband, and Phil's my brother, you know, and yeah. If it was two Jacks, we I'd say you go off at even money. Right, but, we know uh, my I'm boy sure Jack, right? Phil. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so that might, you might not get as good a price as you think on him, but I'm just guessing there, you never know. Um, but, you know, he's one of, you know, seven or eight, I think, are all about the same. It's more about the price than anything else. So, um, you know, I I don't know if you want. I don't know how much time you want to spend on this. Yeah, give me another. Give me another. Uh, give me another couple that are, you want to include. You know, that or that you would recommend maybe to throw people to throw into their exotics. So, very strong on Dermosodagake for you on top. Yeah, he's going to be on top for most everything I play. Um, so, I'll give you two uh, of the seven or eight that I think are um, going to be good prices. Well, I'll give you three that I think are going to two kind of pretty good and one bomber. So of the pretty good prices, uh, I, I, I like confidence game a lot more than most people. Part of it's just because nice. I always like to go against the grain. Some, sure. Against those. Well, not so much the grain, but these narratives like this horse, you can't win the Kentucky Derby off a you know a nine week layoff or whatever. Or the UAE Derby, right? Or you, you know? can't right, or you can't win. No, uh, those are so stupid. You know, and I love it because they take hold in people's in the consciousness of the racing world, and they're just. I always want to go against that. Uh, and you want to get ahead of them before, yeah, because yeah. as soon as it get like ten years ago, there was the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Jinx, and now we've already had a couple win, and nobody even thinks about that anymore. Right. And, you know? and, you know, so, and that's just today, uh, eight or nine week layoff into a grade one race is like the norm. <laughs> it's not yeah. unusual at all. So I'm not sure why the Derby is so different. If it was like he'd only had a few races, then, you know, and he needed seasoning and like another race would have really helped him. But, you know, this horse has got more races in, than almost anybody in the field. So it's it's not like he needs seasoning. And even the layoff, if you look at his training, they gave him a, like a mile workout and if you watch the workout it was more like a mile and a quarter you know he galloped yeah. out like so that was like a simulated race you know yeah. the whole idea there was under real control conditions let's give him that conditioning and then he's trained really well of the horses at churchill i've watched 
he's been the best, I think, training in the morning. So I don't know how he's going to get bet either, you know, but I, I'm thinking that the layoff narrative is going to keep his price up. So you might get at least 20 to one on him. So nice. he's one and he drew a good post and he's another one with tactical speed could be forward replaced, might even be on the lead because he's a little fresh. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I want to be up near that lead. It's, it's always where you want to be. But when it's not a fast pace, it's so hard to navigate the traffic. And a lot of times the horses that want to stay out of trouble have to go really wide when it's all bunched up. So confidence game is one. And then the other one, that'll be a pretty good price. Uh, I don't know. Not as probably as good a price as that one is Skinner. Um, he's just... Mm -hmm been getting these impossible wide trips i think yep. he's the kind of horse that's going to be finishing i really like the rider switch me too um so again i'm not sure how he's going to get bet but i thought he was better than the winner of the sanita derby and he should be a better price so and he's the kind for underneath i want horses that are going to be fin a couple of them at least that are going to be passing finishing on my ticket you know yep. especially if you're playing like the superfecta he's just always been a horse that felt like yeah, in a small in these small fields in Southern California in races where the winner went right up the rail and got perfect trips and he had to go widest of all in, you know, not the fastest of paces. He was really compromised in those races and ran well. I'm glad that he was able to get in because he was always a horse I wanted to. I, I kept telling myself, like, don't get discouraged if this horse finishes behind a lot because he's just those races don't shape up for him as well as a bigger field might. Yeah, he's one that should really benefit from getting out of Southern California, mm -hmm. uh, whereas practical um, move is kind that probably won't. He's because those small fields and, you know, West Coast racing helps him. So I think he's going to move up. Plus, um, he's been training real well. His last workout was really good. So I think he's he's moving the right way. And then I'll give you one bomb again. This is uh, go against, you know, the popular narrative thing, and that's hit show. Um I love that he drew the rail. Uh, I kind of thought this horse wasn't getting any respect anyway um, because, you know, he lost in the wood and the wood's been panned as a bad race and, it, and it's been a, a bad prep for the Kentucky Derby and everything. But he was had an impossible post in that race and he still almost won. So I'm going to forgive that. And his, he had a couple of good races before that, including one outside of New York. So it's not like he had he's on aqueduct horse. Um, and. You know, the whole thing, you can't win from the rail. Um, I probably wouldn't want the rail if I were the favorite because, you know, if you there is a better chance that you could get some trouble, especially early. But on a long shot, I love it because you can save ground all the way around. And if he's just going to back lucky, up a little bit, too, right? Like, yeah, it's not, I don't think yeah. it's going to hurt him very no. much. It, it, you know, he could still have some traffic problems, but I want to roll the dice on a big price because. If he does, you know, avoid any serious trouble, that that ground that's loss your advantage. Is giant in the, the Derby. There's going to be horses that are four and five wide. If he's on the rail for both turns and somehow gets a halfway clean trip, he's the kind that could hit the board. He's going to finish, and um, that's how the big, big upsets price. win these Derby yeah. races, right? That's your advantage in a race like this when everyone else can have to spot ground wide, get caught in some traffic. If you can find a way. That's how you can, you know, that's how you can win races against horses that might be more talented than you. We see it happen all the time with trips. And it's amazing that a horse who has been favored in every start of his career, it could be 35 and 40 to one. 
trained by Brad Cox. Yeah. You know, and normally, uh, you know, in a two-turn race, the, the rail's not bad. And the thing about that whole rail narrative is um, it, 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 there's no real history to go on. When they went to the new starting gate, the rail is not nearly near anything like it used to be where you actually started you know, inside the rail and you had to angle out to avoid no, running into the there's rail. No, there's no, there's no, it's not the double anymore no. like it used and, to be. And it's so, yeah. so it's way different. It's, that's why the the statistics with the post positions too, with Derma Sotogake, they talk about 17 and the, the gates are different and 16 and 18 have won. If you were oh, telling yeah. me something like, no horse outside of post 15 has won, and it was because of ground loss, then sure, that might be a statistic that's relevant. But when horses all the way outside and all the way inside can win, it really just in a field of 20 comes down to luck, running style, a lot of factors. But I would never, I'm completely with you. I want to always get ahead of these trends. I love when there's narratives that you can tell it sounds like a bad word, but they become a little lazy, right? They're just lazy narratives that they get repeated by, by over and over. And they're not always accurate. Yeah. And any post position stat, just straight stats, pretty meaningless because it's such a function of uh, the style of that horse and the other horses in the race and the talent level. I mean, so many things matter. And for a horse with the kind of positional speed, say that, that uh German Sotogake has that outside post is an advantage because uh, you know, even if he breaks a step slow, he has plenty of time to get into gear and get over and get position with that long run to the first turn. Where if you break a step slow down on the inside, you might get buried, right? So, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it, for me, that there's just I always like to go a counter to any narrative. And, you know, hit show, I love it if I can get a long shot that it has a potential advantage. It, it, it's just, you know, it's like anything. It's all about price. But if I had the favorite and he was down on the rail, um, I might be, you know, a little, I might downgrade it because there's a chance he, better chance he gets into trouble and he's the best horse getting in trouble could cost you the race. But when you're a long shot and the only way you can win is with a, you know, a better trip than most everybody else gets, I'd like to have the rail because that's where you might get a, you know, a street sense, super saver, mind that bird kind of trip. And you know, who knows? I don't know if he'll win, but I think he could hit the board at a big price. Chris Larmy, my favorite folks to talk racing with on a big day, always find a couple different prices that weren't on my radar. And Chris, I know like, uh, uh, like many, a busy week for you. You have a couple different shows right now that you host a couple different podcasts. Talk to us about what kind of content you'll have coming up in the next few days. We have the bet with the best podcast. We have the Sport of Kings podcast, and I'm sure a lot of other stuff that you've got coming up. Yeah, I'm still nowhere near in your league, Gino, in ter terms of podcast hours. But with the second podcast, I'm I'm you're getting to... you're getting there. You're, you're <laughs> logging them. You're logging them quickly. <laughs> but yeah, the the Sport of Kings. We've already dropped one pod that we did Sunday with Marcus Hirsch from DRF, who's been following all the Triple Crown races, where we kind of you know talked about each of the horses uh, prior to the post draw. And now um, tomorrow. He had a great Keeneland meet too, Marcus. He came, he yeah. just had a, like he went positive the whole meet at Keeneland for, uh, for DRF selection. So he got, caught him at a, at a good time right now. Yeah. And plus he's been doing the race recaps for all the triple crown preps all he's, season. He's sharp. So he's, he's as sharp as they come. Everything. Yep. And tomorrow we do our, we're going to do the late pick five. So the, these two races we just talked about and the, the three prior to that, 
And we've got, you know, the man, the myth, the legend, Andy Beyer joining us for that. So that will be Oh, fun. really cool. Awesome. Um, and we'll do that, drop that tomorrow sometime. And then the bet with the best podcast. Okay, well, can I give you a little bit of advice? Sure. Make sure to call him Fort and not Forte. Because then he'll. Oh, yeah, he's... we we had him on last year. And yeah. Fort was running and he made that really clear. And I was totally you know, I... with him. Yeah, and and I, I cause I've been saying Forte, and I had just watched him on the webinar a little bit earlier from DR, oh. uh, the DRF, and he was talking with Brad Free, and he had said, "I'm going to lambaste anyone that calls him Forte." So I wanted to just give you a heads up if you hadn't already on, on that one, because everyone I had heard calls him Forte. You know, like basically everyone is saying Forte for the most part. Yeah, I've been getting harassed for calling him Ford on the Sport of Kings pod, so. Um, we have Andy on there. The Bet with the Best podcast, that's the new one I've done, started. Um, that's very different. It's not like uh, we do picks or go over races. We talk about how to be a better better and, you know, the betting side of the of the racing game. And I get some, you know, really sharp players like Mike Maloney and Tommy Masses and inside professionals, people who make a living doing it and, and like the discipline and, and how hard it is and the ups and the downs and how it's not easy. There's not really like a magic formula or system. It's just, it's, it's really, really tough, but you got to zig when everyone wants to zag. I've learned some really great stuff just from uh, the few oh, you've that listen I've listened to. In on some oh, oh, yeah, they're they're great, man. I love I love your guys' stuff. You and the Sport of Kings too. They're on my uh they're on my my weekly listens too. Oh, great. Yeah, so hopefully your listeners might want to check that out. Bet with the best podcast. I did not do one this year this week just because it's evergreen content, you know, there's no and and there's so many podcasts going on. Uh, this time, you know, this week before the Derby, but I'll start them up again next week. But people can go back and listen to the first six that I've done. You know, like they're, it's all content that you can go back and listen to in five years. And it's just as valuable yeah. as it is now. And and, um, you know, we had some really great guests. And like you said, ticket structuring, you know, how you do deal with computer teams and you know, how you, you know, manage your money, uh, all all that kind of stuff that just doesn't get addressed anywhere else it's more you know most of the time we do like what we're doing here or what we do on a sport of kings where we're talking about a race or handicapping you know how you analyze a race but to be successful if you really want to get good at this game you know it's not enough to be able to analyze a race you really have to know how based on your opinion to bet it in, in a way that can enable you to make money long term and that's what that second podcast is all about very, very good uh, stuff to listen to. And and like Chris said, they're different. One of them, uh, the bet with the best, you can listen to that anytime. Doesn't matter what races are coming up that week because it'll be relevant overall and it'll just kind of help your mindset a little bit in the way you think about playing the, playing the races. And then the other ones, Chris will usually have a focus on the sport of Kings with whatever big races are coming up that weekend, sort of whatever, uh, wherever the big, uh, the biggest races are usually focus on you guys usually do the late pick five over there, right? We've, I've been on there yeah, with you before. Like it's the best card. Yeah. You've been on there. We usually do a pick five from like, what looks like the best card of the week. You know, it was pretty easy to pick this week. Yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> uh, but that's what we try to do, you know, and, and the, you know, the, the bet with the best pod is just, I'm trying to get really sharp, interesting people that are willing to share, and I mean, if you listen to those podcasts and you and you're trying to become a better horse player, I guarantee you these guys are there's like nugget after nugget of 
good information that will probably get you think thinking thinking quite different. differently about this yeah. game than you were before he listened. So I really encourage if you're just a casual player and you don't really care, it's not your podcast. But if you're really trying to to you know take this game, you know, where to you get better, kind of get the yeah, get better, and you and you know you're like you and I where we we got hooked and you and you really want to know how to get better. Well, I mean, these are guys that make a living at it, that are sharing what they've learned over a lifetime of successful horseplay. You know, how can you resist not wanting to listen in on that? So, I, I know I'm I'm a, a little biased, but I, no, it's I don't I, do I, any of the talking. This is all I just let them do the talking, and it, it's you know really worth a listen for you know, some of the listeners out there. I would recommend that most people that are listening to this would also gain a lot out of that podcast too. From uh, from Chris, just be a sponge, take in as much information. You can always learn from people, sometimes positive, sometimes negative, what works for you, what hasn't worked for you. But listen to the people who have done it and who have been successful doing it. Um, Chris, buddy, on a busy, busy week, it was such a pleasure to catch up with you. I wish you the best of luck in the Turf Classic. I wish you the best of luck in the Derby and with all of your wagers. And uh, we'll be listening in to uh, your uh, the pod coming up this week that you'll be recording. And we'll be waiting for the uh, the next Bet With The Best podcast to drop. Great. Thank you. As always, it's been a blast. Um, and good luck to you, Gino. That is Chris Larmy. Make sure to give him a follow there at Derby. 159 and 2, 1592, Derby 1592 on Twitter. Folks, we're coming up on the main event. We're going to talk Derby and we're going to get through each of the contenders with Emily Gullickson coming up next. Make sure to check out those podcasts that Chris is putting together. Lots of good stuff. If you're just looking for help a particular weekend or maybe you're looking for help um, on the bigger sense and the bigger scale. Main event time. Kentucky Derby time. Let's go horse by horse in the Derby. It's a 20-horse field. We also talk about the also-eligibles with Emily Gullickson. Have to give Emily a big thanks. She helps us out, and we always get to go horse by horse. She never cuts any time or never says, oh, I got to be done by this time. We have to be done in a few minutes. No, none of the guests do, but Emily in particular is so gracious with her time, loves to talk it out. And uh, we're very, very happy and lucky to have her with us uh, every time she has a few minutes. Time to talk Derby with Emily. Part two of our chat with Emily Gollickson from Optics EQ. We talked all about the horses running in the Kentucky Oaks. Now we're going to shift over and talk about the runners in the Kentucky Derby. Keep in mind, we are recording this early on Tuesday morning. So we're still a few days out. Lots of things can happen. Lots of things can change before late afternoon on Saturday by the time this race goes, because there's a lot that's going on on Saturday, Emily, and uh, appreciate you hanging out with us. We just went through all of the Oaks runners, and now it's time to shift in and talk about the Derby. And I got to say, I'm really glad to have this conversation with you this year because I feel like for me personally, out of the last like decade, I have the least strong opinion this year in the Kentucky Derby than I have in in any of the last like 10 years that I can remember as far as like one horse that I really liked or even, you know, being anti against some of the, the heavy favorites. So I can't wait to, uh, to pick your brain a little bit here on the Derby. What do you think about the field that we have lining up? Yeah. And I, th- I think that what you're saying makes a lot of sense because this field from, from top to bottom, there's not a lot of separation, right? All these horses are just, they're very, very, very close as far as like the speed figures that they brought the running style of the horses, um, the way they're coming into the race. 
Um, there's just, there's not, there's not really any, there's not a lot of knocks, right? And then you get to, you get to the, the favorite in, in Forte and, you know, he's a horse that is the most accomplished. He's the most accomplished horse to this point. Like you can't knock him. But the question is at this point is have the others caught up to him? Because he hasn't improved as much to really say, okay, while he is the most accomplished, is he that much the best? I don't think he's that much the best. I think he's I mean, on is he the deserving level. of the price that he's going right. to be, you right. know, and, 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 and what comes with that. And as you mentioned, I mean, he's certainly capable, but there's so many in this field that are certainly capable. So I think that is where, where it does become, you know, it does become tough and it does kind of force you to kind of, create or form an opinion or form the way that you are going to take that stance in this race, because there, there are so many horses in here that fit that you could see winning, um, including Forte, you know, like there's, there's just, there's a lot of ways to go and it's really going to come down to, you know, your style of play and where you decide where and how, what that opinion is. So we'll take the same sort of approach that we uh, took in the Oaks. We'll go through the horses from the inside to out. We'll try to group them if we can in either horses that ran in preps or any any way we can we can group them all together. I know that's a bad thing to do, right? We're just typing them together. You you guys all fit together, right? That's like what we're <laughs> trying not to do in the world and society, but this is what we're going to do on this show. Put them in groups. Um, let's start with Hit Show from the inside. Emily Hit Show and Lord Miles both come out of the Wood Memorial. Hit Show has been favored in all five of his races, and he's won three of them. He won the Withers. He... Was honestly, he was kind of beat on the square uh, by Lord Miles last time out. It, th- th- things happened differently for the both of them to, in earlier part of the race, but turning for home, they were both right there, and and Lord Miles got the better of him. Lord Miles was a huge, huge price, and we haven't seen as many horses coming out of the Aqueduct preps just recently go on and have all that success, you know, at, at Churchill Downs in the Kentucky Derby. But last year we had a horse like Rich Strike who wasn't really on many's radar uh so it's tough to dismiss particular preps or tracks what do you think about the uh the horses coming out of the wood memorial hit show and lord miles yeah i mean uh generally my approach is is less as far as the the wood trend in, in general it's not really something that i i care about that much but more of the fact it's probably wasn't the, the strongest prep wasn't probably the strongest group of horses but at the same time because of that, because of, you know, again, they're not far off from many of the others in here. There's probably going to be two horses that, you know, you mentioned a horse like Hit Show that has been favored at every start. He's probably going to be one of the longer priced horses in this race. Yep. I yeah. mean, and he's a, you know, he's a closer. He's a horse the, that the rails you know, shouldn't really hurt him that much. Right. No, like I, I mean, it's not it. going to hurt him more than the fact that he has every other hurdle as yeah. well as an individual. It's just, yeah. you know, it's it's one more that's going to find, you know, the price compensation in here. Um, and, and for that reason, you know, maybe it's one that I, I end up using underneath just because I think he's going to be just so absolutely um, dismissed. Not necessarily one I, I'm going to find my way into as like a win contender. But when you start playing those exotics, the horse is going to be overlooked. I think both those horses are some of the softer types in this group, but, um, you know, for, for not our be creative bet. types. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. They're not going to be over bet. So if you're knocking them because you don't think they're good enough, sure. But you will be very well rewarded if they're in the mix anywhere. 
So yeah, uh, and I mean, Lord Miles, like he popped up last time, but he was on a progressive pattern. Maybe he didn't take to the to the rail drawn either of those races. Tough to say. Um, but shouldn't have that issue here because he's he's outside and uh, <laughs> should should be okay from that spot. Right next door to Hit Show is Verifying. He comes out of the bluegrass, and him and Tappet Trice were one two in the bluegrass. Verifying's he's kind of been an intriguing horse. I. I've like wanted to really like him more um, overall as in his career. His last race wasn't bad. He just got a really nice trip. He got the jump on top of Trice. It's like, you feel like that was maybe the race he's supposed to win. Um, I, I think he'll be a little dismissed in this spot though, because of it. Like he's 15 to one on the morning line. I know he's out there for Brad Cox and Tyler Gaffleone. I don't think he's really going to get bet. I could see him being in the mix and and holding and holding on like uh, on for a slice here, Emily. I don't know how good he really is overall. Like, is he going to overcome things like we saw in the Rebel? If he gets shuffled back a little bit, it, is that just game over for him? Yeah, I, I think that is. I think that is a question. I mean, where where's his class level at? Because as you mentioned, he had the perfect trip in the Bluegrass. I know Tappet Trice. He's a decent horse that will run all day. Um, and what and whatnot, but I mean, verifying if he's a if he's a quality graded stakes horse, he wins that race every time. I Should know. win that race. There's no the trip, like, there's like, no yeah, there's no excuses. Like you know, is a good race. Those two were separated, but you're supposed to win if you have you know if you have the great and class level. As far as his not winners of one allowance in January, he got another favorable trip. His maiden win, he was on the lead. Maybe that was the favorable part, you know. But other times he doesn't have a favorable trip. He's kind of just, you know, he's just so average. And he doesn't have the yeah. most willing type to pass horses. Um, so, I mean, he's not for me. I'd say maybe that best. And down inside might not be good for him fall. either, right? He might no, be they're gonna, back Yeah, probably not. Yeah, so. they're, you know, he's a type of horse that if he has some tactical speed and he just kind of lands in the right type of trip and the right type of scenario, maybe he holds on for a share. But it's, again, it's one of those things that he's going to need that. Plus, you know, playing, you're going to need price compensation. Right next door is Two Fills. Two Fills, who was a winner of the uh, the Jeff Ruby stakes at Turfway on the synthetic. But it wasn't as if he had no dirt form prior to that. This is a horse who had a little... A nice little foundation. He was a really impressive winner over a sloppy track at Churchill back in October, was second in the LeCompte, then was third in the Risen Star. That race came back pretty strong with Angel of Empire um, coming back out of there to to win the Arkansas Derby. And two fills is a horse who I've seen a lot of people starting to warm up to. Larry Ravelli, Emily, you're talking Hawthorne right now. This is a horse who's training at Hawthorne for some of those connections. Does this horse have a shot to win the Derby? Uh, you know, I I really think he does, and I I'm, do too. I'm kind I of, do too. And um, yeah, I mean, it was it was one of those where I was kind of like, I didn't I didn't think so for so long, but I, dare I say anything like that in in Hawthorne, right? Um, so I really had now. to come. They won't I, let you do the write ups anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't even think they'd let me get to my car. I'd be more concerned <laughs> about that. <laughs> I think my job is safe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, because he's a horse that, you know, he showed pro- he showed progression. He was like, you know, he's a sprinter. And then you gave him an excuse because he was stretching out for two turns, had the far outside post, the Breeders' Beach already fine. Came back, got a really favorable trip, winning the street sense over this course here at Churchill Downs. Wanted to see a little bit more from him. I think that's where I was a little bit lackluster as far as those races out at the fairgrounds. 
wanted to see a little bit more, but maybe, you know, both those races were run like pretty much at midnight. They were run in the dark, run at night. Um, not, you know, some subtle trips in those races, just as far as the pace and the way the race shape played out. And they turned out to be pretty solid events overall in terms of quality out at the fairground. So that certainly upgraded him. And then he exploded. It was a huge effort in the, in the Jeff Ruby stakes. I mean, the horse that finished second is going to run in the stakes race, uh, major dudes, probably a better spot for him. He probably would have been a, a little bit overmatched in, in here, but major dudes, a pretty quality horse in his own yes. right. And, and to be, to be fair, um, and as far as far as two fills, I mean, he has the foundation. He's fast enough. He has races here at Churchill Downs. Even his debut, he had legitimate trouble in that fifth place finish. Um, so he's proven of this course. He's doing well. I mean, watched his work on Hawthorne, watched it live. We kind of had the like exclusive of that. Um, it was as good as as what you want to see from a horse. He's taking everything in. Everything is is going the right way. So I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not concerned about regression. I'm not concerned about anything. You know, it's just going to come down to getting the right trip and running his race on the day. And outside of that, I mean, he's, he's checking all the boxes. He's also, I kind of found this weird pattern looking at optics plot. We have the par line and I, I know you don't, you're not like a regular optics user, but you use it enough. The part line, you'll just kind of show like how fast that race is going to be early. Some somewhat of a classicator. And two fills is the only horse in this entire field that is above the par line. The only horse. So I started to, and I looked back at his other races. He's always above the par line. I was like, oh, that's interesting. How many other horses like in previous derbies have kind of had that pattern where they're, they've been above the par line in their races. And then they're above the par line in the derby. How do they turn out? Well, it was like Epicenter, Hot Rod Charlie. Um, I'm forgetting a few others. The horses had like ran run really, really well. Ran really well in the Derby, so I was like, "Oh man!" I was like, "I got to I got to use this. I got to use this horse." Like, I and can't, he's probably going to be a better price than those horses were too. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he's kind of being being somewhat. I don't even want to say a wise guy horse because he's I. For the reason that we just talked about, it's like he's logical. It's not like his form is buried under the surface and he's no. coming into this race with the fastest speed figure. So it's not even like he's a wise guy case. He's just, he's a very logical horse in this race. He's finished in the money. He has a race over the track. He has a graded stakes, two graded stakes wins. He's doing well. He's improving. It's like, he's a very logical horse. And then there's those little factors that you're like, well, that gives him a little bit more. So he's a horse that uh, like I'm keying, like I'm keying in this race. The more um, and you not talk just about because him. I'm a Hawthorne homer, but because yeah. it's like I'm looking at the data going like, you know, oh my God, like I'm like, I'm like nervous for my friends that are there, you know, because yeah. it's like, yeah, shot. He's got a legit shot. He really does. <laughs> and the more you start talking about him, he just like, we say this thing a lot. He checks a lot of the boxes that you're looking for. He's got some versatility. I'm not concerned about him from a stamina standpoint. He's run well over this track. Just, Lots of little things here for two fills who, yeah, okay, so let's say he is a quote-unquote wise guy horse. I mean, if he's 10 to 1, that's fine. Like, yeah. he, like does he get bet a little bit, right? He's 12 to 1 on the morning line. If he's 10 to 1 and he's, you know, like the third, like the fourth choice or in that tier, okay, that's like where, I, that's where he should be. I don't yeah, think and, and, he, and he probably and he probably won't be because you have the two pleasure horses that are obviously going to take money. Um, you know, it's it's tough to know where practical move is going to be, but he's going to probably be short based off off his resume. And you know, two fills. If it was if he was a Brad Cox horse or a Todd Pletcher horse or even a Tim Yachtine horse, 
you're saying 10 to one, he'd probably be even less, you know, chop it yep. in half. Like those with not changing anything on the horse at all. And Ravelli knows how to train. I mean, he's Ravelli. Let's go to Phil's. We move next door to Confidence Game. He's the number four. He's 20 to one on the morning line in the Derby. Confidence Game won the Rebel. Confidence Game also has a win at Churchill back in November, but we haven't seen him run since the Rebel win in February. Um, trainer Keith the Stormo has been adamant. He has this horse fit, got to the bottom of him recently, sort of based on the schedule of races they were going to pick. It just didn't really work out. And then they were going to run later in, I think, the Lexington and then decided that maybe the race would take a little too much out of him. So you have a very fresh horse here in confidence game. What do you think of his chances? Um, You know, I think he's a, he's a tough one. And it's not it's not just because, I mean, the layoff adds like another another element Um, you know, he has a horse that was like a key for me in the Rebel. I thought he was sitting on a big race that day. I thought his his win, his allowance win here back on November 22nd was like, or 26th, was absolutely dead game. That even though he had that comfortable front end trip, it was a really strong, classy effort. He was wide against the flow in the comp. He was an automatic upgrade. He was just a huge price overlay in the Rebel. Got the right handling, the right trip that day. So he's run fast enough. He kind of had that foundation um, you know, should be the right price as far as the as far as the layoff. He's a horse that probably is okay with a little bit more time between starts. So you know that's that's fine. His his work, his most recent work was like was very strong. But again, it's like, is it the type of work that's going to get him get him ready for this? Right? It could be a very good work, but still can't be short, especially with a horse like this who doesn't really have doesn't have that much of an edge. He's just another one we talked about. Like he fits on his best day, but for him going, even going into the rebel there, my one kind of concern was, especially keying off at November 26th race is, is this a horse that is just so much better when he's out in front of horses and that's how he wins. And he was able to show the versatility in the rebel, but a lot of that I think just was kind of due to race show flow and how that race shaped up that I think coming back off this layoff, I think they have to go back to the fact of like, We've got to go on the lead. We've got to put this horse out in front. And then from that standpoint, sometimes the Derby just goes a lot faster than, you know, even if you don't have a lot of front runners, they just still end up going really fast. And I don't, I, that could just kind of crush this horse a little bit because of the layoff, doing something new, maybe having to be pushed a little bit faster. So I think he's, you know, I think he's probably is sitting on his top effort. I'm just not sold that, the race shape is going to set up for him and the type of trip that he needs. But I really wanted to get there. I was like, really, like I kind of went back and forth, back and forth. And ultimately I just, I had a hard time being like, okay, this is the trip he's going to need for this 10 furlong coming off the layoff. And I, I, I I think it might be a little bit too much to overcome. Could be wrong, but. Confidence game is the four. In talking about verifying, we spoke a little about Tapit Trice. Didn't seem like you were quite as as high on uh, on this one. Just sort of overall, he's five to one. He'll probably be the strong second choice. It looks like he he was a little quirky. I mean, his Tampa race he didn't look like he was going to win. A lot of part of that race, he looked like he was going to be like distance there. And then he sort of kicks into gear late. He passes a group that we don't really know how good they were. And then in the bluegrass. He did run down verifying who got a perfect trip. He seemed like he he showed a little bit more as far as just having gears, like multiple gears in that bluegrass. They asked him a couple times, and he was sort of able to kind of keep going. 
What do you think uh, about him in, in here? Number five, tap it trice, five to one of the morning line. I think quirky is the best way to describe this horse because he's always kind of been that quirky horse. Even going back to those two races at Aqueduct, you can go back and watch even the race that he ends up breaking his maiden in, that he's ends up doing it dominantly, but you kind of look at the same way and you're like, he's not going to get there as the big favorite. And then you're like, oh, yep, he did it again. He's he's kind of that horse where I'm not, I am not, um, he's definitely not going to be a horse I'm going to key, but I'm going to use him in the mix because for all those reasons that no matter where he is in the race, he's just kind of finding himself to get towards the front of the pack. And um, that's just kind of hard for me to dismiss. I mean, he's got terrible gate issues. He's poor out of the gate. He has his head turned late. He's like, you know, <laughs> quirky again. Yes, quirky. he is quirky but he just you know he grinds and you know he's got that big stride and he's got the foundation on his side and so maybe that's a class thing but he's he's a horse that um i think he probably if we're talking like you know people that do you know head head to head type things like tapa tries probably seems like a horse that maybe is a little bit more likely to hit the board than forte um, you know, where Forte might be like a winner run out, you know, or, you know, something like that, or, you know, it's too much to do too late or gets out kick late where Tapa Trice could, you know, get himself in the mix just based on the way that he runs and, you know, the way that Saez rides. Tapa Trice is next door to the number six Kings Barnes. Kings Barnes comes out of the Louisiana Derby. He was in front of Disarm and Jace's Road. So we can talk about the Louisiana Derby runners. Kings Barnes is three for three, though. He is undefeated for Todd Pletcher. He's shown that he can sit off a little bit in his first couple races. So he's not necessarily just one dimensional or need the lead. He was able to slow things down pretty nicely in the Louisiana Derby there. And just in looking at the horse's behind him i don't know how strong they are but tough to knock an undefeated horse like this oh i'm happy to knock him i don't think his first two races were very very good just from a visual standpoint i mean i thought he just got you know the good trips just overall visuals didn't really do it for me and as far as the louisiana derby i mean he got a trip uh john was like i remember when they came out of that race you said he's never going to get that type of trip again and that's the type of trip that he needed to win and he got it and a lot of the other horses kind of suffered for letting him do it um you know if they tried to go to the lead in here uh, he's going to get absolutely buried with horses like, you know, Confidence Games, some of these other horses, even reincarnate to the outside, a horse that can be a lot faster if he wants to, and he's on his A game. And then those trips that are back at, at Gulfstream Park on debut and at Tampa, those those races aren't good enough to win this. No. Um, I, I just don't see where this horse is going to move forward enough in order to compete and, um, and or, or get, like, the most favorable trip again. Yeah, he's one of the lower... I don't know how short of a price he is, but he's one of the kind of shorter tier of horses that I'm I'm not going to be having in, in most of my exotics. I'll, I'll let him beat me with those type of trips. Jace's road was in that race with him, was sort of on the kind of pushing the pace early, but Kings Barn was able to hold the, the lead from the inside. Jace's road, he's not really progressed at three. His last win came back in December. And do you think, you know, can you make a case for him in here? No, I, I always get him confused with like the owls, whatever, the filly that's in the oaks, because they're kind of like the same type of horse when they get that right <laughs> trip, they can run a good race, but then it yeah. comes down to the quality of the, the competition, getting the right trip, some class questions, things like that, some distance questions on their side. So looks looks those two look a little bit overmatched in this race. 
uh, Disarm was also in that race. And then after mm. the Louisiana Derby, Disarm came back in the Lexington recently to pick up some extra points just to, to be able to get in here. So Disarm is drawn towards the outside. He's right inside of Jace's road. We can hit on him right now while we're uh, going through the Louisiana Derby. Did you give him any sort of a look? Um, he's one I kind of came, I kind of came around to, and I'm making a case for, and I, I you know, he's one of those horses where it's like, he's either going to run a good, a good, extremely good race, like he could win, or, uh, he's the horse that he looks like on paper, which is just too slow to even get a share where he's been finishing in the money in those races, those races, every race that he's run to date is too slow to win, probably even if it finish in the top three. So you're backing disarm. You're looking at a horse that you're saying there's excuses for all those races and he still has the ability to run faster. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of just warm myself up to the spot that maybe he can, his works are very good, but his works have always kind of been very good. And I think that's where the connections are. Like, we know this horse has more to show. He's just, you know, a matter of when is he going to, you know, is it going to click in a race? Sometimes for horses, it does. Sometimes for horses, it doesn't. Somebody that's clocked horses, or even if you've read clock reports, you'll see these horses that get amazing workouts and then they come to race day and they just, you know, they kind of run average, right? They just don't win when it's like, oh, they're training. They're the best horse on the grounds. They're fast. They're this, they're that, you know, he worked solo. He worked really good. He showed this like his work, when was it on Friday or Saturday, but he made this like middle boost burst in the middle of his work, which was like really strong where I can see where the connections are. Like this horse has a lot to show. Um, and again, some subtle trips that are along the way. And maybe this is the day that he kind of puts it in. Um, I think Rosario being aboard another rider that could just get the most out of this horse finishing second in the Louisiana Derby, which again, keeping in mind the way that race was run, Kings Barn was winning. So finishing second, it's tough to knock. You can almost draw a line through that whole race. And then as far as the Lexington, um, wasn't a, wasn't a good race, uh, for disarm, really no excuse, pretty average all the way around, but Steve Asmussen horses run average at Keeneland. So you're just making the case that this horse hasn't been in the spot where he's going to run his race. And if this is the day, it's not like he's that far away from any of these other horses. So it's a little bit of a creative case, but at the same time, need some price compensation. I could easily kind of talk myself off of him in the next few days as well. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. He, he's one of those price horses where he's such a big price that you don't want him to completely get you. But I, I don't know if I'd be all in on him with, with what we've seen. Uh, but that Louisiana Derby race was kind of sneaky in particular because he did get shuffled back. The horse behind him got shuffled and they were behind that slow pace. He never really got a chance to run. And yeah, we'll talk more about, uh, one of those runners, uh, in, in a few spots, but up next, it's no, it's yeah. 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 Go ahead. Yeah. So yeah, it's, this is another horse that I'm going to probably key around or definitely use, use in exotics because I can see, I can see the pattern with him. Now he's another one that, you know, is going to have to run a top and you're making the case. You haven't been able to see it this year, but as far as his debut, he debuted here at Churchill Downs was sneaky. Good effort. Big gallop out. Wasn't the race they were trying to win. They were going to stretch him out point towards the the Derby trail. His maiden win at Oakland park was smashing. Like that, 
there were so many times in that race he could have lost, should have lost, and ended up winning by open lengths, doing it the easiest. And off that race, they were not intended to win in the Southwest. They were coming off a maiden win, coming off a race that had him peaked. They just wanted to give him the stakes experience, let him kind of develop himself into the season to kind of peak at the Derby and get the foundation. The race that he was the most cranked for was the Risen Star, where he finished second. Didn't have the best trip. Yeah, very good. Very good race. Angel of Empire has like proven himself out of that. So I think that race stacks up. If I'm making the case that that's the race he was peaked for, that's the race that's fast enough. It's a 100 optics figure. Again, they ran in the Louisiana Derby, which was a race like they were looking to just get points, right? Keep his fitness because just keeping in mind, he's on that every other pattern. So not not necessarily trying to win. They'd be happy if they won or whatever, but they're looking ahead towards the Derby. Just wanted to get points, wanted to keep him a little bit closer to the pace, which they did. When you look at that running line, it's not like he's a deep closer. I don't think Sun Thunder is a deep closer. I think he's a mid-pack type that can often create his own issues out of the gate and also in terms of the race shapes. But they were a little bit too conservative as far as just trying to get points, just trying to keep him close, the way that race shape played out. And then they were in the sticky situation because now it's like, oh, we don't have enough points to get to the race that we had pointing to all along. So now we have to run in the bluegrass. Well, we can't try to win because we don't want to empty the tank. We don't want to be too conservative because that's what got us in this situation to begin with. So it's like we just, you know, they just did enough. And you can make the case you wanted to see a little bit more from him that day. But at the same time, the fact that he didn't show enough, you could say, okay, he's been sitting on that peak effort since the Risen Star. He needs that peak effort in order to run. But at this point in time, he's been completely dismissed. He's talked about as he's a deep closer. I don't think that he is. Um, The fact that he's adding the blinkers will put even more people off of him, which isn't, you know, we talk when we get to like Rocket Can, who another one that's going to add the blinkers, you know, not the most ideal or conventional time to be adding equipment at the same time. What do you have to lose? What do you have to lose adding the blinkers on a horse like this? He needs to get out of the gate better. Give him a shot. I mean, Maybe you want to try earlier, but you didn't have the opportunity to, Um, you know, why not now? It's just going to help the price. If he's not Mm. good enough, he's not good enough. But he's a horse that's going to be one of the longest shots. A huge price, and he is absolutely going to be on my tickets, too. It's one of those horses where if you've watched him and played him one or two of those times, you're going to keep following him. Because he his races aren't bad. The races when he doesn't run well, he has legitimate excuses in those races, as you just perfectly detailed. The Southwest, he was in a sloppy track against a Arabian night that day, just didn't get a chance to run. That 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 was not his style of race. And since then it all makes sense. That Louisiana Derby, too. He's down on the inside, he's behind disarm. And as disarm runs into traffic, he gets yeah. stopped right behind disarm. Yeah, like they all this, they all got shuffled. They, I mean, they, that the race, domino effect, like right, yeah, you know, and so you're watching, and it's like, ah, he didn't get a chance. And then that last race, same thing. He's kind of buried down on the inside. Like you said, they don't want to they don't want to go all out there, so they're not trying to get overly aggressive with him early on. And then the top two in that race just separate, right? Right, the, the yeah. race just doesn't come back. Like you talk yourself into this horse who could be like sixty to one. Uh, he's fifty to one on the morning line. He. There are not many people who I think are going to be talking about playing Sun Thunder. So he's for sure going to be on a lot of my exotic tickets. I'm glad we were able to uh, to get some positives on Sun Thunder here. So we can go back to Reincarnate, who won the Arkansas Derby. 
um, reincarnate or who was third in the Arkansas Derby, excuse me, behind Angel of Empire and King Russell. He's coming out of the Arkansas Derby. He was third in the Rebel prior to that. In the Rebel, which was in a sloppy track, he did get sawed off. He had a lot of trouble that day. And it seems like from what you said just a minute ago, you're expecting to see a good amount of speed from reincarnate. I, you know, he could. The, 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 that's the thing about this horse. Like he could, he could show, he could show speed. He's one of the best of the speed. That's how he won the Shan. He was off slow. Um, in in the Rebel, he kind of showed a little bit of speed in the Arkansas Derby. I don't know. I, I'm not. This is this is the type of horse that like in most in most times I'm like I will kick this horse off the ticket in the instant and I don't think he's going to be 50 to one but I think he'll be maybe half of that and I have to keep him in the mix I don't have this horse as a win contender but just one of those horses that he can just he's like Tappet Trice to me he's kind of like the same horse as as Tappet Trice where it's like he's just going to kind of be he's just going to he could be there uh, be, yeah, you know, there. and, and if like, he's and if he's a short price, like I don't care. But um, the fact that he he might not be, I I mean, the morning line seems absolutely bananas. But um, you know, he's never finished out of the money. Like there were a few fifties and fifteens that really seemed like they might have gotten swapped. <laughs> you know, you well, know, like did, and I think in hearing, out, yeah, they did put out the amended one, which which you know Ray's bumped King, up. Right? Yeah. yeah, Ray's Kane and then uh, Jace's Road both moved up to 50, but Reincarnate still held that 50, and maybe 15 was supposed to be what he's at, but yeah. even on the final, he's still at 50. It seems seems a lot. I mean, he's not he's not a fast horse, but, um, you know, he's kind of one of those, like I said, he could he could just kind of put himself put himself in the race and at, at a big number, I'll let him kind of, you know, stick around for those minor spots. So uh, the number eight is Mage, and we can talk about Mage and Forte. They both come out of the Florida Derby together. Mage is making just his fourth career start, and he is – is he a slog, Mage? Uh, or as, is, as far as breaking slow, yeah. He does have the tendency just, to break slow, yeah. I mean, he's got a ton of ability, and he has, more, like, some spe- positional speed, but it just both, like, twice in a row now, slow start and having to hook really wide in the Fountain of Youth. And then in the Florida Derby, he has that like really slow start. He's last early, and he makes that big, big wide move. And he makes the move in early in front of Forte, sort of goes by Forte, and that kind of kicks Forte into gear. So he's lightly raced, Mage, and you know he's been defeated twice by Forte, who's going to be favored in here. What do you think about Mage, lightly raced, and then uh, we'll get to Forte? Yeah, I mean, as far as, far as me, I mean, he ran his his debut race was was smashing, right? But it also looked like the type of race he was going to regress off, which which he did in the Fountain of Youth. Not the most ideal trip, but also kind of like from a physical standpoint, maybe you know, dirt questionable, whatever. His his Florida Derby race was good. I mean, everybody that watches it was like. You know, there's I feel like it's like, is the dress this color or that color? Because people are like, who ran the better race? Was it Mage? Was it this? Who had more trouble? Who had that? You know, and you're like, we could do this all day long. And no matter who you meet, like they're going to, you know, have a different answer and like whatever. Um, But I I just don't think this is this is the right race for Mage. And I mean, as as far as the Florida Derby, you remember going into that race, it was just kind of one of those where you're like, this race isn't very good. There's a lot of horses in here, but a lot of them are maidens. A lot of them are slow. A lot of them are turf horses. A lot of them have come up short at, at worse, you know, lower condition levels. Um, 
So Mage being in this spot, and he's not a horse that, in terms of, you know, watching him train, he looks like a horse that kind of, you know, touts himself. Um, if, if anything, maybe the opposite. That's just, you know, kind of my opinion, watching watching the works. He's going to have to go a distance of ground. He's also going to have to race outside of Goldstream Park, which I think is a big question mark. I mean, a lot of horses, even horses with, with better resumes, struggled to come out of Goldstream Park and transfer their form anywhere. Now, we can probably move on to Forte, and as we mentioned, yep. he is the most established runner in this race juvenile champion he was just much the best last year i mean his breeders maturity just watching that from a visual standpoint you're like this horse is on a different level he's just on a completely different level than every other horse in that race and so he's coming off in the layoff in the fountain of youth and i was watching him train and i was like this horse is coming back he's ready he is race ready in the fountain of youth we're gonna see we're gonna see this horse at his best and i think that was i think Arguably, that was the day that he looked his best and ran his best race. His class took over in the Florida Derby because, as we mentioned, it wasn't necessarily that strong of a race, and his, his class kind of prevailed. No, he, he uh, got passed, then, right? Like, Mage was moving better than him, went by him, and then it just sort of caught up with, like, the foundation, I think, that he yeah, had yeah. I mean, Mage, just, right? Yeah, again, yeah, it's just, you know, it's his class. He was able to just kind of outclass that exactly. field and get and get the win, but— you know, the question for Forte is, is it like I kind of mentioned early on, is have others in this field kind of caught up to him? Because I don't see him as a horse that has another move forward coming into this race. So when you're assessing Forte, you're looking at his form and saying, what he's done right now is so much better than every other horse in this field, that all the other horses in this field don't have a move forward, and Forte is going to hold his form, and that's good enough to win. And if that's your standpoint, I like I get it. I don't, but I'm coming from a different, taking a different approach that I've seen Forte at his best. I think there's some other horses in here that might be on the improve or have run just as fast or coming into this race in sort of a, a better time as far as their form cycle. And, and they could beat them on the square. Um, So, so that, that's pretty much it. It's like, this is, you know, a very talented horse, but uh, doesn't have that much of an edge over these other horses. I don't think that in terms of, you know, if he's in, in the Florida Derby and he's having to like, you know, outkick Angel of Empire, uh, you know, two fills, even tap it trice. I mean, he he might not have done it that day, no. you know, and, he's, and he might have to do it in here. And so those are the things that you're going to have to weigh when when he's going to be a very short price. Right uh, outside of Mage is Skinner. Skinner is coming out of the Santa Anita Derby, so we can talk about the Southern California horses. Skinner was able to just draw into this race now recently, um, and Skinner will be picking up a jock, which I think is a bit intriguing because Juan Hernandez, if he's not like on the national scene known, um, known as well as some of the other top jocks, he's been fantastic out here in, in Southern California for quite some time and was really good in Northern California prior to that. Skinner's been getting a lot of uh, great buzz for his his recent um, training in the mornings. And these are connections that definitely know how to get uh, a horse to uh, the big races and to the Kentucky Derby. And then you have Practical Move for Tim Yachtin. Practical Move has now won three in a row, and he has gotten those great trips where he sits just behind. He's moved through at the rail, almost like a mirror image on speed figures. Um, so talk about these horses in, uh, in Santa Anita, Skinner and Practical Move. Yeah, I mean, Skinner I know is a horse that you and I have talked about in the in the past and on this show. A horse that 
even from the debut showed a lot of ability. You can go back and mm-hmm. watch that race where he just kind of, you know, he shows that there's a lot more there. It took him a while to get there, but not necessarily connections that will instantly go into graded stakes races and certainly not with a maiden. And he, and he has improved in every single race and he's shown his class and he's a very good horse, but he's another horse that distance wise, I don't think his is his ideal. And I, I think that it could be, and maybe I'm wrong about that. We'll see, but I think it's a little bit of an illusion in there because he does make that that you know wide move. He's in the blanket finish. Those top three are at the wire. They're very difficult to split. He had a better than look race in the San Felipe, number wise, going in the right direction. But I think in terms of distance, if he tries to kind of make that move, he's still going to need stamina for that quarter mile. Um, that could just be a little bit tougher as far as the win in. Maybe that gets him to hold on for a share. But that's the one thing that concerns me, where as an individual, you're making the same case. He fits across the board. As far as practical move, um, he's had all those favorable trips like throughout his career, even getting kind of put up um, in, in his maiden win. So he's always kind of looked like he's had some di- distance limitations. He was drifting out late after saving ground the he um, had the favorable setups in the in the prior races. Um, kind of kind of like a horse like 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 Forte to some extent, right? Where it's like he has that kind of proven, but um, he's not that much faster. He still has the other questions on his side. And um, where a horse like Reincarnate, who I just you know kind of think is kind of an, an average horse, probably practical move, has a little bit more ability. I think a horse like Reincarnate is more likely to hit the board than practical move. I, I think of the of the logical horses, I'm probably one of the colder on practical move just because of those perfect type trips that we talked about. And I just, I, that, in reading one of the articles, they said, yeah, we just want to sit, you know, just behind and like <laughs> yeah. get get out of, stay out of trouble like we have before. And, you know, that, that worked with a horse like I'll have another. You know, he, he actually reminds me, like, looking at his running lines a little bit of how that horse looked coming into the derby where it's like, there's no way he's going to get that perfect trip. And then all of a sudden, Mario Gutierrez was, like, in a halo. There, like, there yeah. was, like, he was, like, in a, with, like, three lengths on either side of him. There was nobody around. And he was just out in, like, the three path, kind of just cruising along. Like, you couldn't really draw up a more perfect spot uh, to have. Um, maybe that'll happen with practical move, but... It won't be with a lot of my money because I think of the of the major players in here. He's one that I'm I'm kind of cold on. Um, we talked about Disarm, who's the 11. We talked about Jace's Road, who's the 12. We got to Sun Thunder, who's the 13. Let's get up to Angel of Empire, who's the 14, Emily. And he's he's probably the third choice in here behind Forte and Tappet Trice. And he's been very, very good uh, recently. I mean— you, could, you look at his career overall, his only poor effort was on the turf, so it's not as if he's run clunkers throughout his career. And in the Smarty Jones, he lost to just a speed horse. It's funny, the horse that beat him that day, Victory Formation, was actually favored in the Risen Star. Um, it was supposed to be, was pretty good. And, and we actually saw him run at Oaklawn. He's more of a, a look, a speed-type horse. Yeah, Angel of Emp- mate. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's he's a nice horse. I think he's just one-dimensional. In the Risen Star, they tried to take him back a little, and Pratt had said he just didn't really, like— he didn't really get into it. He just needs to be kind of running on the front end. Um, but the Risen Star, like we said, is was a good race because Angel of Empire beats two fills, and then two fills comes back and wins that prep. And then Angel of Empire goes to a different track, wins a different big prep. So, you know, he may have another race of progression in there, or do you think he hit his top last time and comes backwards? Where do you stand on Angel of Empire? 
Yeah, these, this is a horse that's been kind of the trickiest for me in this entire race because he has improved every single race of his career. Um, you know, you had to kind of question right from the start, debuting at Horse Show in Indianapolis. Maybe they wanted to run on Lasix. Um, then you can make the case at, at Kentucky Downs, you know, there's a lot of things going on. Broke slow that day, um, et cetera. Comes back to Indy, gets, you know, that confidence. And then he's just improved with every single race this year on um, speed figure wise. And we did have kind of that kind of race flow, had a really great ride by Saez winning the Brisbane star, but posted a strong number. And as I, as I mentioned, I mean, some thunder was going to run his winning race that day. So it took something from angel and of empire in order to win. And then he backed that up in the Arkansas Derby, another pretty favorable trip though, was able to kind of sit in the clear, make that move. And I wonder if that race, uh, you know, he was kind of outside of kickback and he kind of slightly drifted in a little bit. Um, and just kind of seemed best best on the day in the Arkansas Derby. But I, I also question if that race was just a little taxing for him. And the fact that he has shown progression race to race, he's paired up two optics triple digit figures, which is the only horse in this field that has done that, that we have speed figures for, um, with the 101 in the Brisbane Star and then a 100 in the Arkansas Derby. Um, but if there is a backup, this, this could be it because prior to the, you know, even the Arkansas Derby for that matter, he's had a little bit more time between starts. Um, 35 days is kind of the quickest turnaround. The only other time he had run back on shorter rest was that uh, Kentucky Downs race on the turf. So holding his form when I've been kind of watching in the morning, trying to see if I can get any gauge from his works. Um, he kind of runs with his tail out, but he always kind of runs with his tail out. I, I'm just, this, this is the type of horse that I'm going to probably take a stand against just kind of based on, based on the data, based on some other alternatives. And the fact that there's he'll be one price. of the shorter prices. Yeah. That's, that's that, really that's, what it comes down that, to. Right. Exactly. Like, and kind of one of those horses that on paper, because of all the reasons that we mentioned, you're like, Ooh, he's probably, you know, he makes a lot of sense and he's improving and all that. But I, I'm, I've been a little bit skeptical in kind of both those races. And I feel like if I start to like turn the table on that, this would be like the worst time when he's going to be a short price or the other time when he was, when he was fair odds on, and there's just others, others that I like more, but again, it's kind of one of those horses that maybe my opinion will change in the next couple of days. But if the race was like in 30 minutes, um, I would be kind of using, using some other horses and hoping that, my opinion that he had a hard race and he's a little bit over the top, the slow starts and the trips uh, catch up with him today. Yeah. I think I feel pretty similar with, uh, with angel of empire. That's the 14. We spoke about Forte, your likely favorite number 15, right next door at 50 to one 50 is the number 16 <laughs> uh, race. Kane um, race. Kane exits the the bluegrass. So we spoke about some of the others from the bluegrass with Tappet Trice with verifying uh, with verifying in there. He his big win came in the Gotham on the slop. Um, we had a, a really weird tough trip. He was way out wide that day. Is he good enough? I mean, he's he's not really run fat like fast enough based on a lot of different speed figures. 
Yeah, he's yeah, he is pretty slow. He's one of the slowest horses in this race. Still has kind of the stamina question. You could kind of make that case for him. I thought he was sitting on kind of the winning type race, made the case for him in the Gotham based on sort of an every other pattern, some back numbers. Uh, his second race at Keeneland was a strong speed figure that he hadn't quite run his top this year. He ran his top in the Gotham. He ran a good race, actually, in the Bluegrass against the flow. He closed ground late. If you're watching that race, you're like, this horse is finishing stronger than those other horses that are in the blanket for minors. You know, he's finishing stronger than, uh, what is it, Disarm and, and Sun Thunder, keeping in mind those horses are probably just trying to get points. But the fact that if those two races are his fastest, right, when he was, like, peaked to run the good race in the Gotham, then he really, like, they really got into him to close um, in the bluegrass if that kind of sets him back a little bit in this 28 days with the added ground, the fact that he'd have to just find somewhere where he's 10, 12 points faster just seems like a reach. Um, one of those horses that legitimately should be the longest shot in this field. Yeah. The Okay, I want to group. Um, there, are, there could be three horses from Japan that end up okay. in this race. So we can kind yeah. of talk about all three of them together because Mandarin Hero, like we said, is on the also eligibles list, but we don't want to make the same mistake we did <laughs> by not mentioning some of the AEs. We have um, Derma Sotogake, we have Continuar, and we have Mandarin Hero, all three Japanese-bred horses um, who are going to be running in here, all three horses who we've actually seen run in Japan and um, then have run elsewhere. But the one that's getting the bulk of the buzz and the attention is the 17 Derma Sotagake. And I don't know if he can win this race. 17 is a tough post, too. You can see some of the post position statistics and stuff. But what I will say, win or lose, regardless of if you like him, I like him or not, this is a serious racehorse here, like no doubt about it. And um, that was a good effort last time out from him. And he's probably got a, some versatility to him when you watch his races like he's not just a lone speed one-dimensional type horse does this horse have a shot and then we'll talk about the other horses the other japanese bred horses do you think any of the three of them can compete in here yeah i mean in, in rank order i would be Derma sotogake mandarin hero and then way down would be continuar because continuar, um, yeah. continuar uh just doesn't even look like he's on the same level as Derma sotogake i mean just visually watching them train, watching them gallop, all that stuff. I mean, as far as Derma Sotogake, his races are, his late races are legitimate. Um, speed figure makers that I trust, you know, John Doyle from optics, Craig time Forum, They all have this horse just fast enough to compete visually check the boxes, watching him here. He, he's, he's very quirky, but he's like, you know, he's kind of one of those, maybe even a better side quirky than uh, than Tappet Trice, where Tappet Trice is not quirky in the morning. He's quirky in his races. Or Derma Sotogaki is like quirky in the morning, but then like yeah. puts, puts his mind to, to business in the race because he is so legitimate. And then just as far as, it, as far as an individual, like every time the camera like goes on him, I'm like, wow, that's a racehorse. Wow, that's he knows he's a horse. Yeah, he does. Even if he's just standing there, I'm like, I just can't, like, you know, if I like, I'm on like a dating app, right? Like, I'm just swiping right. Swiping, like, swiping. Like, for you don't sure. even need to read the You're profile. just hoping that he looks the same way in person that he does on the picture on the app, right? Yeah, when you show exactly. up, exactly. Like, please, when my... I get there in the morning and I'm on the <laughs> and I'm on the apron and he walks by, am I still gonna get those dapples? Am I gonna see those? Yeah, um, I mean, he just 
you know, so for all those factors, he's a horse I'm, I'm going to key around. Um, and the fact that he's in the 17 post is even better to me because I just don't, you know, I, horses that have come into the 17, I just don't ever look at them and go, wow, if they had drawn 16 or 18, right. they would have won. But yeah. man, that 17 post, um, which was my number playing roller derby, by the way, a little fun fact. Beautiful. Um, you know, so I just, you know, I don't see that as, as being, as being like the one thing that's going to, especially a horse like this, where he has all those, those other kind of more obvious challenges, but in a race like this coming for a new face, uh, you know, Japan has touted themselves all over the, the world as far as horse racing. I think this horse, um, is absolutely legitimate in this race and, um, when I'm keying around as well. Number 17, May Hemily <laughs> coming out. Um, Derma Sotagake, completely agree. Uh, in the mix for me, no doubt about it. Legitimate horse, and I'm really excited to see. Um, I, I think he's going to run well. I'm, I'm just excited. Like, I hope he does. I, I want him to run well um, and, and like, give a really nice account of himself. So uh, let's see what he has to show. You started to talk about Rocket Can a little bit. You referenced him. He was... Behind Forte in the Fountain of Youth. Then he was in the Arkansas Derby. They're going to put the blinkers on. Now, he's out wide, but the thing about him, he's definitely uh, shown us that he can handle being out wide. Um, In his races, he's been way out wide in a few of them. Yeah, I mean, you know, his question, there's a a couple, is just has he progressed enough? Because he just, you know, hasn't really shown that he has that kind of move forward. And... With a horse like um, like Sun Thunder adding the blinkers at this point, it's like I like I said, I don't think they have much to lose in trying that. In a horse like Rocket Can, it's like he's had those favorable trips, and he's and we've seen how fast he is. I don't know what what they're gonna you know. I don't think it's for a lack of focus why he didn't win. I just think it's for a lack of like not fast, like not classy yeah. enough than some of these other horses, and he's earned his way in. He's doing fine. Like there's no knocks on him from like a physical health standpoint that it makes sense to run in this race. Um, So I don't really see how the blinkers are going to move this horse up in any possible way, which, and then looking at what he's done like so far, he just hasn't, he just, like I said, he hasn't progressed. He doesn't have any of an edge other than, you know, having some foundation and consistency and good connections on his side. Um, But those things have always been on his side and he hasn't quite shown that move forward. So there's others in here that I just, I tend to like a little bit more. Yep. We, uh, we've hit Lord miles. We spoke about continue and we can get to the also eligibles. We, when we hit on the Florida Derby though, as we were pointing out, it really wasn't the strongest group and cyclone mischief was third in that race. I, I think that's kind of like we've seen sort of who he is. If he were to draw in, I can't really get there with him. I mean, of the also eligibles of the three of them, like if Mandarin Hero was there, maybe I could get to including him in some of them. I would agree with you. Yes. I, I would like Derma Sotagake a little bit more. But I think of the three also eligibles, I couldn't quite get to King Russell or Cyclone Mischief. Yeah, um, I yeah, I mean, Mandarin, Mandarin Hero, in my opinion, I thought he ran the, the best race in the Santa Anita Derby and of those horses in the Santa Anita Derby, if they were running in this race, I'd like him. But with that said, I prefer Der- Derma, you know, of those two. Um, as far as Cyclone Mischief, I mean, he, he has races that are fast and as fast enough as as some, some others in here. Um, is this distance what he wants to do? Is this class level what he wants to do? 
he hasn't he hasn't shown that either. Um, as far as him training, I mean, he's training excellent. He's very happy here. He gets over this course well, but I don't know if that's enough to to carry him twelve furlongs. Um, you know, if he finds his way into this race because he's doing well, because he has that foundation, um, a horse I could, you know, convince myself at the big number to put him in for, for underneath. That's, you know, probably the ceiling, knowing that I have a couple horses that I'm going to kind of key, key around. And as far as King Russell, I mean, to his credit, he's shown progression in every single race. Um, his debut, he took kickback. He was upgraded from that, especially with Talamo off. He had an extra wide trip at Keeneland. He's come back this year. Every single race at Oakland Park faster than the race before. He made a very f- positive physical appearance in the Arkansas Derby so much so I was like, oh, this, this horse is going to run big. So I was not surprised to see him run second at almost 60 to 1 that day. He would need a complete Another step forward in this race. So he's kind of behind the eight ball on that front. Um, another horse that kind of has to get the right trip. He's going to have to come from off the pace. The outside post would probably play against him in this case because he'd have to take all the way back and then come all the way running late. Um, so it seems like there's there's a lot of hurdles in his path um, amongst having to draw in being another one of those hurdles. Emily, thank you so much every year. I have to thank you so much. We get the chance to really like... I, f- I feel like I, I, I'm the most prepared after we have our conversation because we really can talk it all out. Like I, I'm kind of directed to one or two more horses that I probably weren't. And then there might've been one or two horses that I start saying, you know what? Yeah. That, you know what? I don't need to include them uh, anymore in the exotics and been so, so fun through the last few years, catching up with you on all the big days, getting to follow along with your work at Woodbine, Santa Anita, Hawthorne with optics all over the place. That's the one thing we always uh, can can trust with you. And the one thing that I like to to present on all of my shows, I can't ever guarantee you winners. We can have really bad days. We can have really good days. I can guarantee you the type of preparation that we're going to have. And, and we can guarantee you we can make smart wagers, right? We can play Horses that are presenting good values, good opportunities. I can guarantee you we're going to, we can do that most of the time. The results, those are going to fluctuate a little bit, but I always know that you have such a great like mindset, a great approach when it comes to gambling. Like I honestly, I learned so much from you just following along with your work, reading some of your write-ups. And I, I'm I love to see what they're doing at Hawthorne too. For the betters, it's great. Like we all yell and scream on our towers about low takeout, and they've lowered the takeout. They put their money where their mouth is, and I'm I'm so happy to see that the betters are responding. And it's great when there's someone like you who takes it, who shows that hey, I'm gonna take the Hawthorne racing really seriously and put a lot of time and effort into it. And I, I've tried to do that myself at smaller tracks with Louisiana and Sam Houston and stuff. Cause like you said, you can find five to one value anywhere. And when these tracks are doing what we ask as customers, we definitely have to respond and, and give them some support. I, I thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Um, I love doing this. I mean, it's my favorite thing in the world <laughs> since, you know, to come out here and I, I appreciate everybody that's going to listen because uh, you and I talked for a long time. So that's a lot of yeah. time that I understand that people are going to be listening. So I appreciate anybody that's going to take the time and, and listen to this. I think there's valuable content in there. Um, taking me a long time to kind of to put it all together and come through it. Hopefully, I think these are, you know, two great races that are extremely playable, win or lose. 
The best place to uh, follow along with Emily is if you check her out on Twitter, Emily Optics EQ. She'll usually share and post uh, a lot of the the content that she has out there, whether it be from Hawthorne or from any of the the different tracks she's covering and the different places she's working. So we're always following along with you, Emily. We're always super happy to support all of your work. Anything you ever need from us, you please let me know because you have given us hours and hours of your time through the years. So uh, again, can't thank you enough, friend, for all the hard work, and uh, I wish you the best of luck this week. Thank you. Same to you. And thank you to everybody listening. Good luck. Folks, we're going to continue on. We'll put kind of a bow on everything now as we uh, wrap up the Kentucky Derby with Emily Gullickson. Thank you so much to Emily. Thank you to David, to Caleb, to Jessica, to Josh, to Barry and Matt, Andrew Champagne, Craig Milkowski, and Chris Larmy, all helping us out on the Saturday Kentucky Derby preview show. Whew. Covered a lot of ground between Friday and Saturday. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, folks. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. It's me, Gino B. Subscribe to the show and share it around with your friends. And uh, yeah, we'll have even more content coming out for you. We'll have This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper, a little preview of Backlash. We'll also have some best bets coming out for Louisiana Downs Racing this weekend, for Santa Anita Racing this weekend. Darren Zocali joins us with uh, some derby thoughts and then a best bet for the weekend. So yeah, there's going to be even more content on another episode coming out later this week. Good luck on a fun weekend, Oaks Derby. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, folks. And thanks again to all the guests who joined me over the last few days. Uh, It's a busy, busy time, and so I really appreciate everyone taking a few minutes out of their busy schedules to come out here and, uh, and talk some races for all of us.